Friday, August the 6th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We've got some weekend racing coming up for you. Plays for Saratoga Friday, for Del Mar Friday, for Saratoga, those uh, Saturday stakes races. Del Mar, we've got some plays for you for Saturday. Then we begin our NFL team-by-team previews. We're going to hit the AFC with Eric. We start with the Baltimore Ravens. And we go through every team in the AFC. We talk about their over-unders for the year. We look into their schedule, which is which parts are going to be difficult, which parts are, are going to be easier. Stretches, maybe games to play or play against. Spots that may look difficult for them. New roster acquisitions, um, coaching, scheme, a little bit of everything. Fantasy football stuff, you name it. We discuss it with Eric talking every team in the AFC. Wrestling with Chad Cooper. We close it out, we discuss AEW, Dynamite, Rampage is on the way, positives, negatives, what we liked, what we didn't, same thing with Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, NXT, we hit on all the major shows in a very lengthy edition of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. So some Friday, Saturday racing, NFL, AFC team-by-team previews for you, and then everything happening in the world of wrestling over the last week. Don't forget that In the earlier episode of That's What G Said this week, we discussed everything from NBA free agency, all of the moves. We also talked about everything from the NBA uh, Major League Baseball trade deadline and how teams are now looking a little bit different. So, got a little bit of everything for you this week on That's What G Said, and we will uh, get into the racing early on this episode that's presented by BetterThan.Vegas. That's your one-stop shop each and every day before you make your wagers. Head to BetterThan.Vegas. Click on a couple different videos from some of the gamblers around. See if maybe they are going to lead you to any winners. Maybe some angles that you can use for other games or other other bets, um, props, totals, you name it. People from all around the world. It's totally free. BetterThan.Vegas. Heck, if you want, you can get involved every week. Post your own videos and they calculate everybody's ROI. And whoever has the highest wins the weekly showdown, wins 250 bucks. Gets sent right to you. I won it a few weeks back. Better than dot Vegas. If you follow them on Twitter at BTV Bets, every night they they have giveaways, parlays, different prop giveaways. And all you have to do is follow them on Twitter and vote in some of the polls and then help retweet and, and share some of them around. Doesn't cost you anything. They give away money just by following at BTV Bets on Twitter. Horse racing time. Uh, we're going to get into the Friday and Saturday racing before we do. We got to always let you know what we do before we play the races. We get to drf.com. We get those past performances out. We start handicapping. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. 
one click to bet now and DRF bets, get real time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF pass performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version and even on the classic past performances you get the home screen with horses with odds with buyers you get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph you can rotate your phone for the best view and any horse that you click on you'll see the running lines you can easily move from horse to horse the same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances you get an interactive format which is Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone. Cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next. And then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com fire up drf.com anytime you're uh, getting ready to play those staple duel contests too uh, over at stableduel.com you can always check out the weekly schedule any key information as to what's happening over at stable duel and you can download those apps for free anywhere you get your apps and stable duel You've heard us talk about it a bunch before. Those daily racing contests. It's very similar to if you played like DFS Fantasy. It's the same kind of format because it's based on a salary cap. So what's cool is you can't just pick the favorites in every race all the way down. That You can't build your lineup that way. It won't allow you. So what it does is it makes you get a little outside the box with some of your handicapping. Might lead you to some extra winners. If you're handicapping to put a lineup in, you're going to likely be handicapping and playing some of those races too on the side. So, yeah, it's, it's always led me to a couple extra horses that, you know, when I'm putting my lineup in, I really have to, uh, you know, get creative in some races. And this weekend, Friday, you got five different tracks with nine different games, three games each at Gulfstream and Del Mar. Del Mar, Gulfstream, Ellis, Monmouth, Penn National. Game starting at $7 all the way up to $500 entry fees for the bigger players. Bigger the entry, bigger the pool. Saturday, August the 7th, Del Mar, Gulfstream, Delaware, Woodbine, Ellis, five different tracks, nine different games, multiple contests at Del Mar, Gulfstream, and Delaware. Games from $10 all the way up to $500. You got the Del Mar, $150 entry, $10,000 prize pool, the war on the shore. And then on Sunday... August the 8th, you've got Del Mar, Gulfstream, Woodbine, Ellis, and Emerald. Five tracks, nine games, uh, a Woodbine free ride. Game starting at $10, ranging all the way up to 500 Stable Duel, another massive weekend on the horizon there. And we're going to have a big weekend too. And ours is going to start on Friday. Over at Saratoga, get those past performances out. And let's flip to race number three for Friday Got a first level allowance here. They're going long on the turf course. Nothing too creative in the third and the fourth. If you're just playing any early exotics, I think the four single soul 
might be a, a possible single in the early exotics. You're not going to get too big of a price there. That one's five to two on the morning line. And in the fourth race, too, you won't get too big of a price on Wicked Trick, who I just think is in a really good spot. Should get a little bit of a, a pace to chase in here and gets a, a bit of class relief. So the five there, Wicked Trick, will also be sort of a short price, but that might be a horse I could put on top in exotics or single in, in some rolling exotics if you're playing there. Horse I do like quite a bit is in the seventh race. Let's flip over there right now, and I'm talking about the four easy time. So easy time just won a grade three up on the synthetic at Woodbine and, and did it pretty nicely. But the race that intrigues me more is the turf race. This is a, a turf race, the grade two Hall of Fame. So easy time was in a little tight early back in that February race. It was at Gulfstream. It was going a mile on the turf. And then it was traveling well, wanted to go, ended up settling a couple links back, was tucked in, had to end up angling out three wide, and then was in between, got caught in a tight spot, and, and you know, it was came on again for, uh, you know, for second. I, I honestly think that cost him the win, and now he's going to go second start off the five-month break. He comes off a nice victory. He looks like he took a big step forward there. Easy time. Let's give him a shot. You look at the way this race shapes up. You've got uh, Wolfie's Nine of Ghost, who's quick. You've got Original, who's really quick. You've got Ranger Fox, who's not going to be too far out of it in here. I think they're going to be going early. Next is not slow. <laughs> Next might be you know, one of the quicker. There's just a lot of pace. So you look at some of the horses that are going to be coming from off the pace. You know, In effect, I might not be quite this good. Annex, I think, may have peaked a little bit earlier this year. And others have started to kind of mature as he's kind of stayed the same. And then obviously you've got a horse like Public Sector who doesn't, you know, you know, makes a ton of sense. Would be no shock. But from a pure betting standpoint, <clears throat> we can get around seven to two on easy time. You know, that that's the the limit. Don't want to go any shorter than that. But the number four easy time in race number seven. And then in the eighth race, I did think Art Collector uh, could be really tough in here on the lead. He's kind of unprepared at the start last time out. He veered out. He ended up seventh, five, six lengths off. Kind of made a slight move to the outside. And it just not a whole lot. I think they're going to send hard on the stretch out. He kind of fits the conditions of this race nicely. He hasn't run a whole lot. And these are for horses that haven't won a, a stakes in 2021. So he's he's only run once. That is the Alidar in the grade three Troy, which is the ninth race. I thought a couple of... Um, Maybe longer-priced horses were interesting to use with some of the logicals. So let's put the 6 and the 8 on top of horses like the 7, 11, and 12. Would be no shock to see Imprimis or the horses to the outside, the, uh, the 11 and the 12, Bound for Nowhere, Casa Creed. Like, they are probably the more likely winners of the race, but as is the case in these turf sprints, you got to get the kind of the right kind of trip. So I do think they will they will show their best. But two horses who are intriguing to me. Gear Jockey, who cut back last time out and feels like uh, being a late-running sprinter might really be what he's been wanting to do all along. And then you've got the sick. Uh, you've got uh, the uh, the aide, excuse me, Caratori, who I I always like uh, like him. He's proven at Saratoga. He's got a little bit. He's got speed, but he can sit a, a little too. And I think it's a good spot for him to. He it might be tough for him to win this race. But if we're talking about a double-digit horse to use in exotics and a horse who with the right kind of trip could win this race, I'm going to use Caratori and I'm going to use Gear Jockey in exotics. I'll put them on top of horses like 7, 11, and 12 here.
That is race number nine. That is Detroit. And that is Friday, Saratoga. We're going to get to Saturday, Saratoga in a minute, but we'll stay with Friday first. Let's get to Del Mar, get those past performances out for Del Mar Friday. So for Del Mar for Friday, I'm going to give you a little bit of a tease here. I'm going to talk about races one, two, three, and 4, and then I will encourage all of you to head on over and check out a live stream that I will uh, be hosting at 5 o'clock Eastern Time on Twitter. All you have to do is follow me on uh, Twitter. It's me, Gino B. Totally free to watch, and we're going to go through the full card for Del Mar for Friday. Uh, I'll have a couple other guests joining me, and we'll go race by race. We'll talk about horses that we'll be using in our stable dual lineup, but we'll be talking about you know the the reasons why we like these horses, and it's obviously going to be more than just we we're going to use this horse, you know, it, um, good analysis all the way through. We usually go about 45 minutes to an hour, race by race by race on that uh, eight race Friday card. So check that out. But we'll give you a few to start the card. We'll go to the opener for Friday, Del Mar, August the 6th. Five furlongs on the turf course. There's not a ton of speed in this race. And Aurelia Mann is going to be cutting back from a mile to five furlongs. And he might be the quickest. In fact, his five and a half furlong race in his debut was actually pretty good. He sat, he was involved throughout. He was behind a couple next out winners, a race that came back very live. And then when returning to the races this year, he had a bad start. Behind defunded He came back, he showed speed Going six furlongs on the turf and finished third And then he had another bad spot on May the, uh, May the 15th He was behind uh, He has behind two next out winners One that came back to win a maiden special One that came back to win a first level allowance He was a step slow, got hooked three wide And then last time out Showed speed going long And now you get the big cutback I think he gets the lead in here And I think he could be really tough Aurelia, man let's use him uh, along with the eight, D'Amato, uh, Gregory's Pride, getting the lay six. Um, no one's behind Rock Your World. Really nice race in the debut. Six and eight for me in the opener as we move to race number two. I thought the three truly fabulous is going to sit a nice trip in here. Maybe third, fourth, early. Look at the four races for Wong since coming into this barn. Excellent form. In with Calbreds today. Good spot for the number three. Truly Fabulous as we move to race number three. Maiden specials going a mile. I thought who's the star? Blinkers on, gets off the inside, had a fine start, and it was just a little green looking early. Kind of tried to angle off the inside and then moved inside. Arrival still looking a, a little jumpy late. I think the blinkers will really help. And he's got action in both. Now he's gonna go two sprints to a route. You get the nice progression there. His his figure, his buyer didn't step forward, and so uh, people might jump off of him, but the race shape just wasn't to his liking. Expect him to be a little more forwardly placed in this spot, too, the number four. Who's the star in race number three? I'd need around seven to two or so. He's six to one on the morning line. And then in the fourth race, uh, Ellie Airway. I hope they just get aggressive with her. She broke on top on June the 13th, but then she just wasn't asked to go on. So she ends up sitting off in the two path. That's just not a trip that really works all that much on the turf when you sit wide a little bit. And it was her first try in five months. She just backed up. She got a little tired late. I think they got to send hard. They have the inside draw. There might be one or two others in here that can push her. But with the inside draw, she feels the fastest to me. Let's hope they get aggressive with the two late, uh, Ellie Arroway, who is 10 to 1 on the morning line. If we got anything over 5, that would feel pretty fair. 
So if you want to hear more analysis about even the first four races with a couple others and then races five through eight, check out the live stream. If you follow me on Twitter, it's me, Gino B. You'll get uh, much more analysis and we'll even have scratches and everything as it'll be just uh, about two hours before first post for Del Mar, which is four o'clock Pacific time. Don't forget about our friends over at oldsmokeclothing.com. Quality clothing and merchandise rooted in the iconic symbols of horse racing. Everything you can think of horse racing. Hats, t-shirts, long sleeves, zip-ups, hoodies. You can get custom designs, names of famous horses, racetracks, slogans. You name it, they've got it. Oldsmokeclothing.com. That promo code G-I-N-O. That'll get you free shipping on your order. Let's flip the page to Saturday. Get those Saturday Saratoga past performances out. So let's go to race number six for uh, Saturday, August the 7th. We are looking at the lure. And value proposition is going to be pretty tough. And Flavius is, you know. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because why do I spend time on a lot of races where I think it's going to be really chalky? But I always like to look at the stakes races and at least address them. You know, Delaware would be the other one. I just couldn't get too cute. I think these horses are really well spotted. I think... Value proposition is nice. He's honest. He's just not quite been a graded stakes type. Really good spot for four year olds and up that have not won graded stakes in 2021. He's run three times. He's just been beaten in two stakes races. One of them a graded stakes race where he was a runner up last time out. And then Flavius, he just always seems to run into some trouble here and there. He does have some class though, and he's faced some good ones. I, yeah, nothing too cute for me uh, in the sixth. We move to the seventh race. This is the Glens Falls. They're going to be going a mile and a half in here. Warlike Goddess is getting ready for a second half of the season campaign. She's been very, very good throughout her career, and she's going to unleash a, a late wicked kick. But I do think on the opposite end of the spectrum, Delika will do her best to try to steal it again up front. This is farther than she is best at, but there's not a lot of other pace pressure in here I I played luck money last time out and she looked like she was going to run right by and Delika just kept going and I just don't know who else goes with her early on so Delika out front trying to steal it in the 7th the Glen Falls uh, yeah maybe 3 to 1 ish or so would be what I'm looking for we get into the test, the grade one test. I've always been a fan. You know where, where I'm going to land in this race. Search results is very nice. Search results is not a horse who I would be trying to necessarily beat in exotics because I do think she's going to get a pretty good trip in here. But super sensational. Finally put it all together, and maybe she just gets uh, she finally gets the benefit of, of some good racing luck for a couple in a row. The Eight Bells, the Rachel, the Silver Bullet Day. She was... Sneaky trouble in all of those spots. Got a little time off, came back. They took her back in a race that had a lot of speed. And she just swooped the field. She was super impressive. And look at this race. You got Illumination, who's drawn inside, is going to go. Bella Sophia is going to go. Always Karina shouldn't be too far out of it on the turn back. Probably sitting just off. Who knows, maybe they just try to send her and, and think that she'll be a little fitter. And then we're looking at the off-the-pace type. So that leaves us with you know search results. Maybe make mischief kind of sitting and pouncing. I don't think Zajil is quite as good as that race. I'm going to make her prove it to me. Sort of feel the same with obligatory. She ran well last, you know, she kind of proved it in the acorn and running really well in there too. 
but that's you know she will run well when they when they she's not one to completely dismiss it's just i'm looking at horses that are all not too far away from each other in you know i'm not a huge speed figures just bla- plain guy but it's not like super sensational is overmatched by the uh by some that might be just a shorter price than her in in this spot let's use 2 and 7 in the test as we move to the Saratoga Derby I thought the 4 Cadillac was a, a must use I'm going to have this one on top um, the, the 6 and the 7 are obviously very logical I'm going to try to get flashiest into some exotics we like flashiest in the ocean side yeah this is a tougher group there's a couple you know, that are that are shipping in that you think might be a lot better that have some better numbers and really seem like they might stand out if they run their A game Flashiest will unlaunch that kick Don't completely dismiss him in there And then the grade 1 Whitney Which is race number 10 What's really fun about this race is I mean I don't love Nick's go And he looks like he's the one to catch and beat I'm just I don't know He throws in clunkers here and there I thought everybody else has got a shot People are really discounting Swiss Skydiver and you know what? This is a tough spot for her, and I don't, I don't think it's 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 tough like mainly because of just the competition. It's not that like she's she couldn't beat these. This is this hasn't been the choice or the A game for her. McPeak hadn't been able to enter horses for a while, and so they they were kind of in a holding pattern. She could be sitting in a really nice spot in here, maybe second. Feels like Maxfield is probably the most likely winner, but why can't either of the two horses on the inside win? By my standards, or Silver State. I just, you know, if that's the case in this race where it feels to me like they're sort of evenly matched, demand prices, you look at the better prices, I would absolutely be okay with anyone who was using the inside three and trying to beat the outside two. That's fine. It just doesn't feel like those... Maxfield is really honest. I think he's probably the most likely winner of this race. I don't know. A mile and an eighth, he's fine. A mile and a quarter is probably just a little more than what he wants. Yeah, this they've wanted to get a grade one and to buy my standard, so don't completely discount him. Look what Silver State's done. And this the Philly can fight. You know she can battle. It's a fun Saratoga uh, Saturday card. Yeah, the, the, there's not a ton in the Whitney, but I legitimately wouldn't be shocked to see any of them get the win. And when that's the case, demand the prices. Use the better prices. Don't say, I like them all. And then if you do, if you think they all have an equal shot, then... Toss some of the shorter prices out. If they beat us at six to five, eight to five, you know what? That's fine. We'll find six to fives and eight to fives we like more. Let's get to Del Mar for Saturday. We're gonna look at uh races eight, nine, and ten. Get those past performances out. So August the seventh at Del Mar. Let's go to race number eight. Um, I really like the eight. In this one, uh, Lady Noguez. So let's look at her last two starts. She was a winner, three starts back. Um, two starts back on June the 13th, she was in a bad spot. She was inside early. She's about four off. She moved up kind of gradually up to about three off. She was in third, and then she ran into a tiring rival, so she had to back up. She tried to angle around. Um just, it wasn't a good trip, and that was going a, a mile and a quarter. So she goes mile and three-eighths on July the 18th, and she gets squeezed, kind of shuffled back early to last on the inside. Um, and she's just, again, in a bad spot. She moves up to fifth, She's but she's in the third flight. So she's just at the mercy of, of what everybody else is going to do. She's got nowhere to go. She's traveling really well. She 
you know, angles around, and she's just second best. She, she, you know, was unlucky. The horse that won got the jump on her that day. So a couple of, of nice efforts, both of them a little sneaky. Maybe because she's drawn more to the outside, she can kind of pick her spot a little bit better. The the eight, Lady Noguez, if we get anything around seven to two or so, that feels fair in that eighth race. In the ninth, the grade two best pal, not the new face, uh, Aquitania Arrival from Churchill for Miller coming into the Miller barn for the first time. I just love when I can see a horse early on show the ability to sit off. Because you know when they catch a field like this, there are going to be a couple horses that are really quick, that won their races, just going straight to the lead and, and outrunning everyone. And what we know is that the six can close, can sit off, can pass horses. And we don't really know that about the rest of the field. You got another Peter Miller from the inside who's going to try to ha- who's going to have to gun it from there, bet on Mookie. Right next door, you've got some speed in our empire. You've got Papa Cap who flew early in winning at Gulfstream back in May. You've got a... Uh, Thirsty always, who went up and won a Calbred stakes at Pleasanton, or who went up and won a stakes at Pleasanton after winning a Calbred maiden special. But I land on the six, sitting off the pace just a bit. Then we get to the tenth race. It is the Grade Two Yellow Ribbon. I'm looking at Princess Grace in here. Princess Grace, who has just done so little wrong in her career. She had not run from November to July. She runs at Parks on July the sixth. In a grade three. She's sitting fourth. She's inside. And she moves right up into it. She's loaded. She's waiting. And then she gets a little bit of a seam. And she ducks inside through a really tight spot. It was a determined victory. That was her first start since November. That was her first start as a four-year-old. She has every right to take a step forward off of that. And if she does, she is right there with the rest of this group. That is Princess Grace, who has a nice tactical running style. She doesn't have to sit too far out of it. Give me Princess Grace in here shipping in to try to take the money in the grade two yellow ribbon. If she is anything around five to one, that feels worthy of a win wager there. So a couple plays for Del Mar for Saturday. Best of luck playing the races all weekend long. And uh, once you make a ton of money and you're looking for a, a new home, call up Cindy Carava. Uh, check out the website C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A. You can find all her listings there, past projects there. She's a full-service realtor, so that means she can help you in buying, in selling, in leasing. If you need a a home improvement, she can help connect you with the right kind of vendors. Uh, Maybe you need help with a home loan. She can connect you with the right type of lenders. She can give you free market analysis of your home's value. There's very little that she can't do for you in the field, in the world of real estate Get in contact with Cindy Carava over at CindyCarava.com. I know she's probably going to be playing the races there from Del Mar this weekend. We are going to get into some NFL, really, for the, the first time in a while to, to set up the upcoming season. I'm uh, finishing up the recording on this late Thursday night. There was a preseason NFL game today. How about that? So Eric joins me to discuss the entire AFC team by team we go through the rosters, new ads schedules, what their projected win totals are on the year um, what are going to be difficult parts of their schedule easy, easier parts of their schedule, games to play games to play against, players to use in fantasy, this is a lengthy team by team in the AFC in alphabetical order starting with the Ravens Eric helps me preview the uh, the AFC so kick back and enjoy NFL fans. 
this one I, this one goes about two hours or so because we spend a few minutes on uh, on every team. This will really help get you set up for the NFL season that is fast approaching. Eric Etoff, two one sports joins. It is that time of the year, folks. We are already set for NFL previews. On that's what she said. Yep, can you believe it? We have a game coming up, uh, preseason game soon. I think we're a little over a month away from the start of the season. That means a lot of people are out there getting their handicapping started. They're going through the team's schedules, totals, new roster ads, getting prepped for fantasy drafts. My buddy that's going to join me right now, who joined me for every week of the NBA season and who joined us for almost every week of the NFL season last year, he's going to help us preview uh, what's coming up uh, with the uh NFL, we're going to start with the AFC teams on this episode We're going to go team by team So we'll start with the Baltimore Ravens We'll go alphabetical order We'll talk a little bit about what their schedule looks like New roster moves, what their total is Where we think they stack up Games that we might play or play against them Little bit of everything Eric, this is like uh, You know, the, the weeks leading up to Christmas For us gamblers Because when the NFL starts there are just so many ways to play and so much action. It's there's nothing that's really comparable to this. I mean, it's the like you said, it's the calm before the storm. I cannot wait. I have my notes. I have notes on every team. Oh my god, I finished my fantasy football guide. Like I have never written such a long thing since my college days. I mean, I that was <laughs> it was like forty six pages. Like it was just way too much like stuff, and it. When I was writing it, it seemed like it was like two Just because I just love just the The whole nuances of the game, dude I mean, it's just remarkable I just, it, it, it's what's it Don't know what you got till it's over And like, mm-hmm. shows me how much I love football Missed it And hopefully my furniture comes from Ashley Furniture So I can enjoy my new pad <laughs> By the time football starts, so One of the cool, uh, the tools that helps someone like, uh, Eric and, and myself out too, um when the uh, when the season starts is uh, NFL Game Pass. You know you can go back and watch the games in like twenty or thirty minutes every single play without the commercials. You can go back and watch some of the coaches' film. You can go back and watch the full game if you want, and you need to get the feel for it. So um, that's always something to to take in a, a look at because it really helps you if you're someone who likes to go back and watch games a lot. I, I it's a must for me as far as my individual handicapping. I always have to kind of. To go back and, uh, and and check out most games and see what exactly. And every every game tells a story. Like that's the fun thing about football. And like you yep. said, like if you really, a couple things happened for me to take my gambling to the next level where I'm at now. And the first thing was rewatching the games yep. and understanding why. Once mm-hmm. you do that, and it's a time commitment, but mm-hmm. just like in anything in life, like if you want to be good, you got to put in the time. It just doesn't doesn't happen. There's no like, magic overnight. Right? No get rich quick scheme The people that are the best put the most time into it And um, yeah these are Time consuming weeks but they're Fun weeks and we will be diving in Each and every week to Every single game throughout the NFL Season now we're not going to play every game Every week but we'll kind of set some of you up For them every week we'll preview them We'll tell you lines totals over unders all that Stuff Um, for this podcast We're going to go team by team in the AFC And then uh, next week we'll do the NFC so we'll start with the Baltimore Ravens. I've got them. What I think their totals around eleven or so. Eric, is, okay. that, is that what you see? At, according to DraftKings, it's at eleven. Yes. Yeah, I think I had FanDuel at eleven. Um, so you look at a Ravens team now that 
know, doesn't have a whole ton of new acquisitions. It's going to be Lamar at, at quarterback, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards likely in the backfield. They brought in a new receiver in Rashad Bateman and uh, Sammy Watkins, so they do help uh, in that wide receiver depth a little bit there with Marquise Brown, the Mark Andrews, very strong tight end there. Um, remember now, folks, this year that there is the additional game too. So remember when the to- if totals seem like they're maybe a little higher or for some teams, it's because everybody's playing that other game. So everyone's got 17 games this year. I look at the way Baltimore's schedule is set up, and I think it's a it's a pretty good schedule for them. I think I, I've got them pegged in like you know pretty pretty close to where they are, like 11, 12 range. They they open up with Vegas on the road, Kansas City, Detroit at Detroit at Denver. Um, then the Colts, Chargers, and uh, Bengals Three games all at home right before a bye So that's going to be a pretty nice month f- uh, Like from the middle of October on After they get back from Denver They go Indy, Char- Chargers, Cincy All three games at home Then a bye Then you come back from the bye And you've got Minnesota So they don't have to travel a whole lot at all In the middle of that schedule And it feels like they're tough games You know, at Kansas City Um Games against Cleveland and Pittsburgh, which you'd probably consider tough because they're rivals. They're all kind of spread out a little bit. I mean, I think their schedule lines up great. I, I already know they're going to be a play against um, week one. Primetime Monday Night Football in Las Vegas with fans. Right. And this is a game like I have. The Raiders get up I mean, for. De- oh, yeah. Definitely going to be playing against this Ravens team. And then with the whole idea is if a they look bad and they lose. Then you're going to circle back and you're going to play them against KC. against against KC at home because um, the value is going to be low. I really like this Ravens team. They got rid of Cooley, the guy that went to go be the um, Texans coach. He was the passing game coordinator and he was the one that was basically not allowing Lamar to throw to the outside of the field. Greg Roman takes over the offensive uh, play call. He's offensive play caller, and he's taking over the passing game coordinator now. So he's going to let Lamar throw it to the outside. So I really think that's going to open up the offense. And it's important to remember the last two years, they had over 3,000 yards rushing. Last year, they set the record. The year before, they had the fourth highest. That's how good this this team has been running the ball. I think that Dobbins is going to take a step up. And we're going to see him running the ball more. I know they lost Orlando Brown in the offensive line, but they got a super, uh, suitable replacement, Bill mm-hmm. Nueva. They, their Defense. injuries on the O-line hurt them last year, too. They're going to yeah, be better out there this Stanley. year. Yeah, yeah, losing Stanley definitely hurt. Um, and they got Bateman. They bring in Watkins. So that's less pressure off Mark Andrews to be the only chain mover. I think Duvernay, the rookie from SMU that they brought in last year, is going to succeed because he's going to have some OTAs and get more time with Lamar and be more comfortable in that slot. I'm really high on this team. I actually played them at 16-1 to to win it because this is their year. If they don't win it this year, Lamar's contract goes up and they're going to be losing a lot of pieces. Defense, they brought in Houston at like yesterday, so that is another added pass rusher. I just – I really – I really like this team. I think yeah, they're definitely headed in the right direction. There's a couple couple spots, though. I mean, the first three weeks, like if they beat Kansas City, then I'll feed them against Detroit. Sure. And then I also have them circled. I always like when I see a situation when a road team is going to be, it's going to be a pick them or it's going to be, they're going to be a slightly favorite going on the road on a Thursday. At Miami. And at Miami on uh, 11-11. That's up Miami play, have, probably. Yeah. 
Yep, definitely have that game. And then a sneaky one to um, to fade them is week 16 the tw- at, uh, at the Bengals. I think that's going to kind of be a sneaky play because when you look at their schedule, they go Cleveland, Pitt, Cleveland, Green Bay, and then at at uh, Cincinnati, I think that's they can make it probably up play. for those yeah. three or four games in a row, and then with, yeah, with the Rams on deck, and if the Rams are as good as everyone thinks they are, that could be a nice, uh, nice little sandwich spot. But overall, yeah, that, that's the stretch of their year. And and I mean, you and I, I think we're both not going to be very high on Pittsburgh this year, but it's still a divisional game right in the middle of the two Cleveland games, who I am going to be high on. So yeah, that's probably the tough stretch. And we don't, you never know with a team like Chicago what you're going to get from them. So yeah, maybe they get that short week. They go at Miami, then they get a little bit of time off, but they still got to go travel to Chicago and then Cleveland. That's that's the stretch of their season right there. That I um I, I still have them at like at least a twelve win team. Yeah, I have them at twelve and five. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have them at twelve and five, but I mean, there's like they caught like God only knows what's going to happen on the fifth. Like, are are Nelson and Wentz going to be back from for the Colts? I mean, both yeah. of them said five, five to twelve to, weeks, five right? To but if it's five weeks, that means they're back for the week one. You know, so yeah. you just don't. That's such a wide range, and everyone's speculating. And the fact that oh, we'll talk about that when we already talk about the Colts. I guess my bad. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, you're you're right. That's just a. Uh, yeah, it's it's relevant. It's relevant. It's just because you you just don't. It's something that you have to take into account when you're playing totals for some of these other teams, right? Because that could be that game changes quite a bit if they don't have one of their best offensive linemen and their starting quarterback. You know, yeah, that, those are two big two big pieces, and you got to kind of a, adjust on the fly. That's why it's always important. Like, I mean, like this is how I look at it. Like, you got to the offensive line has the most effect out of anybody. Because if yep. they're not there to set the table, I mean, then production from the wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, running backs is all greatly affected in terms of fantasy. One of the projections that I had been looking at had the uh, Baltimore Ravens overall just grading their roster um, as the fifth overall best roster in football. They have them as the, um, I think, like a top 10 Offense like sixth or seventh in offense And then just below a top 10 defense Overall they have them as like The number five because they just don't have That many weaknesses when you look at, at Their team and some of the holes that they have Yeah there's there's some spots here and there Um, They could probably use a little Bit more like uh, We'll see with the wide, wide receivers They've got some question marks there <clears throat> I think their edge and maybe their bat Linebackers aren't great But Everyone's got some weaknesses Baltimore has one of the better and kind of more well-rounded rosters in the league So the Ravens we both uh, think probably go over their 11 Another team who was right there competing with the Ravens last year And whose total I think is uh, I, I had them um, uh, I saw them around 11 also Is the Buffalo Bills Who will open up um, with Pittsburgh at Miami, Washington, and then Houston in their first four weeks. This is a Bills team that offensively was incredible last year. Josh Allen took another step forward. Um, they actually brought in Mitch Trubisky, who, you know, not a lot of people talk about that. I think that's actually a, a pretty big move for a Bills team where Josh Allen runs a lot. He gets banged up. If he gets banged up, Trubisky's probably going to be one of the better backups in the league, and he plays a similar style. So you don't have to really change the whole offense. Trubisky can run a little bit too, he can move his legs. 
Um, what are they going to get out of the backfield from Zach Moss? Um, they kind of have backfield by committee because I don't think Singletary's really like a one. Um, Moss is better a little bit more behind the tackles. They also have Brita in the mix there too. Their wide receivers are are very good. Stephon Diggs took took the step as the number one receiver last year. Cole Beasley is always really underrated um, and real sneaky. Gabe Davis had an excellent year, and they brought in Emmanuel Sanders. That's a pretty good one through four wide receivers. And then Dawson Knox at the tight end. This is a a, a good football team overall. Um, where are you stand with the uh, the Bills? So when I when I did my stuff, I look at if if you're in the AFC and you're consider yourself a top team, you got to build your team to compete with the Chiefs. I like the Ravens and the Browns did. The Bills got eaten up with the underneath stuff. In the um, AFC championship game. And that was their big weakness. Also, the Chiefs struggle running against the ball. I really feel that those areas that they had their deficiencies, they didn't address. Their defense is still weak in the middle underneath. And if you have a good tight end, like the Chiefs do, I mean, that that player is just going to eat. So I really don't think they their team can compete with the Chiefs. Because what they do poorly... The Chiefs do good, and I just don't think that's going to get over the hump. Um, Also, in terms of fantasy, I look at it when I make my rankings. I Josh Allen was a top producing player, top producing quarterback. Yep, he's got no place to go but down. down. Mm -hmm. I think it's been like the last fourteen years. QB number one always drops down to like five to eight. Yep. So you got to produce, and we're talking about Brady, Mahomes, like. Legitimately yeah. awesome play Lamar who this happened to right Like all of these players Carson Wentz, Cam Newton, you know all those guys That did these huge breakout years And it just went down Um, Also when looking at the stats Stefan Diggs Like with all the passes Touchdown passes he had 40 It kind of stood out to me With how low Diggs's, um Touchdown rate was so that's why I'm a little like I don't even have digs in my top five, believe it or not, for my fantasy football rankings. Um, and also he's kind of a head case. Like if stuff doesn't go well, he's gonna start to pout. Um, looking at their schedule, they definitely have a tough little schedule uh weeks eleven through fourteen. They have India at home. That's a respect a revenge spot for Indy. That game is always circled for me when you have a team that plays a team that knocks them out of the playoffs. I'm always gonna look there. Christmas Day at prime time. At the Saints on a short week, that's going to be a tough one. New England Monday night; those games are always yep. tough. And then they're at Tampa Bay. That is a tough little four-week stretch for them. That's kind of going to sum up: like, is this a championship team or is it not a championship team? Um, mm-hmm. They brought in those two young pass rushers, which are going to help get to the quarterback. In terms of Moss and Singletary, they offer zero value in fantasy because Allen steals all the goal line. Goal Absolutely, line yeah. I don't, I don't. I don't like them. At I think. Their some of their other receivers might be like matchup wise, a Gabe Davis or a Cole Beasley might be really good DFS plays throughout the year, you know, week to week plays based on on you know who they're facing because sometimes you get a team who's not good at covering, you know, their backers are bad or, or like this, they're not good covering the slot or something like that. Maybe you could find advantages there, but I agree, like from a fantasy perspective, I'm not all that intrigued with them this year. Now, I don't think they're going to be a bad team. But I think they're probably going to be right around their over under. I I got them at like 
11. I'm 11 and 6. I have yep. an 11 and 6. I got him 11 to 12, like right in the middle. I, I've got him as like sort of an 11 and a half win team. You hit the, the stretch. And then the other stretch, that that's going to be difficult. You want to make sure that um, they might be able to start 4-0. You know, they might be able to beat Pitt. They might go on the road and beat Miami, Washington, Houston. They could do that. But then they got two tough road games back-to-back, KC, Tennessee, before the bye. So you don't want to be – you want to be 4-2 and two before that bye or 5-1. and one. If you're 3-3, three and three, you're going to come out of that bye with, like, not feeling that great about yourself, you know. So you, they got to make sure they take care of business those first four weeks because I think they'll probably lose one of those two road games to KC and Tennessee and maybe both. Um. Yeah, I don't sleep on that Washington game. I'm telling. I'm you're right. Their defense, their offense is going to be way better with is, Fitz. Is good. Their offensive line is going to be better overall. Um, I think this. I think that Washington team, that game is going to be sneaky good. Um, they have at Miami. It's always tough going on the road. Um, at Kansas City, at Tennessee, that's a tough little run. And also, like in terms of fantasy, when looking at a player. It's always important to look how they do against the defensive system. Historically, and both you and I, I agree, I think the Steelers are going to suck this year. But Roethlisberger has done insanely well against the cover two defense. And that's what the uh, the Bills play. So honestly, in DFS, like if I had to make a lineup right now, I'm going to have Big Ben in it in week one just because historically he's done well against the uh, against the cover two. Yeah, but yeah, that's... Yeah, their defense is not projected to, on some of my numbers to be anything great. They've got them right in the middle at like a 16th defense. And the key is, is like if they haven't improved enough on the defensive end, they better be careful because their offense was so efficient last year, was so efficient that it was able to make up for some of their defensive issues. So they, it was funny because we kind of always felt like they were more of a defensive team, but they really flipped last year. Um, again, I don't think they're going to be a bad team, but. For them, it's it's about taking the next step. Can they take the next step from like a 10, 11 win team to maybe a 14 win team this year? You know, and uh, and and also it's important. They switched their whole philosophy. They went from like a run heavy team. Yes. And they basically started doing what the Panthers used to do with Cam Newton. And that totally caught everyone off guard. How now is everyone going to adjust? Because they've had a whole offseason. The film. Defensive coordinators to, to watch film and prepare. So what's going to be the new wrinkle? Because Brian, um, oh my God, I'm spacing on the OC's name. Like he, Brian DeBall, like he didn't get a job. That struck me as a little weird. Like what's his going to be his next wrinkle? Was there a reason he didn't get a job? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of questions around this Bills team. I have an 11 and six. I didn't play any futures at all. And honestly, I don't think they did the stuff they needed to do to have their roster where they can go into Kansas city and win in January. We move next to the Bengals, Joe Burrow with the year number two coming up, coming off that injury in year number one, the Bengals, I believe are in the six and a half range for their uh, total, their win total this year. They kick off the season with Minnesota. It's um, unfortunately it's the post bye week and on for them. That looks pretty brutal They've got games after the bye uh, At Vegas on the road Then they've got Home games three in a row But they play a rival Pittsburgh A Chargers team that's supposed to be a lot better And a 49ers team that's going to be a lot better Then they got to go on the road And play 
in a really tough place to play in Denver. Then you come home and you've got Baltimore, Kansas City, and Cleveland. That might be the three best teams in the AFC to close your year. That's a rough little stretch. And <laughs> I mean, I loved what this team did. And I'll tell you what, I, it just blows my mind where you could have a quarterback, and both you and I are very high on Joe Burrow where he's coming off a knee injury and through nine games, he set the record for being hit the most by a quarterback in nine games. You have a chance to draft a tackle, which people are saying this is one of the best offensive tackles that's been in the draft forever in like 10 years. And you draft Jamar Chase where you already have two good wideouts. I mean, I really feel like, are they going to regret not drafting Penny Sewell? I really I'm think worried. that's the big the big question um and also defensively like their defense is based off of rushing the quarterback and they they don't have Dunlap they don't have Atkins they have nobody that can get to the quarterback and they lost William Jackson so I mean I really think this defense is really really going to struggle I really think there's it's going to be like um oh my god the old school Lions when the Lions had Johnny Moore and <laughs> and they just went up and down the field and their defense couldn't stop shit. I mean, I really think the Bengals, if you're going to play the Bengals, the way to play them is a lot of overs because they're going to yep. be able to score, but they're not going to be able to stop shit. And their wide I'm receivers worried. aren't in, in daily, you know, yep. Chase, Boyd, and Higgins because you might be able to catch one of, you know, they're not all going to be super expensive. And in some of the projections that I'm, that I have, like I'm looking at, they've got them all over 900 yards. So, you know, they're going to be down and coming back a lot of the time. They're going to have two games against Pittsburgh or two games against Pittsburgh, who is, eh, but Baltimore and Cleveland, who I think we both expect to be pretty good this year. So that's already going to be a four tough games. And um, e- even what's what you look at, like some of their winnable games. Well, yeah, I mean, they got Minnesota at home, but like, are they better than Minnesota? I mean, they got yeah. they've got Jacksonville at home, but that's on a short week. They just play Pittsburgh and then they got to come and, and play Jacksonville on a short, you know, a short week afterwards, which after playing a, a rival Pittsburgh team and going at Chicago at Pittsburgh, you come home, um, you know, they the Jets they play are the, the, they're at New York they're, and that's, they're at that's the like Jets sandwich that sandwich spot USA between Baltimore, Baltimore and Cleveland. Yeah. And, I mean, they're yeah. at the Lions, but th- th- like that's the problem is that the games that you look at and you go, yeah, they're kind of winnable. They're either on the road or they're not in the greatest spots. I I got them under the six and a half. I think they're probably like a four or five win team. And I I really think they would be like an under that I like because I'm concerned about Burrow. Like if this team is out of it, you know, through 10, 12 weeks and he's getting hit a lot, why is he going to keep going out there again? Or, or what's the likelihood of him getting hurt with this line? And if he's hurt, there goes everything. That's that's their season, you know, and they they seem like they got a tough schedule too. Yeah, I, I think I might I'd play and them. DFS, this is a make or break you know? season for um for the coach. Taylor. I mean, yeah. what does he want? Like six games. Um, and my my DFS comment to this is the, the way I look at it, where there's three wide receivers, the worst thing you can do is draft. Let's say hypothetically, you draft Tyler Boyd. Um, and then you rely on him to be your starter, but one week Higgins gets the targets. The next week, um, Jamar Chase gets it. If you think all three wide receivers are going to be good, just take Joe Burrow because then you have all your bases covered. Yep. So, I mean, instead of picking picking hairs on is it a Chase week, is it a Higgins week, is it a Boyd week, if you think all of them are going to be good. Yep, use, use – 
This is something that we've talked about a lot, right? You can handicap a game and maybe look at it and go, oh, yeah, okay, this is what I think is going to happen, but that team's like a 10-point favorite. I don't want to lay them. Or like in baseball, right? They're plus, they're minus 200. That's too much for me. But what can you use the same information to maybe play something else? Can you play a team um, first five innings or run line or maybe use that same information to play the total instead of, you know, maybe you play the under instead of because you, you like one of the pitchers instead of playing a really heavy chalk. Try to use the information that you have to to get the best value in your bet. Right. And, and there's there's a lot of ways to do that now. Oh, and with player props over under yep, player team props, props individual solo. team props, right? Like, I mean, there's always ways to find stuff. And like hypothetically, last year, the Lions were one of the worst. No, excuse me, the Browns were one of the worst covering the slot. So you just play Boyd Boyd over yardage totals when they played the Browns, just because they're so. Last year, the the Browns were bad covering the slot. So there's always going to be value if you're just willing to put in the work and have the data and just just find your edge. Speaking of the Browns, let's get to them next. They are next on the list. The Browns uh, over under is, I believe, ten and a half uh, in some of the places that I, I looked. And I think this team, um, and and it's funny, it's like this isn't like a hot take or anything because the projections that I'm using here, I think it was these are from Mike Clay because I have a couple different projections. He does a really good job. He does a lot of fantasy stuff, for, uh, stuff for ESPN. But these are early projections he puts out. Um, they've got. On his NFL unit grades, Cleveland is the has the second best roster in the entire league, and the reason is because you look at the way they're built. Right, they have the best offensive line in the league. They have the best backfield in the league of of running backs of a one two combo. They have whether you're a Baker fan or not, he's probably in the eight to fifteen range of quarterbacks, and like when he's at his best. He could maybe sneak into like a top six or seven, you know, like, and he, and he's going to take a second year with Stefanski, the last seven starts of, uh, of last season through, through his last seven games. Let me get this stat. Cause I thought this was a pretty cool one. Um, he was the second highest graded quarterback by pro football focus from week seven through the playoffs. He ranked top five from a clean pocket on standard dropbacks and on early downs for the entire season. So you combine that with the offensive line, he's going to be in great shape, and you have a pretty good coach. You've got on the defensive side of the ball, Eric. They uh, well, and then their wide receivers. You got Odell, who has really high upside. You got Landry, you got Higgins, and you got Peoples Jones. That's a solid one through four. The tight ends, they probably have the best group of tight ends in the league. They've got three of them that are actually playable tight ends in uh, Hooper, Najoku, and Bryant. Then go to the defense. On their defensive ends, they've got Clowney and Garrett. They're now they made a trade last year to bring in the awesome uh, Johnson from uh, from the Rams, the uh, the safety. They have uh, Ward, who's actually really good, and Harrison's still back there. The only thing I look at with the with their entire team is they're a little weak on the defensive interior, and they're a little weak in the middle with their linebackers. But could you imagine how easy it's not easy? But when when Garrett and Clowney are getting doubled on the edges, those those people in the middle are are going to be like one on one in every matchup. I love this team. Now I don't know if that means they're going to win fifteen games, but I think I would stack this team up one one game against almost every other roster in the league. I will say this: like 
my criticism of the Bills, where I don't feel the Bills did what they needed to do to compete and go into Kansas City and win it, win a game in January. I think the Browns did. I think adding Garrett takes a lot. Not adding Garrett, adding Clowney. Excuse me. So that way you can't double Garrett because then you have Clowney and Clowney. When you look at his numbers, he is shockingly good against the run too. So he's not going to have to come off the field on much as running downs as he needs to. They drafted Greg Newsom, who arguably could have been the best DB in the NFL draft. And the sneaky signing they got is they got Anthony Walker from the Colts. This guy is so fast and he's going to be able to cover the middle. And more importantly, he's going to be able to, to, um, to cover Kelsey, which is like the biggest thing you need to worry about mm-hmm. when you go into play Kansas city, the big thing with them and their offensive line, like in my offensive line rankings, they're number one. And I'm yep. telling everyone right now, there's always a defense that comes out of the blue and you're like, Holy shit. How, where'd this guy, where'd this team come one? It was the Rams last year. No one had the Rams graded number one. I have this Browns defense in my defensive rankings right now, graded number two. I think they're vastly. I don't know where the, the weakness is, like we said. And because yeah. what's funny, the weakness that I mentioned, you mentioned Walker and bringing him in. And then one of the other weaknesses was like the defensive interior. Well, they've got a couple young, young guys there in the middle that, that are getting better and that are going to get more reps now. And like you said, it's, it's way different when everyone's focused on Clowney and on, on Garrett. And you know, you're always going to be going one-on-one. And with having a good offensive line, let's say hypothetically, like there's an injury on the defense or like whatever, it's like something happened to the defense because their offensive line is so good. And they have Chubb, I think is one of the best running backs in the game and Kareem Hunt. They can just milk the clock. If they need to, and then just make like shorten the game. Um, the big thing for them is I really, truly don't feel they can win a game if Baker Mayfield has to attempt over twenty five passes. If you can establish the run game, get it where he can make play action passes. He's throwing the ball under twenty five times a game. That is their recipe for success. Yeah. In terms of fantasy, this is and I did him in our King Alliance league. I got Odell Beckham so late. And late, really you have to. In the play action game, he is just he's gonna ha- be have be have great games. Now he's not a week to week play by any means, but there's gonna be great matchups where in the play action game he's gonna be a huge factor. And when I was putting together my fantasy stuff, the thing that caught my mind is in the last four years, Jarvis Landry has had what was it? It was three games where he's had seen four targets or less, which blew my mind. When you look at consistency in fantasy. Jarvis as good as it gets. Always is there. He may not have like these insane numbers, but he's just a Mr. Mr. Consistency. And that's that's the type of guy you want in that wide receiver position for fantasy. Someone that constantly gets targets is going to put stuff up. But yeah, I think this Browns team, I could it's on me. It's on Baker. Can Baker lead you to the promised land? If you think if you think he can, I mean, right now they're at 16 to 1 on DraftKings. That's a great bet. Yeah. If you think you can't, then you don't I do. You know what? I'm higher on Baker than I think a lot of people are. And I think he showed me enough, even in that game, like against Pittsburgh. Uh, Remember that game where they go back and forth? Like, I think you're right. That's the template for them isn't ever, let's drop back and throw it 35 times. But I do think that if they were to get caught in that situation, I think he can do it. And I just trust the growth and development of him and Stefanski. Now, you and I talked about how Stefanski. May have gotten out coached in the playoffs And I I, th- I think he will 
take treat, uh, treat that as a learning experience and and move forward. But um, I, I'm super high on this roster, just really high. Uh, I think they may uh, they play you know at Kansas City right off the bat, but then after that they go Houston, Chicago at home, um, and at Minnesota, um, at the Chargers. Arizona at home, Denver at home, Pittsburgh at home, at Cincinnati. Those are all winnable games. They're probably have, lose, they'll lose a couple, I, you know. But I mean, looking at their schedule, I can definitely tell you. I mean, I really think on the thirty October Halloween they go in. I think they destroy Pittsburgh. Like I said, I'm really low on this Pittsburgh team. Yeah. Um, and then they have Cincinnati. Then right after that, they go to at New England. Um, I could see like Cincinnati catching them kind of in like a, one of those like little nappy, sleepy spots or winning or at least covering that game. Um, week 17, I mean, it's my buddy's, my buddy's angle, Tomlin in primetime. Like, yeah. He made it. So I, I would definitely look to play the, uh, play the Steelers there. And then there's an interesting little stretch at 12, week 12 at Baltimore by then Baltimore. At yeah. Back to back Baltimore games. Yeah, that's a little interesting, uh, interesting stretch. And then Saturday at at Green Bay. I mean, I'm looking for. I am really looking forward to that game if Rodgers is actually makes it that far. Win or lose, or however this team does, they built just like you said. They addressed all of their major weaknesses in the offseason. Everything, and that's every, what like, I like to see. Yep, and and but, that doesn't it doesn't it's not always so linear, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be a Super Bowl winner this year, or that they're, they're going to win more games or make it farther. But you look at their team, how they were last year, and the the thing that everybody was worried about was ah, yeah, but their secondary isn't very good. They don't have a whole lot back there. You feel like they might be able to score, but then if you get the ball, you can kind of run it right down them and score. I don't feel that way at all this year. With their defense, I really do. Like you said, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people and be a be a strength for this team. And their window's closing; like they're doing it right now because Baker's rookie contract's coming up. It's the same thing, like you were saying with Lamar, kind of a thing. You know what I mean? It's like you got to do it with the quarterback when they're young and when they're still affordable. Because then you can get the talent, you can fill in those pieces. As soon as you guys play, start playing Baker. If you like, if you elect to keep him, this roster is going to go down. Insanely, and that's what we've seen. So windows closing. Denver Broncos are next. Denver uh, is a team that's funny because you know they always l- lose a few more games than uh, than they should. Um, they shoot themselves in the foot recently. I know you're uh, your boy Locke here, and you're gonna hope that Locke has a uh, a good year with uh, with Fant, who is someone that you pick in uh, in fantasy, taking a little a swing at a tight end. Now their their receivers is what could really help this team because Cortland Sutton is excellent and and he should be back and ready to rock this year. And then after him, Judy and Hamler are both really talented. They had some problems with drops. Tim Patrick is solid. Like that is a good four set of receivers. They just need the, the consistent quarterback play there. If you have those four receivers and Noah Fant. Um, that makes things a little easier for for Melvin Gordon. They draft a Javante Williams um, also, probably give you a nice one-two punch there. Their defense is always going to be pretty good. For them, it's just going to come down to to Locke, their coaching staff. Um, to me, I I think I have their, their I think I saw their total at eight and a half, and that's that's a, about right where I had them. So I like I was high on this team last year. I I really was high on them, and. Like some, I always look back and my F ups. I always try to understand what what happened, and 
I really think the lack of OTAs really hurt like Cushenberry in the offensive line. I think it hurt um, Drew Locke just not having the reps with the Shermer offense because this is all new to those guys. I think with the whole season and the offseason, the training camps that's going on, I expect that those guys are going to take a step up. Locke, they obviously brought in the competition with Bridgewater. So obviously Locke knows, hey, this is a make or break season for me. Um, you kind of hit it on the head with the wide receivers. You have Sutton, who's a clear number one, can do it all. You have Judy, who's arguably in the second year, one of the better route runners. So you need a 10-yard out, you know, to get into field goal range. He can do that. And you have Hamler, who can play the slot. You can line up in, up in the backfield. So I really think they have the talent on the offensive end. Defensively, they were hurt last year because with the Vangio system, you need two things. You need a pass rusher and you need a lockdown cornerback to take out the other, the opposing D, the opposing offense's uh, best best wide receiver. Von Miller didn't play last year. So now they're getting their pass rusher back. They drafted um, Soutain from uh, Alabama, who's a lockdown corner. So you're getting the two things that you need in the Vangio defense. Plus, they signed Ronald Darby. So I think this defense is going to be better and going to play the system that Vangio Vangio likes. I'm a little higher on this team. I'm also really high on Javante Williams, and I'll tell you why. Um, one of the things I really learned that elevated my fantasy game is it's not necessarily the player, it's the system. Yep. The Broncos run a zone running system. Melvin Gordon is a power running back. Javante Williams comes from a zone running system. They traded up to get him. And here's something interesting when I was doing my um my uh, research for fantasy. Javante Williams, he didn't go to North Carolina for football. He went there for academics. He was like the valedictorian of his class. So he's a smart guy. So all these zone concepts that are very hard for players to pick up, Super this easy. guy's a genius. He's going to be picking them up like that. I wouldn't surprise me by week four, this kid is going to be the RB1, getting the majority of work just because he fits the system. I was able to lock him in at 25 to one to win rookie of the year. I love that bet just because he's such a great fit um, for the system. I am winning 10 games, I but that's not good enough for me to lock in the future, but there's definitely going to be some situations where, you know, where I look to play him. I the think. first three weeks, the first three weeks yeah. are the, I think their whole year, they can start three and oh, they got games oh, at, at the giants at Jacksonville and the jets at home. Those are three very winnable games. You start 3 and 0 or 2 and 1, you give yourself a little bit of confidence because then after that, you got Baltimore at home, then you go at Pittsburgh, you've got the Raiders coming home there, then you go at Cleveland, Washington, short week, yeah. Dallas, Philly at Dallas, Philly. That's not an easy stretch. If you can get to 2 and 1 or 3 and 0 before that, get a little confidence then, then you probably win one or two of those games that you shouldn't. If you don't start well and all of a sudden you lose right off the bat, and then you lose on the road to Jacksonville team with a young quarterback right away. And then you got to come home and play a Jets team and you're already feeling a little pressure. At, oh, I feel like those first few weeks could really do a lot for the, this team one way or the other. The wheels just completely fall off and then look into their schedule. I mean, boom, right off the bye, they get the Chargers and the Chiefs. That's no easy peasy no, right off the bye. Not at all. They're really going to have to make sure they're at least at that six win plateau, six or five wins when that bye comes. But and then the I last mean, three games of the year, you go at Vegas, at the at the Chargers, and KC. Now, you may be lucky if KC has, like, the division wrapped up and is sitting, guys. But just looking at those games on paper, 
that's not an easy three to end with two road games and then a division rival. Yeah, I mean, they're they have these little two to three games packets, pockets of games that are like a little tough. But it's all like you said, like if they if there's if they're able to go into the Giants and win, you know, there's a good possibility that they go three and zero going yep. into Baltimore, which mentally wise is a huge animal. Oh yeah, than being, especially than being oh. one and two. You start buying I, into Fangio stuff more, you know what I mean? People get behind the, the coaching. It's just everything's different. But I mean, the Fangio defense plays, and I really think, like I said, if Miller's healthy and can get to the quarterback, I really think that's going to be a huge thing for them. And I mean, I think that Denver defense, I have them as one of my. I have them as the fourth defense. I think this is a defense you can get late because they're at, got Miller, got Sutan, got Garvey, bringing everybody back. I think this defense is going to be insanely undervalued. And the thing is, is like. Every de- defense of mine, um, who is the guy that was your team's DC last year? Um, Stanley. Yeah. He comes from the Vangio system. Vangio taught him everything you know. So yep. every defense that is doing good, it's some sort of Vangio type. Tree. Defense. They're like so, a branch yeah. off the tree. Yep. Yeah. So I think, I think you know, their defense is going to be good. And if they can get anything from the offensive line and a quarterback play, I mean, this team's going to be like serviceable and like a, one of those middle of the road teams. They just don't. They just don't have the build to the difference from them from going right. Like they feel like they're, I had them eight, nine, nine, eight, like in that range. And they feel like they could be a three or four wins above or below that very easily. Right. They're one of those teams that if you said, oh, they ended up winning 12 games or, oh, they ended up winning five games. It really wouldn't shock you. No, you could see it going either way. And I mean, that's why it's always important. Like you want to get off to that good start. And then, they got lucky because go traveling east for a West Coast team is always hard, but that's a three twenty-five game in New York. That's not a twelve twenty-five game. Yeah. And then they they'll probably stay on the East Coast so that way they don't have to go the back and forth and just play in Florida and then come home to play the Jets. I mean, playing Zach Wilson, who I mean, we'll talk about this more, but you have a rookie quarterback like in mile high. That's that's tough for a rookie yeah. quarterback on his third game. But yeah, I mean, they need to be two and one, three and zero going into that Baltimore Pittsburgh stretch. Uh, next up is the Houston Texans. Their over under is four, <laughs> and uh, it, it's so difficult, you know, with this team because we have no idea what's going to happen with uh, with Deshaun Watson if or when we're going to see him play at all this year. They do have Tyrod Taylor as a quarterback, so not a horrible backup situation. Tyrod's one of the fine, like uh, okay backup, sure. But he's not your guy. We've seen teams try to get behind him before, and this—he—he's a good backup that can come in for a week or a couple weeks and and maybe keep you in games. It's funny because when you just look at their like their skill position players, they don't seem like to be as bad individually as I think the sum of their parts is going to be. This team just looks is—it feels like they're going to be bad, and I would not be shocked. They already traded Randall Cobb. Uh, we're already getting. I would not be shocked if. You know, throughout the year, they start selling off parts of, you know, anything that has value there. Uh, they got a couple different running backs, so we don't really know what they're going to do. David Johnson, they brought in Philip Lindsay. I think they have a couple others in the backfield too. Um, I start going through this team, and heck, they could win Week One. They play Jacksonville, and Jacksonville is going to have a, a first-time starting quarterback. After that, let's say they do win at Cleveland, home against Carolina. At Buffalo, home against New England, at the Colts, at Arizona, home against the Rams, at Miami, at Tennessee. 
those are all losses. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, probably nine in a row, maybe. Then then you get the Jets at home. Like, let's give them that game. Uh, then you got the Colts, Seattle. Then you got to go at Jacksonville for a team that's probably going to be a young team that's probably going to be a lot better at that time with the new coach having, you know, played 14 weeks so far. You got the Chargers, and then you end at San Francisco and Tennessee. How many games does this team win? I mean, that's the thing. Like, when I go around and I, like, do my little stuff playing with, like, playing with the schedule and everything, I mean, my first – this is my thinking with them. A, this team is going nowhere with Jack S. will be in charge. This guy's a piece of shit. Yep. Google him if you haven't. Read all the he guy has no business running a team. This team is going nowhere with him. Him there. Number two, this whole Deshaun Watson thing completely is mind boggling to me. Somehow he's at camp. I mean, I heard the interview, the the podcast interview, that on Twitter. I mean, if this stuff is true, this guy has some serious issues, and his indictment isn't going to be until February. So the NFL needs to make some sort of ruling because he's just kind of there. So he doesn't get fined. So the NFL needs to make some sort of ruling. So that's definitely something if you've already drafted your fantasy football teams, monitor. Because if he plays, this definitely changes the whole outlook of the team. And 100%. He's definitely gonna be, gonna be, he can carry them to win games. And with some skill players here, absolutely. And this doesn't have anything to do with, with what he did as a person. Or what, we're, we're talking about this from a, from a betting and a football, football standpoint. And if he's on this team, I mean... Everything changes. That four probably goes to seven. Right. I mean, Watson's like QB two or three. You know what I mean? Because yeah. his running, his passing, and everything. But if he can't play, Tyrod Taylor can't do anything that you know Watson can do. So that's like the real hard thing. Like I honestly, I have no idea what's going to happen because, and like I said, indictments not till February. We haven't really heard anything about it, and the NFL hasn't made any announcements. Um, I will say this, though, about this team. I think as the year progresses, I think their defense is going to get steadily better. Lovey Smith, in my eyes, is one of the most underrated coaches in football. He's going to be able to come in, and this talent-wise, this team sucks in the defensive end. Just God-effing awful. But I think toward the end of the year, this team is defensively is going to be better than people realize. Kind of like the Giants, where the Giants, the last, I think, what was it, the last like eight games of the season, their defense number four in the NFL. Yep. Um, I think like this team, because of Lovey Smith and me valuing as a coach and a teacher, and I think this team defensively could be good. But the offense, I have their offensive line graded the second worst. No well, idea. They got Mark gonna... Ingram too. Yeah. I forgot about that. Right? They got no Mark idea. Ingram here. They have Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay. I mean, there's just so many questions. I just. I just can't be invested in anyone no. on the offensive side. But, I mean, they do catch some teams, like, shockingly, like, at good spots. Like They, they do. Have, um, they do. The, I mean, right off the, the bat, Panthers. they catch, they catch yeah. Jags with a rookie quarterback at rookie home. Rookie Lovey Smith. They have the Panthers. The, I think the Panthers game, what was it, sandwiched between the um, Saints and the Cowboys. They catch um, like, New England and, at home. And it's on, and it's on a short week. And and they get it on the short week. They have the Colts like right before the Bills and Buccaneers game. And maybe um, it'll be without Wentz and without with their injuries. They catch like the Seahawks in a good spot. They catch the 49ers in a good spot. So I mean, like spot wise, it's not that bad if like Lovey can just get this defense going. But 
I mean, they just personnel wise, they just suck and they're just not going anywhere with uh, Esco being in charge. And yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a long year in Houston, but I think Lovey defensively will have this team where like toward the end of the year, like, you know, when they play, like I'm looking at the, like when they play San Francisco, I mean, I think that like that could be a good low budget DFS play or if Tennessee has the division wrapped up in week 18, that could be another low budget DFS play. So you guys are just going to have to monitor like how it's budget and how it's playing. But that would be the only thing I'm interested in for the Texans. Couple big injuries for the Colts. Um, now, have you seen this mo- this number move a whole lot? I ha- I saw it at nine recently. It was at nine and a half when I did did my stuff. They and now it's down to nine. Taken, yeah, they've kind of taken everything off. But that's the thing. Like like I said, like we don't know. Five weeks from now, like that's the beginning of the season. Do, I will say, don't play this total. That's just like yeah. that's what I'll give you as a recommendation because this total and the Houston totals, like unless you just want to play under in the Houston because you're just projecting that Watson's not going to be back there, then I get it. But both of these teams, like if Wentz is here and in a good situation, I mean this team is a playoff team and they have a pretty good roster. But if he's not there, I mean we have n- we have absolutely no clue what they would be getting from a quarterback from and we and people want to rip Wentz all they want for how he struggled last year. But I mean, this would be, we, we just have no idea what you would be getting from Eason here. I mean, you, you have no clue, but the bigger issue for me is Nelson, their guard. Who's absolutely best guard, best offensive lineman. He's out the same five to 12 weeks. No one knows what's going on. So, I mean, he might be the best guard in football. Like he might be the best best offensive offensive lineman lineman in football. I know. Like for me, when I did my projections, I had this team winning 11 games when the Wentz and Nelson, when Wentz news broke, I dropped it down to 10, nine. When When the Nelson news broke, I dropped him down to eight. I think this totally changes the beginning part of the year. I mean, I obviously, I like, I had him beating, Seattle I had them beating the Rams And, and now they can lose both of those games Tennessee. I had it's kind of crazy I had them going 3-0 and And then losing to Miami Now I actually have them going 0-3 And then beating Miami So because I figure that's when the, This week 4 because that will be uh, That might be when be he's back, back, or yeah, Nelson's back that'll be once, or... That's when I think Those guys will be back Like when I look into stuff So yeah and in terms of futures This is one of those things The nice thing about future play now is you can wait like it used to be in the old days like you had to get it at the beginning of the year and that's it if you missed out you missed out but now like week to said, week. yeah there's so many betting options if this team starts out on two on three and they're gonna, gonna have the playoffs or something insane oh you're even to win yeah just because yeah. like their offensive line is good their defense you know losing walker like i said is gonna hurt losing houston is gonna hurt but they have all these young guys they brought in that are gonna see if they can play at this level. Like if they're, if you watch the first three games, I get, which they could lose and they're competitive, but their offense is struggling. We have to remember they're going to get Wentz back. They're going to get Nelson back. This team is going to have value to make a run. I was high on Wentz. Like I wrote this thing for my Instagram page. I thought Wentz was one of the biggest fantasy football sleepers. Um, so yeah. And the fact also that they're not panicking and trading for someone kind of leads me to believe once we back. Sooner they don't think there. it's that bad. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if this is a panic situation, obviously, like, Nick Foles makes the most sense because he knows the system, but the fact that they're not doing anything, I really, you know, that I'm would, really not. Wouldn't that, that be panic. hilarious if Foles came in here again yeah. for once, like, in the same spot? That would be really funny. 
<laughs> just yeah. like, but, uh, yeah. but when you look at it, it makes the most sense because he, he does the offense. Um, I think he's a good backup was... and you don't, you don't want Foles to be your guy. We've always seen he's right. perfect in stretches like that. He's going to have four weeks. He'll come in and probably play pretty well for you for four weeks. You know, and everyone's yeah. Oh yeah. And the thing is, is Wentz is Wentz likes to take shots. That's how he is. He likes to take shots downfield in terms of fantasy. Everyone's talking about Jonathan Taylor, how much that hurts him. This hurts T Y Hilton the most because yeah. T Y Hilton is the field stretcher. And it actually, if they play Easton or like whoever, like I forget who the other quarterback is. Oh, they're not going to play Sam Ellington. If they bring in like a Nick Foles, um, Michael Pittman's going to be the guy who who gets the bump. May probably Jack Doyle too. Yeah, the tight end side of the security yeah. blanket. They're like a yeah, big but, possession receiver that can get you a first down. But I really think Doyle like has the um the potential to be have that buddy buddy relationship like Wentz had with Ertz. I really Absolutely. think that that potential is there. I think Doyle is a very underrated guy. But this I like this team a lot. Like I was high in them last year. I really thought. Like they had a chance to win it all. I thought they had a chance to beat the Bills. Um, and who, like, like I said, you have to watch the first three games, see how the defensive young guys are playing. If they're playing good and they're losing these games to Seattle, the Rams, and Tennessee, who I think all could be playoff teams. Seattle with the hardest time. Then you take the future. Like if and if they struggle, then you just then you just lay back. But I definitely think that spot if they are zero and three and they go to Miami, that's a home run spot to take the Colts. I also on week uh, what is it? Week 18, you kind of have to see how the season's unfolding. I mean, you have a young Jacksonville team that's just kind of figuring everything out. If the Colts, if their playoff hopes are done or they're resting people for the playoffs, that's going to be a home run spot to uh, to take Play the Jaguars. Jags. Yeah. Speaking of which, they're the next team uh, that we'll be discussing. Jacksonville Jaguars, they're over under, I think I see six and a half in, uh, in a lot of spots for them. And we got a new staff coming in. And we've got the, I mean... Probably the most highly regard, uh, regarded quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. I think that's probably safe yeah. to say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this guy, people are going crazy about this guy, and rightfully so. And he's going to get – we have to keep this in perspective. The Urban Meyer system with the RPOs and the, the play action and the reading, and he's going to be thrown to the wolves right away. Yeah. So, I mean, if he goes <laughs> and – the Texans just fucking murder them like 35 to 10. You're in trouble. We, Yeah, but you just have to pump the brakes just because like Urban's going to go four wide outs. He's going to have RPOs, you know, play action. He's going to just throw this kid to the fire and just expect him to process, process the whole uh, everything. Um, and, and so early, you're right. Some early, early struggles I and they're probably going to just struggle. And, and you see the way their schedule is too. And, and like the end of the year, they've got from the last four games, uh, Houston at the Jets at New England Colts, those are games that could be really winnable for this team at that point of the year. Oh, for sure. And also, I mean, I really like looking at their schedule right now. I mean, you have the Cardinals coming out for and week three. By then, you know, I think like the Jags will have the, the young guys will have it figured out by then. Um, and the Cardinals are still weak in the interior, as we'll talk about when we talk about the NFC. And that's just going to open up stuff where Lawrence will be able to lean on the tight ends, lean on, uh, oh, my God, the kid who played at Colorado. I can't even play it. Say Chenault. It. Yeah, Chenault. And, Chenault. Chenault. and Shark. Shark is good. DJ Shark. They'll be able to lean on all those guys across Your boy the Marvin Jones Jr. is going to help them, yeah. too. 
He's not yeah. like a one, but he's a, like a a two, a number two, three receiver that as a veteran that when so you look at like they've got Lawrence, Etienne, Robinson, Shark, and Chenault, and then their tight ends like O'Shaughnessy and Manhurts. There's there's a lot of talent there, but they're all young. Someone like Marvin Jones Jr. is going to be a really nice presence there for Lawrence. You know, we talk about safety blankets. He might be one because he just is going to be in the right spot and just be like, here, kid. Like, let me get, let me take the 10 yards off your hands. Yeah. Here, let me show you how to do this. You know, he's going to be that guy that's going to be able to come in and just say, hey, I'm here. Give me the ball. Cause he's a pro's pro. I mean, mm-hmm. Stafford had nothing, nothing but good things to say about him. So I really, I think he's a solid, uh, He's going to be solid at the beginning part of the year. But once Lawrence gets comfortable, I think he's just going to be slinging. This team is going to be, like, we talked about people you want to target in fantasy. Like, these wide receivers, are these like, the Jags are going to be behind in a lot of games. Yep. This is kind of who you want to target yep. um, in terms of situational spots on, um, what week is it? Week 11. The San- they catch San Francisco, and San Francisco has one of those playing the Monday night football game on the West coast. And then they have the early start on Sunday. So yep. those are one of the spots that I really, I really look to uh, look to circle. They have week 12, they have the Falcons um, right before they have the bucks. At and home. that, so I mean, just, just a couple spots and also a stretch from, from five to two, that San Francisco game, that's going to be a tough stretch for them where they go Tennessee and then Miami neutral field. But that's a road game Then you get your bye Then you go at Seattle, Buffalo, at Indy And then that San Fran game Like that's that's a six game stretch there Where you can't You can't go 0-6 or 1-5 You gotta try to win like two of those games I mean they could honestly Like I mean they have the Bengals in a short week You know what I mean like, Yeah. That the week before they, That's a tough uh, Really tough schedule Yeah. Tough little stretch I, I will say this though Um they're changing to a three, four system this year, and that's going to help uh, Josh Allen and Chase in the, who's the second year player. That's going to help those guys be able to get to the quarterback um, a little bit more in terms of in terms of fantasy. Like we have to remember it's a whole new regime in uh, Jacksonville and they have no ties to James Robinson. So yep. for as great as James Robinson was, they traded they drafted Eddie in the first round. So, I mean, that's the tell this kid is going to play. So I'd be really careful about James Robinson. I think Lawrence offers tremendous fantasy value for the second half of the season. Um, and I, I want a piece. I'd want a wide receiver from this team on my league, just because they're going to be behind in a lot of games and forced to throw. And like, those are wide receivers are usually the sneaky ones that can help you sneak out a ship. We are on to the Chiefs And uh, the Chiefs are projected uh, uh, With a 12 and a half uh, Win total um, I will say About this Chiefs team Now they did improve their offensive line quite a bit Which was their big hole at the end of the year um, And they have from The running backs You know I know you weren't always that high on, on CH Clyde Edwards Hilaire He's not like a, an every down between the tackles back Their backfield's fine um, And you know, Sammy Watkins isn't a number one wide receiver, but he he felt like he added a little something to them. I think you're high on Hardman here, but they do have some question marks. They need, you know, their backfield isn't incredible. Um, they they have awesome 
a tight end and an awesome number one wide receiver, but they do need to see Hardman and and maybe others step forward. Um, and I don't think they have the easiest start to the season. They've got look at their first seven weeks. They play the Browns at Baltimore, the Chargers at Philly, Buffalo at Washington, and at Tennessee. That's not an easy seven game stretch to start. No, they have a tough. They have a very tough tar- start to the season. And I'm looking at my projections. I have them one, two, three. I have them four and three to start the season. Me too. Like I, I got them twelve and five. I I have them ten and seven. Like yeah. And this is the reason why I have them ten and seven. The thing that makes their defense tick, and I think their defense has been one of the most underrated defenses in the NFL. And I thought it did a great job in the playoffs. Um, Brent Clark. What is going on with him? He was arrested and charged with um, felony gun possession. If he doesn't play, that is going to put a lot more pressure. Like, Chris Jones isn't going to be double-teamed anymore. Jones won't be double-teamed anymore because you don't have Clark there. So, I mean, that just opens up their whole defense. And if you're not able to get to the quarterback, that puts a lot more pressures on the DB. And this this defensive group in the back four isn't as good as people think it is. Um, In terms of C, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I wasn't in on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being drafted in the first round. There was no way that right now where he's being drafted in the third round. I, hey, this year, I am sure. all for that. If way you different. get Edward Solaire in the third round, hey, I'm all about that. Maybe as like an RB2 even. Yeah. As, a, as like a second, as your second starting running back. Hey, I'm all for that. But he's, he can't beat your RB1 just because like you, like, like we've said, can't run in between the tackles and probably not going to be the goal line back. So he's really hard to trust. And also this team is played. Now, granted, I, I get they've improved their offensive line, but this team has had some deep-ass runs. One yep. is age going to start showing itself on Kelsey. You know what I mean? That's yeah. my big worry with Travis Kelsey. When is age going to show up? Because he's 31 right now. Tyreek Hill, he's been hurt a lot. I'm really high on Hardman. I love Hardman. And everything I read says he's going to be a bigger part of the offense. I love that kid. Um. Mahomes, hey, Mahomes is Mahomes, and they've improved the offensive line. They're obviously going to be in the playoffs, but like I said, it wouldn't surprise me if they're a wild card team and like yeah, ten and seven, and they struggle because like Cleveland is going to be so focused on that game because it's going to be a revenge spot. Baltimore, after the last couple years, after what they've done to them, right? Oh yeah. Then you go at Baltimore. Then you you play the Chargers, who I'm very high on this year. Yep. Then Everybody play, is. Yeah. Then, then you go then at, you, you have to go from Chargers at Philadelphia. Yep. And then you have a primetime game versus Buffalo. And then you play a Washington team. Washington is the only, Washington has seven first round draft picks starting on their defensive. Like, think about, they have, they have the, that's the most by any team by far. And then There's after after game. Washington, then you come uh, a week later, you travel to Tennessee, and you got to chase around a Brown and Julio Jones. And then you have and Henry. <laughs> week, then, then, yeah, and then week nine you have Aaron Rodgers, and yeah. then right before the at, bye you have you go Dallas. at Vegas and Dallas. I mean that like, is not this, easy. Yeah, this is a tough little little stretch, and it I like is. I really think like yeah. the whole thing for them, like if, like I said, if Clark if Frank Clark's not there. And you can double Chris Jones, and Chris Jones can't get to the quarterback. This changes their defense, and this is going to put more pressure. Yeah, I think this is yeah. an under for me. It's 12 and a half. Like, I had them at 11 to 12, and the more we talk through this, like, yeah, that's a tough that's a tough schedule for, for KC. And trying to 
make it to the Super Bowl for a third consecutive year. That's I mean that's tough. That's that's because like like we talked like everyone's talking about the NBA and the Bucks. Um, off season these guys have like need to recover, need to get their body right, and like these guys just like football is just so much more physical than basketball. Like their bodies are eventually just going to start breaking down. You got a you got like a hit meter, right? You've only got so many hits you can take on that hit meter. Yeah, and how's um. Mahomes is book going to be like I know it's like he's fine you know he played in the Super Bowl but is that going to be a lingering effect on something you know what you know what I mean I don't know like you just yeah. start thinking about no you're right and, it's um, the, it's a chalk team that is overvalued no matter what right like their 12 and a half places should probably be 11 and a half yeah, win, I mean, win I or lose you, whatever you like pro- I'm looking at their schedule right now I'll probably have the I'll probably take the Browns in the points me too. I'll probably take the Ravens in the points. I'll probably take the Chargers in the points. I'll I was gonna say the Eagles in the points. Yeah. I mean, I'll this will like straight up, I will probably be playing against this team every single week. Just yeah. because they're gonna be overvalued and overhyped. Yeah. Um I completely agree. They're just, always just a little bit they're they've become because of Mahomes and because how good they are, they that's the same problem that you would run into with the Patriots or you would run they're very rarely, even in their good spots. They're not good value. Yeah, and, and that's what betting is. Betting is mm-hmm. you always find the value. And the last thing you want to do is, oh, Chiefs are playing the Eagles. Hey, you know they're the better team. I'm going to lay the five with the Chiefs. I saw them last the week beat somebody thirty-five to seventeen. You know, like I'm, right back yeah. to the Chiefs. I'm going to lay the five and a half, and they'll cover it. Boom! Chiefs win 24-21 and a last-second field goal by. But you know what I mean? That's how yeah. it goes. That. You gotta find the value. You gotta understand the situations. And I mean, that Eagles. I wouldn't surprise me if the Eagles won that game just because the Bills are on deck. And me it's neither. A sandwich between the Chargers and the Bills. Like you, you play the number, you play the situation, and teams are gonna be overvalued coming off wins, undervalued coming off losses. So I mean, that like if the Browns somehow beat the Chiefs, they're a fade the next week. That's that's what we need to find when we're going through these schedules and. Understanding the week to week stuff. Um, yeah, so I'm definitely I haven't bet the under, but it's on my list that I'm definitely interested in, in this under. But I think it's just gonna keep on creeping up where you can I get agree. So plus, you might be able to wait and, plus and money, yeah, plus money. Get more, let's get to the Raiders. We'll go Las Vegas Raiders, who uh have an over-under, I believe, of six and a half. And um it's crazy because this team where they were last year at that point of the season where they were playing so well and they looked like they were going to make the playoffs and then they went they beat the Chiefs and then they went over and got the crap kicked out of them by the Falcons and the wheels just fell off. Um, starting but that's to, another spot. Like yeah, you and I, I we loved that spot. Remember? That, oh yeah, we went on both and that because we <laughs> understood the spot. We knew and like, it. That's what it's about, and the wheels just. Fell off under that in that game against Miami at yep. home. Oh my yep. god! Oh, when gosh. Fitz came in and we got him back. Yeah, we we were, yeah we played against this team a lot last year. Once they started to crumble, um, and I just like you look at their team. They might be kind of a fun team to play some DFS receivers week to week because they they'll be behind in some games. Their defense is not very good. Their offensive line is a little bit better. It used to be incredible, and then it went from incredible to just horrendous. And they have one of the I mean, if you wanted to say Darren Waller was the best tight end in the game, I wouldn't really argue with you from what he showed. You know, people will say Kelsey and a couple others, but Kittle, he's right there in that list. And he's going to have a monster year. Um, John Brown might kind of be sneaky 
um, As like a, a wide receiver at the very end of your drafts Or a DFS play um, Jacobs and you know Drake in their backfield I don't know how much I love Carr And I do not trust their defense whatsoever They could be in some fun games But they don't have the easiest start to their season They get the Ravens at home to start Then they got to go at Pittsburgh They play Miami They got to go at the Chargers Then they play Chicago They go at Denver And they go Philly I mean, you could tell me anything about this Raiders team When they hit the bye If you told me they were 0-7 Or, I mean, if they were 7-0, I'd be shocked But if you told me they were, like, above 500 It it wouldn't surprise me that much If they were, like, 4-3 and I I don't know if they're going to be bad, bad Or just sort of, like, entertaining but bad Um I, I'm not high on him though. I'll tell you that. I, I have him. They're like gonna eight, seven to eight wins. I have him five and twelve. I yeah. mean, I really think they lost Rodney Hudson. Rosie Hudson is their center. He's the quarterback of the offensive line, calling everything. Losing him is going to be a dramatic loss. Also, Aguilar was the deep threat. Now you mentioned John Brown, who may be able to come in and fill. And that he's role. not. I'm saying he but, will be. Okay from like a fantasy I don't think he's going to make any like move The needle in real football sense Right it's just he'll be there because somebody's Got to catch the passes but he's not Terrifying you on the field No not not at all And Aguilar was phenomenal For him yeah like and he's Gone he's in New England right now so I mean They really don't have a quote Unquote chain moving wide receiver except For Waller and that's why Waller is so So valuable I think Henry Ruggs is a bust I, I don't, don't like this kid Kind of reminds all. me of Marquise Brown a little bit You know yeah. like you're going to get some flash with him But uh, is he going to ever catch Like 8 to 10 passes a game I don't know Yeah he's not. He's just going to be that guy who does deep and that's it He'll have one game where he has like 8 for 120 And then he'll, his next game he'll have 2, 3, 3, 3 right two, he just, 2 yeah. for 35 you know what I mean Nothing. Yep. Nothing spectacular I have no idea what the hell's going on in the backfield I mean, you have Josh Jacobs, and you bring in Kenyon Drake. And I hated Jake that ever makes, since Jacobs. Zero sense. Those those fantasy comments last year, where he was being such a dick about like trying to screw over people in their league, and if they weren't going to play or not. I know that's just not a big deal, but it's like I don't. There's nothing. I don't feel like a, a positive energy at all with this team at all. And like their first round draft pick, they tra- they drafted a guy that they could have gotten the third round. Like they always like try always to do that. The they get too cute for themselves. Yeah, it's just I don't I don't like this roster can build build at all, and I feel for him. I feel for Derek Carr more than anybody in the NFL because I really feel he had that devastating leg injury when that Raiders team that had uh, Crabtree, Cooper, they were I think that Murray was in the backfield. That team was solid as hell, and I really feel that team could have won the Super Bowl. If Car didn't um, break his leg. They he was playing just, like an MVP that year. They were really good. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I just it just shows you how quick the window can close. I don't really feel like Car can elevate people like that anymore. No. I feel he throws a good ball. He um, actually had a good stretch this last year where he wasn't making the. You know, he started to. We talked about how he's like he, he's checked down a little bit, but he was actually going a little deeper and trying to. You know. They, it's funny because there, there's always there's, there will always be a stretch of the year where they play well for about three or four weeks, and everybody starts to go, oh, you know, look at the Raiders here, and then they just but then the they, wheels just fall off. Yeah. The wheels. But I mean, like I will say this though, like they brought in Gus Bradley. Um, I really think their defense lacks the depth to be good, especially in the secondary. It's going to put a lot of 
it should pressure be on the better. young players and they're going to get shredded. I mean, toward the end of the season, they'll get better, but I just really think it lacks the depth to be a good unit. Uh, looking at their schedule week one, like I said, I'm going to take the Raiders plus the points. Um, Las Vegas crowd home open home opener with fans. Definitely like that spot. And then as much, even though I hate Pittsburgh, it's one of those situations, West coast, Monday night football game, boom, early, early start on the East coast. So I'll definitely like look at Pitt. Yep. Um, and then week, uh, week 10, they catch the chiefs on a um, Sunday night. I'm not going to say they're going to win the game, but like we talked, just talked about with the chiefs, chiefs are going to be overvalued, probably laying like home Sunday night road. football game. Yeah. Crowds I'll all pumped up. Yeah. I'll definitely look to take the Raiders plus the points. Um, you know, in that in that situation, but those are only really spots like going through the schedule that I have circled on it right now. And I would definitely lean to play under the seven just because I don't think this roster, you know, is that good. One of the really buzzworthy teams this year, their total is nine and a half from from where I saw. And this team could have won twelve or thirteen games last year with a very good rookie quarterback in Justin Herbert. And one that I don't think you and I were really that high on coming into the league And he he just improved and he showed us a different side of himself last year He was doing things that he he wasn't doing at Oregon and he he had improved um, He's very good This team is a, This team has a, a really good roster too When you, you know if when they're healthy They check a lot of the boxes They have major playmakers on both sides of the ball Offense and defense It's for them it's the health You know it, some of their key playmakers, James, Bosa, uh, you know, Herbert, uh, Keenan Allen, can those guys stay healthy? Eckler, when they are healthy, that roster is really damn good. And so if they can make it through a pretty tough first nine weeks where they got at Washington, Dallas, at KC, Vegas, and Cleveland at home, and then at Baltimore, they get a bye, they go New England at Philly. Not the easiest, but then look at the way they end the year. They get at Cincinnati, New York, they get Kansas City at home, they get uh, at Houston, Denver at home, and then at Vegas. Those last six games, those are you know five winnable games with Kansas City at home. So six winnable games there. Um, it to me, it's just it's sort of like a tale of two seasons because it's you know you got to just stay five hundred ish. The beginning of the year right you just don't want to get Two games under 500 three games Under 500 and have a bad loss or two Because any of those games They could win or lose any of those First six or seven if they're At three and three going to the bye That's a huge win because I love Their schedule going after the bye like Completely when I agree it, I could actually see them rolling off Like five or six in a row with how, how their schedule pans Out um, looking at this team they drafted Slater, which was a great gift from the kid from uh, Northwestern to play tackle. It wouldn't surprise me if he eventually moves into guard later in his career. And they also signed, signed Lindsey, who graded out as the best center from Green Bay. So immediately they're improving their offensive line. Uh, they brought in Lombardi to be the um, OC. Lombardi's basically going to run the same system that the Saints had. So what does that mean? That really affects two players. A, that affects Austin Eckler, because Austin Eckler is going to be getting yep. a lot of, lot of checkdowns, going to be in a lot more of um, passing situations. And also when Lombardi was the OC of the Lions, uh, who remembers what his name? Jaquem Bell. That guy was putting up insane fantasy numbers. So yeah. Eckler is going to be a great fantasy thing. And also there's no Anthony Lynn. 
this is the thing that upset me most about Anthony Lynn. And for those of you guys who didn't watch Hard Knocks, he had this contest where he put all the running backs on the off, on the um, goal line. And whoever did the best jumping over the pile would be the goal line back. Eckler won that competition, and then he had the least amount of goal line carries. <laughs> Which, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like, what are you doing? I know. You know like, it's all it for show. Doesn't, doesn't make any sense. And also... I posted this um, last week on my Wednesday winners segment on my fantasy page. Um, Michael Williams is going to be insanely undervalued. And here's why in the Saints system, which Lombardi is running, as I said, the first read is the X and Williams plays the X here. I'm not saying he's going to overtake Keenan Allen, but this guy could definitely see like 70 to 75 receptions a year. I mean, I think he's going to be insanely undervalued. You look at Stan- Stanley's going to come in and you hit in the head. If Darwin James is able to stay healthy, this defense is going to be fucking good. ball busting. They're really good. But yeah, it- if James gets banged up and Bosa gets hurt, I mean, they don't have Ingram anymore. The wheels on the defensive end could fall off. Yeah, I like this team. The depth, the depth isn't quite there as much, right? They're top heavy. They're due for a little luck. Aren't they? And it just kind of feels like one of these years, like a lot of those close losses over the last few years are going to kind of go the other way. I had them at, at 10 wins. I had them at 10 and seven. I have, I have them at 12 and five. I yeah. actually, I put them in at 33 to one to win the Super Bowl. I think this yeah. is great. No, I think cool. That's the type of team you should play because I, they, I think, I, I'm just concerned about them all staying healthy all the way through about and both sudden maybe getting nicked up and missing a few games here. James getting banged up, missing a few games there. Um, if Allen gets banged up a little bit there, they lost Hunter Henry. So maybe they don't have as much depth to you. Know, we said, but as far as top of the line talent. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think they're a really good team and, and it's Herbert. If he takes another step forward, he doesn't even have to take a step forward. If he just plays as well as he did last year and doesn't regress, they're a playoff team. And the thing with Herbert that, A, like, we got to remember is from everything I'm hearing, he's talking to Breeze every other day to try to understand the Saints offense. Who they bring as their backup quarterback? Chase Daniels, who was a longtime Saints backup. So, I mean, they're just enamoring Herbert with it. And this is going to be the thing. Did Herbert have a good year last year? Or is Herbert a good player? We need to understand that if Herbert comes out and he plays as well as he did last year, this guy could come up to them a Holmes reign. As crazy as it sounds, because that's the path he's on with how good his first year was. No one knew he was going to be that good. And if he takes another step forward, just, you know what I mean? Just just comprehend he's going to be in the whole Mahomes conversation. Um, in terms of the depth, I look at the defense, and I look at the defense of your, your Rams last year. I think the Chargers are more talented, so I think Staley's going to have this defense actually doing pretty good. I have them, for my fantasy rankings, I have them as defense number three. I think this could be another defense that's a little... Under the radar. I mean, they do have some spots where you can fade them. I really think the spot uh, when they go to the Bengals on week 13, I think that's going to be a great spot to fade them, take the Bengals on the points. You got the Chargers going out east. I think they're going to rally off possibly five wins. They could rally off five in a, in a row four, or go four and one in that stretch right after the bye. Yes. Um, And then week, uh, week 15, they are catching Kansas City at home on a short week okay but the week before that they play the giants so i mean i could definitely look to fade fade them and play the giants so i mean they have a couple spots right there that i could look to fade but like you said i mean that the back half of their schedule is great and i really think this team offers value and 
since Herbert's on that rookie deal, like they have a lot of talent out there and, you know, regression works in the opposite way. If you get so much bad luck, cause dude, they should have beat the saints. They should have beat the, uh, the chiefs, the chiefs. And I had money line in all three of those effing games. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? Stuff is going to start going your was way. Was the it Falcons, like was there that. a Falcons one too that they, I mean, there were just some games that were like, what is happening here? It like, like absurd. Just, just like, like against the Bucks game, they're up by 14. Just take a knee. You have a rookie quarterback on the road. Nope. Let's hand it off to Joshua Kelly, who hasn't been playing because Eckler, Eckler got hurt. So let's hand it to Kelly and Kelly hasn't been playing. Kelly fumbles. Buccaneers score, get a touchdown right before. Bagley misses a field goal to win at the Saints. I mean, all this stuff is going to eventually break the right way. I think having Staley in there, who I think is a good winner, Lombardi, who's a winner, I think that's just going to elevate, and they're going to teach these guys how to take it to that next level and win those close games. We get to the Miami Dolphins. They are uh, projected around 9.5 for their total. Uh, Now, we've got Tua. Another year for Tua here. Uh, Brissett will be their backup, their backfield. Miles Gaskin, Salvin Ahmed, Malcolm Brown. Uh, they did add to their wide receivers with Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle coming in. So that will help. Uh, you add them with Devontae Parker there. You put them with Bowden Jr. and Grant, uh, even Preston Williams. They got a lot of capable receivers. Gasecki has been a tight end that people have been very high on. And they, I think they're well coached. Um, I'm not really that high on them this year, though. Where do you stand with the Dolphins? Um, you know how I feel about Tua. I think yeah. Tua is awful, I think. And I was looking at stats. He threw to the right side of the field 12% of the time. I mean, when you have someone that doesn't even look that way, that just a lot easier to defend. So much easier for the defense. That's number one. And a, another thing that people don't talk about is when you have a left-handed quarterback, Everybody, it's just different. Offensive line, all their responsibilities are different. Like if I'm all if different, I'm, like the right tackle becomes the becomes the blind side. You know what I mean? Like everything's different. And when you're a wide receiver, the ball spins differently. But when I was looking at this, like the main thing that caught my eye was normal, like all the time. Like I don't even remember the last time I even read about this or saw this. They're gonna have two offensive coordinators. Like there's and like not one of them has the lead voice. They're going to be working together. To me, that just has disaster written all over that. You want yeah. one voice that's going to be the say on what's going on. You have Eric Stotosville, who's going to be in charge of the running game. But when you look at when I looked at his history, he's really good with the bigger back in a zone running system. Guys, everyone's talking about how good Gaskin's going to be in fantasy. That's not Gaskin. Gaskin's not a big back. Malcolm Brown actually is a better fit for the system that Stolbensville wants to run. Now you look at George Godsey, who's going to be in charge of developing Tua. Um, The passing game is going to use these little short intermediate passes to set up the deep ball. But the thing is, Tua really doesn't have the arm strength to throw deep. I know. So that's the other thing. Like you draft. It's not a fit for the personnel. Yeah. You draft Waddle when Suell's sitting right effing there. It just blows my mind why you just didn't protect your asset that you're trying to see if he can take you to the next level, which I don't think he can. And then also on top of that, your best player on the defensive end, Xavier Howard, is demanding to get traded. So, like, I, I agree with you. I think they're insanely well coached, but I 
if I wasn't hiring them last year, I'm not hiring them this year. Their offensive line is I, miserable. Like, I, yeah. and, and I like Jackson. And, and they they were awful last year, and they got a little bit better, but they're still like a bottom, probably like a bottom six unit uh, offensive oh. line in the league. Um, oh yeah, I mean, like I, I just don't see them. I don't like them. Look at and, and look at the start to their year at New England, Buffalo, at Vegas. Week four against Indy, and we don't know. Maybe that's when, if who's back, Wentz, possibly. Then at Tampa, Jacksonville, but that's, is that a London game? That's a London game. game. Yeah, so that's not, they got Jacksonville, which was supposed to be a home game, but it's actually on the road in London. Atlanta, like, if you told me they they don't have the bye. Like, usually when a team goes to London, they have the bye. Right right after, after. you're right. They don't get that. They don't get that. So, I mean, that's oh one of the spots gosh. I'm going to be looking to take oh my God. Atlanta. And then right after that, at Buffalo. to Buffalo. Oh, my you know, gosh. Like, what about they, they go a- at Tampa? Then they got to go to New – then they got to go to London. Then they come home with no buy, and they go at Buffalo. What a brutal the- stretch. Oh, I'm under on this team for sure yeah, this year. I, I, I totally think they take a step backwards. I think this is the last year at Tua. And I mean, we're already hearing the rumors. Like, like they're like Miami's in consideration with Deshaun Watson. Now, like we said, like both you and I like Deshaun on the football field, not as a person. And if he comes there and he, he's gonna immediately elevate everyone around this team just because he's better than Tua is. Absolutely. Um, in terms of fantasy, I really like Gasecki. I think Gasecki's just gonna eat the underneath of the field just because they can't he can't th- yeah, because he can't throw the ball downfield and he's gonna He's going to lean on him. And also, Godsey likes to run a lot of two tight end sets. So, Gusecki's going to be on the field the field a lot. Um, I could easily see them going like 0-5. I agree. To start, to start the season. Too. That wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at all. And then it's a London game. Weird shit happens at London. And the Jags you know are I like mean? the home team in London. You yeah, know, like, like they're, they're, they're the ones that are always there and, and get like a little bit of support. I don't like this team this year. Yeah, they're a hard under for me for sure. Um, I, I don't think they're a 500 team. So it, no, it I, have, so- I have them at seven, seven and eleven. Yeah, I had you them know, six, would, six to seven. I would lean the under, but here's the thing: like when I play over unders, like I, I like I could, I could bet all 32 of them. Like with how opinion hit I get with football, but you just gotta pick and choose. Like where do you, where do you? There see has it to be and, a like, good amount yeah, of of margin yeah. between. Where you think they are in there, right? And and a one win or one and a half or two sometimes isn't enough, right? It's got to be. Oh, I think they're going to be three or four games different than what that yeah. line is, and those are the ones where you maybe want. Those are the ones where you circle and you hammer it. But I mean, like, yeah, like I said, I have them. At, I I did. I have them going zero and one, zero and two, zero and three. Me too. Oh, and I have them going. And then Indy. Who knows what's yeah. going with Indy, right? Like if they don't have. Wentz and if they're still banged up Maybe they win that game but then they go at Tampa And then they have that stretch we talked about Now if things are okay For them through the first 10 Weeks if they're like around 500 then you know Week 11 yeah week 11 They got the they go at the Jets then they get Carolina and the Giants at home Then they get the Jets at home Then at New Orleans at Tennessee And New England that's a lot better but yeah, I mean that, that they, they got to be close, but like, five and five ish at that time. If you're already three and seven, then and, yeah, you're up a creek without an up and paddle. You're you're done. And another thing to remember: there's always turnover regression. This team was plus nine last year. Oh my god! And they won a lot of crazy games. turnovers too. 
like not at, like gonna... turnover pick six tur- where they would get a tur- turnover on like the first play of the game and score a touchdown. Yeah. And I mean, it was just, I mean, like it was so funny because like, and that's why that's another reason, like we talked about it earlier, watching the game. Like I got like, I, we did our drafting. One of the first things you and I did. And I think like, I even took you back with how adamant I was that Tua was going to suck. And the first couple of games, two one, everyone's blowing up my DMs. Oh, I know. taking away your two. I'm like, no, watch no. the games. They're watch. not winning because of him because at all. Is. They're That's actually why it's important like, to win, watch the games. They were games were a lot closer than they should have been because of Tua. Like with another quarterback, if you would have gotten those kind of gift touchdowns that they continue to get, they would have blown everybody out. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's just that. Yeah, I mean, this team, like, I think this team is going to be a play against for me. And I, I don't even know. I like, I don't even know if they have lines out for the first, for the week, first week yet. But I mean, if that game at um, New England, if I can get New England at like a, anything lower than a three, I mean, that is going to be a huge, 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 huge buy for me just because I really think that Belichick's just going to eat to a up. I mean, I'm pulling up the lines right now. I mean, Patriots minus two. Yeah, I love week one. I, agree. I mean, that's I mean, I love that one a lot. Week one. And speaking of the Patriots, here we are heading to the Patriots next. And that is week one Patriots at home against Miami. Um, Patriots have a total of nine. So, yeah, Miami has a higher total than the Patriots. Um, I don't know how good this team is overall. Um, I have my concerns about Cam. He was bad last year. Now remember he did deal with COVID and and he was you know n- not getting the full training camp experience and everything with Belichick. So I think he, I think he'll be a little better. And then you also have Mac Jones, who they drafted, who they like. Um, I do believe in in Damian Harris. Like their backfield is not bad with Harris, with White, with Sony Michelle, and they brought in Nelson Aguilar, so that helps. They don't really like they don't really have like a number one receiver. They've got like a a few guys that are probably all like threes, like but they're not. Myers and Bourne aren't bad Like Bourne might have a good year And they brought in Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry Both are like pass uh, pass catching tight ends Um, I don't think this is the New England of old I do think they're a little bit better than they were last year Where do you have New England stacked? I think the thing with New England that we have to remember Is like when they start off the year New England was averaging 238 yards passing And 50 yards rushing a game Then he got COVID After he got COVID that dropped down to 154 yards passing a game and 37 yards rushing a game. So his production after COVID drastically hit, and I really think that had a lot to do with yeah. it. Um, the one thing I like about Josh McDaniel, their offensive coordinator, is he runs a system. His system constantly changed. To the he players. Always he put he the fits players. it around the players. Yeah, and he's running that all with what they did. He's going to run the Auburn offense that Newton ran when he was there. They're going to have two tight ends. Um, Smith and um, Hunter Henry, like you said, they signed Kendrick Bourne, who is the best blocking running, best blocking wide receiver in all of the NFL. So that tells me it's going to be more of a run-based offense with Newton looking to run or handing off to Harris, Michelle, or whatever running back they decide to use. And then you have the field stretcher that he loves in Nelson Aguilar. Everything, I know they drafted Mac Jones in the first round, but everything that the Patriots did Tells me they're staying with Cam Newton. And, and mm-hmm. like I said a million times, nothing motivates people more than money. This is a make or break a year for Cam Newton. If Cam Newton doesn't come in and do something in this season with the Patriots, he's out of the NFL, plain and simple. And his career is done. So I think Newton's going to have a big bounce back season. 
I think this team is going to be 10 and seven. And I think they're going to be competing for the, uh, or the, t- I think they're going to be within a couple of games competing for the East with the, um, the bills, the bills. And I think they're going to be a wild card team. I think this is going to be a dangerous team. Their defense is always going to be good just because Bill check is so much better than everybody else. Um, his kid has him playing this insane match zone and it's insane because like usually like you have zone coverage lined up before, but there's one player that they pick out pre pre snap and how that player is aligned and moves lines up the zone for him. like reading and watching about watching it on tape and reading about it. It's just insane. and just a mind boggling thing to comprehend. Um, I like, I like him a lot too. Vastly underrated. I like this team a lot. I really think that, the make or break it for them is, is you look at their schedule starting at week 10. They have Browns at home at Atlanta on a short week, Tennessee, which is tough. And then at Buffalo, if they can go through that and be two and two, I like this team a lot, but if they're one and three in that schedule, that's going to be really tough. Um, Week three, New Orleans at home. See, that's the key. Look at all their their tough games. They got New Orleans, Tampa, Cleveland, Tennessee, all at home. That's what's huge. Yeah, and Foxborough's a tough place. Yeah, but I will so say this: like, I'm going to be looking to fade them week three with the Saints, just because look, they have prime time Brady next week. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's a perfect fade spot. They're and, looking ahead already. Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to hammer the Patriots that week four with Brady at home. That's just that week to week thing. But yeah, I mean, all their tough games are basically you know at, at home. home and yeah so i mean the schedule lines up for him great and that that stretch is gonna be the stretch that kind of um kind of sets it up uh week eight they go at the the chargers i'll probably look to fade them yeah just because i really think i mean like i got them losing I that could, one too. yeah i mean i think they could rattle off i think they could be one two three four i think they can be like six and one going into that game easily Six and one, five and two. Yeah. Good spots, a little fade. Those Houston, Dallas, yeah. Jets game in a row are all winnable. They got Dallas and the Jets at home at Houston. Those are all winnable. You could very easily be five and two or six and one. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's hard. It's hard, guys. No matter how shitty of a team you play to win four games, to go a whole month in NFL undefeated is insanely hard. So, I mean, if they win those three in a row, then you definitely look to fade them against the Chargers no matter what the number is. And that's their first, uh, that's their first West coast trip. And then also the last week, I mean, for whatever reason, the Patriots always struggle in the heat in Miami. Like they always (laughs) struggle. Um, That Buffalo game on Monday night football, that's definitely going to be a play for the Patriots. Yeah. I think the this Patriots team is going to be a lot, a lot better. And like not nothing, I'm telling you guys, nothing motivates a professional athlete or all of us for that matter, more than money. And yeah, I mean, Newton's going to, Newton's going to be out. We're going to see, we could see some vintage Cam Newton games this year. We get to the New York Jets, new coaching staff. Case is so bad. Uh, so they, uh, they bring in a new QB. Obviously they get rid of Sammy Darnold. So Zach Wilson, who they bring in, um, they'll have Michael Carter, Tevin Coleman as their backs, their receivers, Corey Davis, Jamison Crowder, Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, Keelan Cole, um, Herndon and Croft as the tight ends Like They're trying I, I applaud what they want to do right The problem with a team like this is like They just have a lot of holes to fill 
And so they just got to keep adding, keep adding, keep trying to bring in the best player available that you have, and 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 see what you have with your staff and with your with your new quarterback. But I don't, I just don't know how talented they are. And it's always tough. Like you're bringing in these guys that are in different positions. You don't know how everything is gonna gonna react. Um, Wilson, he's in camp now, but I, I this West Coast offense that. Um, Mike LaFleur is going to be implementing is going to be basically like the cat Kyle Shanahan offense that it, that he's running in San Francisco. This is a complicated offense that puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback with the uh, reads pre-snap and everything. And Wilson was late reporting to camp. That just sets bad for me. Like I, I'm not high on this kid. I'm not, I don't see it with Zach Wilson. Like I could be wrong here. Yeah. But we, just, we were wrong with, with Herbert. I, he just yeah, a guy. I, he just, just feels like a guy. I just don't see it with him. He doesn't look look off his coverage enough. And this off the West Coast offense is difficult. I will say this: their offensive line. They drafted Mikel Beckham last year, who I like, who I think is going to take another step forward. They got your boy Tucker from USC, who I think is going to be a good player in the league. So they are improving their offensive yeah. line, and they're headed in the right direction. Yep. But they just have so many holes. Yeah, I'm not that high on Michael Carter. I don't think he's that. I think he's just a big, lofty, tall running back. I'm really not that that high in him. I will say this: um, Sanal, the coach, he that San Francisco defense last year with Obosa was bad, and he got him good toward the end of the season, or at least decent, <laughs> where they can compete. And this is one of those teams, like at the beginning of the year, you know, you fade them when you can, but toward the end of the year, like this is going to be a team that's going to be play. undervalued. Yep. But because they have a good head coach, a, de- a good defensive head coach, where you can look to play him. Um, in terms of fantasy, I love Kevin Coleman. Like I said, he's going to be running the Shanahan zone running game system. Kevin Coleman did this in Atlanta. He did it with Shanahan. He did it in San Francisco, San Francisco. When, health, when healthy. So I think this guy is a huge fan sleeper, and I think he's going to be their RB1 for sure. Um, looking at some spots. Towards the I end mean, of the year, I got a couple, yeah. right? Like, like yeah. that's what you're saying. I mean, Philly and New Orleans at home, um, yeah. at Miami, even Tampa at home or at Buffalo at the end of the year. I mean, week week 14, they're catching the Saints right before the Saints play the Bucks in prime time. Um, and the Saints are having an outdoor game in December, which they historically struggle on. Um, catching the Eagles in a great spot. Also, they're kind of like at the beginning of the year, but it has me a little leery. They're catching Tennessee at a good spot in week four. Um, so that kind of has me a little interested in there, but yet again, you have to see how it plays. Cause I don't know if Zil- Wilson's going to be able to pick this offense up because it yeah. is a compl- complicated offense. Did you see that picture? Like, so the jets tweeted out Wilson, like signing his contract and someone altered it where it said, welcome to Bayside high. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty good. Cause Wilson, was- Wilson is so epic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm so poor jets. I six and I, I, like I have my six and eleven. Yeah, like stop me at their first win at Carolina, New England, at Denver, Tennessee, Atlanta. They, that's the one. That's the one. I could I could see them as crazy as it sounds. Beating Tennessee. Beating Tennessee. Sure. If it doesn't get there, you, then you gotta go to, to London. Halloween. You go to London, you go at yeah, <laughs> you go at the Patriots. You could be to week seven or eight, you could be to week eight and oh and seven at that point. And you then know? I think that's when they get their first win. If they don't get it um, with Atlanta or in London, with Tennessee or in London, then yeah, it's that, that's 
But That's I mean, it. I'm going to I'm going to tell you guys like there's certain defenses that you look to target when they play rookies. Belichick, <laughs> we will hammer spot in DFS. Week three Broncos hammer spot in DFS. Like they're going to eat alive every because he doesn't even time. have like the greatest wide receiver or tight end options either. No, poor kid. So you know it's not like oh well yeah they got a couple good like a, a nice tight end here like a Kittle or someone that Andrews who they're going to throw to. They got like yeah Herndon, Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder is going like, to be the possession. Like yeah. I think Corey Davis will have a fine year. You know like. He he'll be he, like somebody's got to catch some balls, but yeah, and they'll be behind a lot. Like I mean, they could get some value like with fantasy points throwing, but that would be it. Like I wouldn't, I don't know. Like toward the end of the season, I'd be invested, but I'd just kind of sit out and just fade. Like even even the Carolinas like defense, like Carolina's defense is going to be insanely underpriced, and you have a rookie quarterback on the road. I mean, that could be. Great value to play play the Panthers, who are going to be vastly um, underpriced in uh, DFS. And I mean, look, oh, I mean, but looking at the line, I mean, like Panthers are laying four and a half. There's no way I'm going to take that line. I was just looking at the look ahead lines, no. but no, because it's such a bad number. But but yeah, like I just yeah, toward the end of the season, definitely like them a lot more. Let's get to the Steelers. You know, we don't love them this year. They were very lucky last year, and they're. They weren't. There were a lot of metrics that you could look at that they were not good. Like their offensive line weren't good. Their receivers started to have bad weeks. Big Ben got old. Um, I'm curious about their running game. Um, I, I don't love this team. Their over under is is only eight and a half, and I have them still a little under that. I have them as like a a six or a seven win team this year. I I mean I sent you a message. Hammer this. I took. A, I have them winning four games. I think this team is going to be. Insanely bad and let's start In the trenches because I love my offensive line They lost not one but Four starters from last year's Group including the center Pouncey The player they brought in their big quote Unquote free agent signing for the offensive line Was Trey Turner Trey Turner is coming off his worst Year ever Okay they are projected in Pro football focus to have the 30 Number number 31 Out of 32 offensive lines this year I in my rankings, like I do my fantasy football rankings for offensive line in my draft guide, I have them as the worst offensive line. Yep. Um, because of that, it blew my mind that they didn't draft an offensive line in the first round and you went with Nigel Harris. Now, here's the thing with Nigel Harris everyone's like, oh, he's big, he's tall, he's big, like Derrick Henry. Here's the thing that people fall in love with fantasy. Is they associate stuff with other things like other person? He reminds me of them. They're a comp of this. But but that's what happened. Like Trent Richardson came out, he busted. Okay, then Derrick Henry comes out. Oh, he's just like Trent Richardson. Then Henry takes off. Oh, here's Harris because he's in a different situation. He's a different player. You're right. And like and like um the um Henry didn't take off until. They brought in Robert Skullfolk from the Rams to shore up that offensive line. That's when Henry had his big breakout. This offensive line isn't going to get the push. And I'm honest, like if you're drafting Harris, anything like in the second round or higher, that's an awful draft pick because he's okay. not going to get that production that you need. Because um, the offensive line isn't going to get that push and he's just not going to be able to generate anything. And the offensive lineman they drafted 
were all drafted as projected as two to three year project guys. You know what I mean? Who shouldn't be starting and like green is going to be starting in the interior. This offensive line is going to be God awful. Now you get to the offensive system. They bring in Matt Canada, who um, he was at Maryland last. Matt Canada likes to run a lot of pre-snap motion. Okay. What does big Ben hate to run? Big Ben hates to run pre-snap <laughs> motion because he feels that gives it away to the defense. What's going to happen. So I can already see the butting of heads, especially because the offensive coordinator they let go was best friends with Big Ben. So I can already see tension coming there. Back to my Harris point, Canada was at Maryland when Anthony McFarland had his huge breakout season over 12,000 yards. So I could, I, I think there's something there. I think we're going to see more McFarland than people realize. Um, in terms of their wide receiver, Juju just got paid. I'm expecting nothing from Juju this year. Yeah. He just got paid. I'm not expecting anything from him. I love DeAndre Johnson if he can hold on to the ball. He drops so many goddamn balls. Um, and I always feel Chase is going to be the third look. So offensively, I'm just down on this team. Now let's get to the defense. Um, who's going to be their second pass rusher? Is Highsmith, the kid from Charlotte, going to be able to come in and rush the passer that way? They cannot, that way the opposing offensive line doesn't have to uh, double Watt. I don't think he can. So that means you're doubling Watt. Who else is going to get the pressure? And two of their top three DBs are gone. And Harden is another year old. Harden's 30, Joe Harden's 32 now. I mean, I just, this team is just pound for a huge regression. And you can see it coming at the end of the season. I had, um, I had Steelers futures all over the place. And, and me and then, as an invested person, I could see it coming. Their end of the season stretch too. If they don't get out to a good start like they did last year, look at weeks thirteen and on. They get Baltimore, then they go at Minnesota, Tennessee. On a short week. Yep, on a short week. Tennessee at Kansas City, Cleveland at Baltimore. They could lose the last six games of the season. Oh, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I did my projections. Like, you go back to week 11. I have them winning one game between week 11 and week 18. One. Yeah. I mean, I think it's – I mean – And that's Cincinnati. Before, I actually have them losing to Cincinnati. And I beating, beating them, Minnesota or no, Tennessee or beating, what? I actually have them beating Cleveland. Okay. Believe it or not. At home or I whatever. Actually, probably yeah, like beating – splitting with at, them. Prime, prime time time. Prime time at, at home, end of the year, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah That that's where I have them. But, I mean, like – I think they're going to lose to um, Buffalo. That game, the next two games are completely coin flip games. Raiders and the Bengals. Definitely, I'd lean to the give them the win in the Raiders situation because you have the Raiders West Coast Monday night game coming across the um, across the country to play. Bengals are great, going to be greatly improved. Um, at Green Bay, that's not going to be easy. Vangio is going to eat this offensive up. Um, Seattle. Different offense. They're going to begin the ball to Russ's hand a lot quicker this year. I mean, I could have them. You know what I mean? I could have them see them winning only one or two games before they're by. I mean, yeah. it's going to be a long. I mean, like, where at the point does Tomlin even make it out of the season? As crazy as it sounds, I mean, it it could be a. I, it's going to be a long ass year in Pitt. And of all the futures I liked it, I locked in this um, Steelers under. under is the ones I like the most. Let's get to Tennessee. This is our final team in the AFC preview. Eric will be back with me next week to preview all of the NFC teams, and then we'll come back 
um, One more week after and maybe we'll do Just sort of like overall Teams that we like We'll talk about anything that's happened in the in the couple weeks Leading up to camp we'll kind of maybe like Two weeks before we'll do final Overall teams totals maybe a little Fantasy look so we'll get you a little bit of everything In the next few weeks and an NFC Coming up next week but we close things out With the Tennessee Titans a team that You and I love to play against last year They were bad their defense and their Secondary was horrible we found some really Good spots to play against them um, and the one in particular was the Browns game I think right where the Browns were just Beating up on them I think that was a good one um, So the Titans Their projected total Is nine I think is their over under I've got them Right at nine to ten Like I, I think that's pretty on um, I don't think they're I, I've never been that high on them But I don't think they're bad um, So I I you know, I could see them anywhere in the just above 500 to just below 500 team. I don't think they're great. I don't think they're awful. I've got them at like 10 and 7 ish. Where do you stand with the uh, with the Titans? I had them at 10, but then I bumped them up to 11 because I think they'll win the uh, the game versus the Colts because I didn't think uh, in the early in the year. Yeah, in it, yeah. Um, couple things for me. Number one, last year Rival called the defense. He's relunk. He's gave up those duties. They brought in the DC who's going to be calling the defense. How is the defense going to change? Number two, will the DBs be able to defend? They they totally revamped, brought up some new DBs. Are those guys going to be able to defend? Because last year their DBs were awful defending the pass. They brought in um, Jenkins, Farley, and Molden. They and those, they completely yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I mean they were awful. That's Butler and Adoree were bad. <laughs> was god awful. Um. I also feel that the the run that they had, they had um, Dean Pease. Dean Pease is old as rocks, and like my mom's gonna kill me because she's the same age as him. But um, <laughs> seventy two. But I mean, this guy like is a great DC. He got hired in Atlanta um, this year, and when he retired after they made it to the um, championship, the championship game they lost to the the Chiefs. All the defense. Um, being aggressive, going after the ball, all that was gone. So, I mean, is, are we going to see the defense go back to that, or is it just going to be all gone because, you know what I mean? Like, how much does a peace system still live there? Um, Arthur Smith is gone. How is that going to affect the offense? Arthur Smith, I think, is that guy. I mean, I thought he's the guy who just kind of came out of nowhere and was really good at his effing job. I mean, like, his rise and how he got to an NFL coaching job is insane. I think he did great from there, great, and how much he was able to maximize Tannehill. I mean, the stat that really stood out to me were was Tannehill threw the third fewest passes in the NFL, but had the eighth most TDs in the league. That's insane, dude. That is insanely efficient, and that's what Arthur Smith did. He put Tannehill in a position to be efficient with the RPOs. Is the new, you know what I mean? Is the new OC going to be able to do that? I don't know. Also, when is Derrick Henry going to have the wear and tear? Derrick Henry at the last. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. Fourth, yeah. Maybe it's not this highest, year. Maybe it's not next year, but it's coming. He has the fourth highest usage rate. When is that wear and tear going to happen? Because eventually it's going to happen because every player has X amount of hits and then it's done for them. When is that going to happen? Um, and also, Tannehill likes to lean on the tight end. Is Fierster going to be first or going to be able to? That's their weak that spot, right? Because yeah. if they could, if they had a tight end, see, I think 
They're capable of beating any team and losing to any team. And I still oh, kind exactly. of feel that way with them. Like if if they have a good game where they're running the ball well and then like think about the offensive weapons. Like Tannehill's been a lot better than I ever thought he was since coming to Tennessee. He's been better than I just thought that he was, period. And they they now have a legitimate one, two wide receivers that are two number ones, but, but do you have enough Hulu else? gonna stay healthy? Is yeah. Hulu gonna I mean like he's he's like a was it a strained hamstring like every week? You know Always. what I mean? Like this, he, like don't get me wrong. I love Julio Jones, and also guys, if you want to read a, an amazing story, Google Rodney Wright, Julio Jones. The story about the business and how they're getting sued is insane, but that's another story. Um, it reminds me of the when Anthony, um, who was the big guy from uh, the Texans, Johnson. When Johnson left the uh, Texans, Andre Johnson. Went to the Oil- yeah, when he yeah. left the Texans and he went to the Orioles. That's how that reminds me. A big guy who was great physical wide receiver who just couldn't stay healthy when he went to his uh, second team. I, that's how I look at it like this. Um, can Taylor Lewan stay healthy on the offensive line? If he can't stay healthy, that's a huge blow. Just how Nelson's a huge blow to the Colts. So there's a lot of different, a lot of different little um, variables going on with this team. But you're right. I mean, I could easily see them beating the Cardinals and then losing their next three you know it just doesn't yeah. they're just so hit and miss um week nine at your rams i think in prime time i think the rams are just gonna beat beat honestly beat their asses um, and that's a tough stretch for them look at that stretch from week six on you get buffalo and kansas city at home but then you go at indy where they probably will have everybody back then you go at the rams and then you go new orleans that's five tough games in a row and I mean, New Orleans is a tough. I mean, they don't, they have no breeze. It's going to be a totally different team, but the, that's in the dome, and that dome is a tough ass place to play. So that's a that's a tough little schedule. But I mean, we're gonna they get teams like the Jets, the Jags, and the uh, Texans kind of scheduled, and the Steelers kind of scheduled at good good little spots. I mean, mm-hmm. after the bye, like legitimately after the bye, I could see them going five and zero. They could absolutely at least four and one. I mean, maybe they maybe they lose to a San Fran team. Who knows how good they'll be this year? We don't know. But Mike Jacksonville at Pitt, who we think is going to be de- decimated at that point. San Francisco, Miami, who are not that high on, and then Houston. That's key for them early in the year. Can you, you know, weeks three, storm. three, four, and five? They have to come out of week five. They've got to be four and one or three and two at the very least. If because you, you win one of your first two games. And then you win weeks three, four, or you know you, you beat you beat the Jets, you beat Jacksonville. Even though those games are on the road, you got to win those. You, like you know, and those are probably games where I might play against Tennessee in one of them. But just from looking at their schedule, like that's where they have to do well. And yeah, they they kind of feel like they're going to be right in that range, that ten, you know, ten and seven ish. They'll be right there, kind of battling for the division. Because I mean, I don't. The Jags aren't going to be great. Houston's going to be awful. Indy now with the Wentz, who knows? Like this division isn't yeah, going to be know. the strongest in the world at all. You don't know, but you, you honestly have no idea if Wentz is going to be able to play that game three. Like I had them losing at the Colts. Now I have them winning the Colts. I mean, you look at their their schedules when it starts to get tough at Week Six when they go to Buffalo. I mean, they could easily if you told me they're five and zero going to play Buffalo. I would totally believe that if you told yep. me there were four and one, three and two, or even two and three, it wouldn't shock I me. Believe that. <laughs> I mean, there's not really like 
the margin of difference between those two things is not as much as no, people realize. And I not just, at all. Yeah. I mean, there's a, so the reason I'm not invested in this team for futures is there's just so many variables going on with like the changing coordinators and the offense and with their division. Yeah. There's just so many variables and you just, you just don't know. You want to pick spots. I mean, yeah, yeah they're I mean, more I'm like a week the line. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking at the line right now. I mean, I, okay. You take the Cardinals, the Cardinals run this wide nine. Okay. Which is easy to run on and it forces their um, linebackers to come up to stop the gaps. That's why the Cardinals struggle so much against the tight ends. I mean, I could see like how they like to run this offense with Henry and the, using and Tannehill's obsession with a tight end. I could see them blowing him off. So I love this number at minus two and a half right now. And I love Derrick Henry week one. But then you go at Seattle. I mean, that place is a tough place to play, and that place is going to have fans. You know what I mean? It's just a straight week to week variables with them because there's so many, so many things you got to take in, into account. The Tennessee Titans finish off our NFC preview team by team. And uh, next week we'll have Eric join or uh, AFC preview and we'll have uh, Eric join to talk NFC teams next week. And then we'll uh, again, we'll have another uh, little preview leading up where we'll kind of give you some of our, our plays heading into the year, the teams that we like the most that we don't like the most. We'll get a little information over the next couple weeks week with camps and stuff. Any other news, maybe we make an adjustment on, on a few things here and there, but uh yeah, both of you who heard us talking, Eric has so much content out there for a football season when it comes to blogs, to podcasts, to just posts on Instagram or social media. Eric and I could have honestly talked for another two hours about just the AFC. We really could have. Like if we if we sat down and went through like each team even more than we did and spent like five minutes on each team, we very easily could have spent double. That's the the information that you're always going to get from Eric. He really puts his time in when it comes to uh to getting prepped for everything that he does. And uh I look forward to talking some NFC with you again next week, buddy. What uh what do you have coming up on your pod um and on your show? So you and I are recording this on Tuesday August 3rd on the evening. What do you have coming up the rest of this week? Um, Wednesday, I always put out a little Wednesday winner. Like last week, it was Michael Williams, what I said. Some guy who I feel is kind of under the radar that can help you win a fantasy football title um, that you can get in the later round. Podcast, I'll, probably, I'll talk about NFL free agency, how everything is going there. And uh, NASCAR is finally back. I have this guy, Brandon, who's an iRacer, and he actually knows all these NASCAR guys, and he comes on, and him and I talk a little NASCAR, give a little betting preview for that. We've hit, I think we've hit, like, nine winners this year, which is kind of insane. We've hit anywhere from a 30 nice. to 1 to a, six, to a 60 to 1. So, it, you know, we've he's been, a, he's been a good little guy to talk to and knows his stuff. So, yeah, you know, definitely looking forward to that. And then... uh Arlington Millions this weekend in uh, Chicago, I believe, and uh, I'm actually going to be making my return to a professional stadium. I'm going to go see a little Giants and uh, Brewers this weekend. So oh, there you go, all over the place. Eric, give him a follow at Etoff Two One Sports on uh, Twitter, on Instagram. There's also a fantasy handle of Eric's that you can follow. Thank you so much, buddy. I really appreciate the time, and I look forward to talking some uh, NFC with you next week. Oh, we'll talk then, man. Looking forward to it. Don't go anywhere, folks. Plenty more on That's What G Said. Thank you to Eric. Uh, so we'll finish up the rest of the league. We'll get the NFC for you next week, and we'll kind of continue on. Maybe the week after we'll do um, 
you know, some overall predictions like division winners and, and picks all the way up to the Super Bowl. Maybe we'll do a, a fantasy kind of preview as I'm sure a lot of people will be getting into their fantasy drafts over the next few weeks. So fun times with the NFL on the approach. Let's get to wrestling with Chad Cooper, but before we do, gotta let you know about sarahcandles.com, all natural soy wax candles free from those toxins, those carcinogens, those pollutants that are found in a lot of the other leading candle brands. Use that promo code GINO to get you 10% off your purchase from sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com. Up next, it's this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper, we bounce all around. We uh, we were fired up this week, feisty. We didn't love uh, a lot of uh, we we didn't love the beginning. Most of AEW were eh. loved the end. Didn't love Raw at all. Not not some great stuff on SmackDown throughout, but then other really high stuff there. Some funny stuff on NXT. But we were fired up this week. Chad Cooper joins for this week in wrestling. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. Oh, it's that time again, folks. This week in wrestling with Chad Cooper here on That's What You Said Podcast. Coopaloop helping me out. We are recording this a little later than when we normally uh, uh, discuss uh, the, all the wrestling stuff, but you're probably going to all hear it around the same time. Chad Cooper, can we, um, can, can you send the memo just to everybody and... No more Simone Biles promos or raps for for for, 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 the, for the for the next few days because I think on Monday at Raw Charlotte was in like some weird way trying to get mad at the fans for what they did to her to Simone, but she was like convoluting it. It was like it's so hard to follow, and then. After there was a negative response to even just using her name, the next night, somehow on a taped show that was taped a week ago, Max Caster on uh, AEW Dark was ele- one of the Dark Elevation. He had a rap that re- like actually made fun of Simone Biles and then referenced the Duke Lacrosse team when they were charged of rape, and then and then like really got. Like kind of nasty At one of the girls he was talking to In the rap who's like 19 or 20 years old It is a uh, Very interesting and sad Situation Uh, First we'll talk about AEW That instance Yeah here's So what happened last week Because it's North Carolina That's where they were at And that's where I believe it was taped Um Tony Khan's first let's look and I'm, I'm not pointing the finger and I'm not telling who's this and who's that. But if we're going to worship, quote unquote, everything AEW and Tony Khan does, then you're going to have to st- people need to hold them accountable for mm-hmm. things. You know, yep. even mm-hmm. even before this, you know, Domino's threatens to pull out. So what happens? The AEW world says screw Domino's and they start just 
beating down dominoes on social media. Just it is kind of they, funny. The the fan um, like I um, yeah it, the 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 like the real hardcore AW fan um that will just and and it, I and let me say this this is a problem in our society and our world yes. we're getting a little big bigger than this but like nobody or not there's no team that you root for organization place that you work that you work for like that any one of your friends or family members they're not always right or always wrong and so to think that they are always right or always wrong it's kind of disingenuous and, and i think it's really okay when people just kind of like Tony Khan came back after and said, you know what, we're gonna figure it out. Like he what I what I appreciate, he addressed it, right? Some yes. places probably yes. wouldn't even address 100%. this. One hundred percent. Yes. That, that was great. So, you know, like I think it's it's kind of weird that in this company with a guy that has so much money, in, in, in his response, he basically said, like, yeah, I'm gonna edit all of this stuff now. <laughs> it's like <laughs> really? So now this guy has got to do that, like sit there and make sure that everything that's going on AEW Elevation and Dark that he's like, what, do you think that he's not got enough things, other things to to be doing that were like he? It, that just seemed weird that he can't, you know, that they can't delegate that to somebody or it just can't like I don't know. I don't know if he didn't want to. No, and weird. I'm the no, I'm the same with you. I I, I mean, it, it's Tony Khan's company. It falls under it falls under his umbrella. But you can't help the fact when other people go rogue, and this set out there for a week, a week in the can, right? It, and no, everything was nobody headed. noticed it. That's the problem. And it's no gotta one. be going. And if it only goes through Tony, because that's the problem. Because like WWE will say some bad things, do some bad things, but usually, if there was something like this, it probably would have gotten cut in a check and a balance somewhere, right? Right. Along the way, like it would have been passed from one person to another to another, and somewhere along that road, somebody might have looked and said, "Ah, let's change this a little bit," you know, or like let's. And so that was, yeah, that was, and I was hey, just look, appalled. Uh, I was appalled at the way the fans, a lot of the people, were trying to defend it. Hey, and I look, I, I'm, I've, I've been to comedy shows, rap uh, battles, sure. Dude, I'm not rude about what I watch on no, TV at, at, all. at all, at all, but. It's time and place. It, it is, and if if you pay money to go see this comedian, um, I, there's a reason why most most of those comedy shows, whether at the Houston Improv or you know I, I, any of the big spots in L.A., there's a reason why it's twenty one and up. They're at clubs. They're, they're, they're late at night. Dude, you know. Dude, look, I, I, I you're, you're already you know cutting foreheads with pizza cutters. On we're national putting, TV that right. kids could just flip right onto too. You know, we're we're not talking like a show that's at two in the morning on on some you know obscure. Or and like, I'm, I'm not a softy. Me neither. That I that's like the thing. Laugh, what's funny is that and like so when people call me like a like a softy, I I really laugh because dude, I live in California. You know what I mean? Like I don't care what you do at all. I don't care who you like. <laughs> really, it's only when it when it's like just kind of you know stuff like this that's that doesn't really. Make like it doesn't fit in wrestling in a rap battle. In a rap battle, where people are going at each other, saying awful things and stuff, that's totally fine. But this, and I know he wants to be sort of a heel, and and that's his thing. But like, think about Cena, right? Cena used to be able to pull it off without cross really crossing the line when he was just coming up and doing the rap thing. A lot of people have done the road dog and and 
and you know they used to do that and 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 I, and I heard people say yeah something like this you you might have had in the attitude era well maybe but the world has changed a lot since and this is yeah it, this even yeah the, and the, a big problem is I, I haven't really invested much in the Olympics probably in a while I, I would you know of course the dream team back in the nineties but this country is so divided. Right now, it's, it's, it's the worst you, it's ever been. And I think in my lifetime. Get, yeah, if you got to get heat in 2021 as a professional wrestler on YouTube to make fun of, regardless if you like, like her or you don't, it does, why would you try to get heat that way? Oh. And, it, and it, it just, it's, it's, it was brutal. Yeah. It was I, brutal. And you know what? Tony Khan said that. He said yeah. it was brutal. That was exactly what he said <laughs> after. But it just that it wasn't even if this was a live show, you'd give it a little more leeway, right? Because it was like right. oh, live things happen. But this thing was in the can for a week, and then it went up, and then they pulled it down, and then they they put it back up. I it yeah, I just because I didn't. I felt weird when Charlotte brought her up on Monday. Yeah, and then yeah. but Charlotte, like I said, Charlotte's was weird because it, it was so confusing where she was going. On Monday, well, you know? and maybe she knew about it. I'm not sure. You know, then she, there were Becky chants, you know, and oh, she's not here. You know, it's just a, it, for for an, for a big time in professional wrestling, um, it sure is probably one of the most weirdest time in professional right. wrestling. It's just hard to put a thumb and finger on things and you know, from from the indies to to the to the big leagues, you just uh, you know you just don't. There's certain things you don't do, and uh, it, it, like I said, if you're going to go watch a, a comedian, you're going to expect things like that. It's 21 mm-hmm. and up, but a wrestling show on YouTube, AEW, you just you got to have better sense than that, man. You it, just got to have better sense. And here here's what's here's what's crazy about it, Gino. I have no clue who that guy was. And yeah. still don't. He didn't make a name for himself to me, you know. He, he's been a, a caster. He's been on a few times. You know what yeah, I mean? And it's like, yeah, he just. Know, here's the thing: there was a for a couple of weeks and months he was supposed to be the guy. Yep. You and know, then he, boom, where'd he go? Hurt, boom, gone. Well, you, you you can forget about it now, bud. Yeah, that was not a great reason to have your name out there. Um, just and just a bummer. Just a bummer it, because it was, things it are going really well for that company right now. They they are, are, hey, like, look, four weeks in a row, Gino, regardless if you love or hate the show, over a million. That, that's hard to do. That's hard to do. Is a, there's a good – no matter what, like the the hardest – because I'm a wrestler, and, and that's why I love doing this show with you, and we've done it from, for you know a long time now. We're wrestling fans. That means yes, WWE, AEW, Impact, Independent Wrestling, like – any of the stuff that we were watching, I'll be a fan of or not. If you know, I'll critique. I'll, I'll like it or I won't. I, and that, I have no problem liking or not liking any of the stuff that I watch. I'm never gonna blindly support any of the anything. I don't yeah. ever do that with anything. That's just not really who I am personally. Like, I'll I don't mind saying how I feel about well, one look, thing or the next. You know, you know? It's like me with the Astros. I mean, I I could have been a bonehead and said, well, everybody else cheats. Well, right? no, but it just <laughs> why just, you're still gonna root for the Astros moving dude. forward, right? I love the Lakers. I'm questioning the moves they just made right now. Like they brought in Westbrook with LeBron and AD. I don't know if it's gonna fit. <laughs> you know what? And so I'm gonna complain about it a little bit. But when those games start, I'm gonna root for them. Sure, you know, but, why not? but I'll still critique the 
the decisions because I don't necessarily I don't necessarily agree with all of them. But um, yeah, I think too many people. Like I'll do this. We'll do the same. I'm sure we're gonna get into Raw, which I thought was bad. Really like, bad. I didn't, I didn't love a lot of AEW. I thought there were a couple awesome things on the show, and then a lot of things that were just kind of, eh. um, you know, SmackDown I thought was really good, and NXT was pretty good, you know. But um, it's just Raw I, had nine matches, Gino. Nine matches, whether they were a couple of minutes. I have never seen a Raw three-hour show that had nine matches. Now, three minutes, two minutes, three minutes, three minutes, two minutes, nine minutes, 14 minutes. The main event was fantastic. I thought that was going to be a, a disaster. And it was Those really two good. ladies pulled it off. But Raw, I don't know, man. It, it, look, I, I've got, e- got emails and messages, as do you. I, I sent them to you. I, I got some more AEW hate. I guess you, some of you people just fast forward to the AEW part. Yeah, because, me? because we, the Raw <laughs> segment has been bad we every week now for a while. Way more than AEW because with Big AEW, time. it's more of like, um, it's more of like a. We I think we've talked about it too. It's the it's that we see that there could be more just kind of easily, right? right. Like right. it's like oh wow, it's like the the potential. That the like execution, wow, they, they could the game they, they could really, really be a little different and be something like an a little bit more of an alternative, and it's just becoming to me a little bit too much of um um kind of WWE light or a little too many things that you know are I don't I just don't feel like have been kind of consistent with what they said, and that's fine, right? I'm still entertained by it, but I'm just going to mention that. You know, I don't think it's always like a complete, hugely different alternative. But what sure. is great, what is great about their shows, and I think, so let's uh, let's take a small like little tidbit here uh, about right. what we think. So, Hangman Page, AEW stuff. I think if they if he's not winning the title at All Out, in my opinion, that's wrong. And if and if and I don't understand why they had that elimination match at all the other day. Like Especially I'm fine. Now. Yeah, I'm fine with the long-term storytelling. I'm fine with like the ups and downs. I just don't understand why you had to have that match because I don't like him losing in that situation before. If you're building this guy up, building this guy up, building this guy up. So, okay, so if he wins it in I don't know November, December, who knows when, whenever. Whenever he wins, the crowd's going to pop. It's sure. they're going to be into it, but does that mean it was the best way to tell that story? I don't think so. Absolutely I think, not. I think it reminds me a lot of 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 Daniel Bryan almost in WrestleMania 30 because you know <laughs> we, we gave WWE credit afterwards for doing the right thing, but they were not going to. They were trying really hard to not get him into that match, and it was really only like they didn't. It was not the long term plan for Daniel. It was only a few weeks before when it just got so. To the point where they had to just say, okay, him and Triple H winner's gonna be in that main event. Like they had you could see along the way they were still at like Elimination Chamber, definitely at Royal Rumble. They didn't put him in the Rumble. And I sort of I I because I, I think about it that way. Because whenever Daniel Bryan was gonna win, they're gonna pop. So the fans are gonna pop for everything they do over there. But I think sometimes that kind of that blinds the fact that some of the stories could be told a little bit better. You know, just because the fans are going nuts for it doesn't mean it's the it's the best way it could have been done. And I think I just want them, um, you know, WWE, we've gotten to the point where sometimes we go, oh, yeah, we, we could tell they checked out on this show or they don't care for this week or these two weeks. I don't want that to be with AEW or um, 
I, I don't feel like they're checking out, but I just don't want, um, you know, I don't want a page or someone who's had felt like he's been the guy that they were telling the story from the first pay per view. He was in the first main event of the first pay per view and he lost. And it's so it would be perfect two years later. All out is your WrestleMania. Like that's the moment he's going to win it like two weeks or three weeks later on Rampage or a month after. Okay. Like that'll be cool. But I don't know. It just wrestling and this hasn't, this isn't even a WWE thing. Wrestling has always been you tell your stories, you build them up to the big events, right? Like, you know, you would go to the big events in, in, in Texas, where they that like the show, the big huge show is when the titles changed or something right, goes over right. or the biggest angles happen, and that's how it's always been the week to week to week build and then the big event and then that's where it happens. And that's why I've been I've been a little confused because it just seemed like it was perfect. It was going so perfect. It was like naturally on the way. If he wins that match, you could just kind of have a couple more weeks of their of them doing even what they're doing. He could have won the match and then told the Dark Order after. Okay, you guys got your title shot. I got mine, but I was able to kind of do that on my own, and I want to see if I can do this on my own. Boom! Like that's fine, but he didn't lose that match that you built up to be such a big deal. And then next week. They're getting a title shot against in the T for the TNA titles, anyways. The Dark Order, which I thought was was really funny. It was just given to them. Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, you know, the next day after he lost, I guess Thursday or Friday, some word have came out that as of right now, you know, there's no plans for him to be on that pay per view. And then you, we fast forward a couple of days to the next Dynamite, and you know. Here he is, you know, telling the Dark Order, I'm leaving. I don't need you guys. And then he kind of gets jumped. And then you have a couple of members of the Dark Order kind of stop from helping him. So if we're leading to a hangman Dark Order feud, I don't care. Now, there's rumors flying that, you know, that, well, here comes Bray Wyatt. It's going to be a Bray Wyatt leading the, you know, or whatever his name's going to be, leading the Dark Order. And it's going to be him and hangman. And that's how, you know. With social media, you hear all kind of conspiracies, but I, that's this hangman dark order stuff. If if they're going to feud now, and this is going to be the this is going to be the silver medal, so to speak. I, I, and I don't think really he's getting because I don't think he's getting buried, right? No, I don't think no, I don't think he's not. Way. He's going to be on the show, and he's going to win the title at some point. But it just felt like it was. Perfectly playing out to him winning it at all out, like the two year anniversary, everything they were doing. He, it was right. You just got the crowds back. He was the hottest, the most over guy in your company. This was the biggest storyline. And I don't even, and I know some people say, yeah, it's going to be a really long term storytelling and they're doing all this stuff. And, and that's fine. But the, the, the thing that worries me about things like that is one, these are, are athletes and people, and it's not like you're placing. Like pawns on a board Because you never know if someone's going to get hurt You never know when the crowd is just going to Maybe not be as hot For someone as they just were Um, And you never know when pandemics Are going to shut things down Again I mean If you do something long I I just don't know What good that serves It kind of feels like to me like these, These Bookers and promoters Get real giddy and they say, well, let's see, look, we know this is going to happen, but let's do this. Let's do that. Let's draw this out. And usually it doesn't wor- really work out into their favor. 
No, it there's always something weird that could happen, and um, it's always best to kind of strike when the iron's hot. And I, I was, yeah, I'd be, I'm a little surprised because I just don't think throwing Christian into there. Who who does that? Christian's gonna get booed in that match, or nobody. Oh, yeah, yeah. But who knows? We'll see. Th- this will be a very good test for the AEW fans, right? That's true. It's, that's because they true. don't they don't usually boo like in the building, which I I do appreciate. They do a very good job of going along with the show for the most part, and that is that is what I do like about their wrestling shows. Is like they're not most of the time trying to chant things to get themselves over in right, the middle right. of a match. They're actually going along. But I'd be very I'm very curious to see if Christian, who is now they announced him as the number one contender, and we'll get into AEW first, and then we'll go over to the sure. WWE. So we're already talking about AEW now. Um, and they announced Christian as the number one contender in uh, on Dynamite. After he had a, a match, which was it was fine. It was like a you know like a n- nothing bad. You got you know Christian stuff is just a solid match from Christian, and I'm sure his match with Kenny Omega, whenever it is, will be a very good match. It, it's it's going to be fine, but he's not the guy, and he hasn't really been all that well received by AEW no. and, and no. a lot of their fans. So if he's in a if let's say this is at a pay all out. And he's in the main event there Or he's against Kenny for the title And and Paige is in a different match Somewhere else I mean, is Christian going to get booed? I I just There's no way Which would probably will happen But I, I just If that's your main event Or your you know your heavyweight title Should be your main event Unless there's other some massive match And I don't have a problem with it not being your main event But it's your most prestigious title in an organization, regardless if that person's over or not, they're supposed to be, that is supposed to be the spotlight. You know, if they're gearing up, see Rampage starts, what, one week from Friday night? So we're a week out, Mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. Maybe the first one's going to be live, uh, you know, from Chicago. Of course, this match is not going to be on there. Maybe this match goes on there, but then what's going to happen is, Gino, we know how it is when shows get taped. I've been really good about not. I, I just don't like spoilers. I said Me it either. last week. You know, yeah. last you know NXT I believe has been taped. Mm-hmm. I think the, these last couple of weeks have been taped, and you can kind of feel it. You, you can, can just feel, feel it. it. Nothing wrong with the matches. You just nope. can kind of feel it's it. An, it's an energy, right? And, and this is going to get that feel after a couple of weeks when the newness wears out. Now. If they're going to pull some kind of stunt, that, you know, we got what an announcement that Britt Baker, it, it's from Pit, what is from Pittsburgh next week. Is that mm-hmm. correct? It's not Chicago. Yeah. Yep. Is it Chicago or Pittsburgh? I think it's Pittsburgh. And then I think it's Chicago the week after the, the SummerSlam the, weekend, right? The last dance, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to do Pittsburgh live, I guess, unless I'm confusing this. And you have Britt Baker defending her title against Red Velvet. I don't have a problem with any of that because that nope. women's division is kind of, it really doesn't matter, especially when you have a NWA women's number one contender match, which why couldn't like, that have like, just <laughs> been for the number one contender for the AEW women? It was a good or, match. Or, I thought it was yeah, a really or, good match between the bunny. I like Layla. And then if, even if you want to like have Camille come out I, I, or have Camille, I don't on the show in some way for like a crossover, but why don't you build those Women to be your next AEW women's title. I, Gino, I saw Layla Hirsch several years ago 
in Houston, Texas, uh, Telly Vistas uh, runs a all-women's company. Uh, it's called Ladies Night Out. Um, I saw her a couple of years ago, and I said, she's really, really good. She's tiny, but she, it's she's, it's, it's she's built. You've, you've, they've built her on Mondays and Tuesday nights. That's the problem. I, I had no clue, Gino, zero clue that she was any association with Orange Cassidy. Yeah. I, I, they come out. I'm like, what? It's just odd. You said this. Yeah. They need to show. Why not? A, give me a little video package. Yeah. It, it's that's the problem I have with AEW. They, I, I feel like they get giddy and they just stick things in certain places. And they said, okay, the fans are going to like it. You know, she's small. Camille is so big. But you really, really crap on your AEW Women's Championship by giving this match presidents. And I can understand that Britt is hurt and she can't work. Dear God, put Thunder Rosa in there. Put put Jade Cargill, who we finally, we, we finally got a vignette. Maybe she's hurt. We just don't know. We haven't seen her in a month. So there's some there, squashes we, we for a, her. Yeah, we have a you don't promo. have to put you don't have to put people in. Um, and and I will uh, say that they did do a squash that I loved on this show what, that we'll get into. And then there was another match that I was like, how come this went? It went on a little bit longer than I thought. Um, uh, they don't like to do a whole lot of squashes on on AEW, even even when they with their quote unquote some of their the enhancement talent. But I think sometimes it. You know, just for us seeing somebody get over and get over, WWE did a really good job a few years ago when they built up. I mean, think about they did it with Ryback for a while, and then yep. he that actually worked. They did it with Braun Strowman, and it worked. And they did it with Nia, and it worked. They were doing it like at the same time almost with Braun and Nia, I think, where they were literally doing the same kind of squashes. They would just throw in like two enhancement people, independent wrestlers, and let them run through them. And they would get to do all these impressive things. And you can you can't do that for six months, but you can do it for three or four weeks to keep people in insight in mind, right? They say the opposite, out of sight, out of mind. Keep them on your TV. At least there for a few minutes um, Because I, I, I'm worried now With you get Daniel Bryan coming in You get Punk coming in and it'll be very Curious to see how they do do the Second show and what it's going to be like is it really Going to feel like dynamite Is it going to feel more like one of the, the YouTube shows You know but but I, I, I get The sense that they want it to be more like dynamite And, and, and a real like extension um, But remember that's only an hour An hour right Good so point. now you're going to get You know you have Punk You have Bryan coming in People are rumor rumors about Bray. Everybody wants Adam Cole to come in there. Ruby Riots uh, coming in, which I think will be very good for them actually, because right. she could, she could jump right up to towards the top of their women's division and be a, a real cool uh, feud and contender for Brit. But ye, you wonder, you know, is there enough time to like tell really good stories for all these people? And, and that's what concerns me about Paige because now, like at the end of this show, damn, Al, like Alistair slash now Malachi back Black. He felt like a big freaking deal. Yeah. So, and then you're gonna bring in Daniel Bryan. You're gonna bring in CM Punk. You've already got the elite up towards the top. Miro hasn't lost in a while, and he he still feels like a big deal too. Um, and why you know, he's not doing that every week is right? beyond me. It, you know, at least be. on Wednesdays or Friday, he has to be on TV. That that guy is just. Uh, oh man, that, I think that's... Nick, Ald- Nick Aldis said something about this um, a while ago, and people kind of rolled their eyes and laughed at it, and said, 
you got to make sure when you're building these companies and you're putting your rosters together that you don't necessarily want um all of the top names or just a bunch of top names um and that's what i thought at the very beginning AEW was really good at is very that they had, they were bringing in these new people that we really didn't know very much um at all and now we've fallen in love with these people right like I, I didn't I was before AEW I mean I knew Paige but I wasn't a big Adam uh, Hangman Page guy and I, I mean I didn't know much about MJF or Sammy more than having seen them on an indie show here or there you know I didn't know anything about those guys Jungle Boy um all of them I'm I'm um much more interested in them than like anything else any other stories and um, the elite stuff sure that that's good but like those. Those are all, um, I think, what makes them different, and what makes people really get get behind AEW. Look, they 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 like these young guys, and and they're trying to build them up, and they really, you know, they really have given them time, and they have. I'm just worried about will that time still be there now moving forward? As we move forward, because the intro, you know, I look at the intros, and you know, they they run these little 10, 15 minute segments. Of the show intro, and I think they do it a couple of times at night with AEW. I mean, there's there's Jungle Boy in it, and the last I recall him, he was that I remember. You know, he was in a pre-show taped segment of getting an award for fifty wins. Yeah, you know, it's and that just, was like after having just been in a main event match. <laughs> Where they tried to like, you know, make him make you think seem, he was going to win the title. Seem like a legitimate contender. It a little bit. I yeah. wish they could shock the world here. And, and then course, maybe he'll win and he'll, he'll lose it right. You know, back. I, I, I think AEW. Yeah, I think AEW has done a a number of good things, but they've been really good at doing a number of bad things and building up, making you think somebody's going to do this or do that, and it's turned into a disappointment. Hey, look, I'm a huge Chris Jericho fan. Always have been, always will. I, I, I just, I, I like Chris Jericho. Um, I, I, I'm okay with Fozzie, his music. Um, sometimes Chris Jericho can be a little much. I know he was announced I know he's been announced as a part of the announce team for next Friday night with Rampage. Just got, you know, four or five people on it. Uh, Mark Henry. I don't know that's how gonna that's going to be fun trying to get your voice in there with those. Right. Five. Three Especially people the, on a commentary team is too much. It, 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 is. it should not be ever. No. So my point is, as we go to, you know, the, the show from Wednesday Night Dynamite, I just think this. The labors. Five labors has been what was interesting and has been interesting. I think this match was not very good. With no, it was Hoobie. terrible. It was, it was not it was good. Cool. It, it was cool to hear the name last week, right? And, and it then, was it, yeah, and, and then like the idea, part of it. The, the and the idea behind it, and just the fact that MJF they pulled that from that one little thing that he said and about. That was amazing. Hoobie. That was so great. Oh my gosh. Like when, when any company pulls something like that and the, like the continuity I loved, but then unfortunately I think it's a combination of things, right? Like I mean, Jericho's 50, (laughs) you know, like he's getting, he's just getting older and older and, and, uh, Hoovy, who knows how consistent this guy's been working for a long time. Right. And I think it it sort of looked like, I think he got blown up early in this match. I think it was like, 
He was yeah. really excited to be out there. He was really excited to be back on like a big stage again. And I think early on, he just got very winded. And so it was sloppy. They were missing some stuff. Uh, I think it was cool to see him. And I actually didn't mind Jericho's um, Judas effect off the top rope. But no, that, that was fine. The that was finisher, fine. It, was, it was fine. But the he was this was sloppy. And it was. Yeah, there was a couple of telegraph moves where Jericho was kind of waiting on him to do a few mm-hmm. things. Right. You know, and, and this this was the was this the fourth match? This was the fourth labor. Is that the correct? Fourth. This this is chapter three because now three. after this, so so he gets the Jericho gets the win. MJF was on commentary, and then uh, after the match, Wardlow attacks uh, Jericho, and then uh, he gives him the F ten. Uh, he he gives him the uh, F ten. He does the same thing to Hoovy, and then MJF uh, comes out and says that Wardlow is going to be number four. And that this is where they all they got a little confusing too. And yes. and I, he said that he was gonna accompany Wardlow to the ring to make sure the match is called fair and square. And then JR said that MJF was gonna be the ref, the special guest ref. Right. Which then I think they they kind of walked back and said, No, that's not the case, that MJF's just gonna accompany him. Were you let down disappointment that Wardlow yes. is gonna be or you know, so since we've had three pretty good kind of surprises, ideas. right? Yes, and that's the only thing. See, I'm I'm a little conflicted because on the one hand, um, something that you and I have actually said for a while is like, I like when they give their own people big spots versus NWA something and NJPW yes, something. Yes. But when it's sort of these people that they're like kind of just bringing in for one time stuff, it doesn't bother me as much. You know, like if it when it's. The gauge one, I didn't like him in there, but the Hoovy thing was kind of funny, and and you know the way it's gone so far, I thought it's been kind of funny. You know, like the you're kind of curious to see who the next surprise was. People thought Braun Strowman was going to be one of these, you know, right, or right. or Lance big, Storm. Yeah, big show, Lance Storm. Yeah, Mark would have been kind of fun because that was the Jericho's first ever match, so Lance Storm could have been kind of cool. Um, so I do th- I do like that it's going to be the biggest spot, one of the biggest spots that Wardlow's been in. You know he's had some yeah, some other high profile matches and and um I'm sure he will look good there and who knows maybe they do something crazy and uh, they have MJF help him cheat to win and it but I don't want this story to kind of drag on anymore um I I think it's not that I don't like and I I haven't liked it it just is I think Jericho should get by Wardlow and then him and MJF will have their you know eventual blow off and then. We can get, maybe we can get a Sammy and MJF, or we can get something else because it just has felt like this has gone for a while. Or heck, MJF doesn't lose matches; he should be uh, in in, <laughs> in line sometime for a title shot again uh, here or there. But he, I, I was expecting it to be something that was not Wardlow. So in that sense, it is it is I think like a, a little disappointing. Yeah, I, I'm the, I, I'm I'm with you, and I and I appreciate them keeping you know whether you call it homegrown talent or somebody that's on the roster as opposed to bringing somebody in. I don't think they should bring in you know someone every week for Jericho, but but for for this style of matches, which was something different that we really haven't seen in a while or presented this way, I thought okay, this was a chance for them. To do something like that wasn't for the Nick Gage stuff. I, I, I just again, I, I know people enjoyed it and, and liked all that. This was okay, nostalgic, sloppy. I, I just thought it, you know, MJF starts screaming on the mic after it's over. 
and I think the fans kind of felt let down. Yep, they were expecting. I think you were expecting yes. more, so that's why I, you know, I kind of feed off the fans. But hey, look, mm-hmm. I, th- I think someone said maybe maybe Wardlow turns on MJF, I, right, I and lays down. Did somebody yeah. say that? I saw that he gets mad. He tells MJF. Yeah, I, to, I, I don't. I don't know if that happens or not. You know, but um, I am glad this is. We're getting this every week. I remember when it first started, we, we asked, thought it was going to kind of go every it's other. It's going to be a two or two or three months. So kudos for them for going through it. Was it positioned right on the show? Probably. Uh, did they get the result that they wanted? Not eh. really. But you no. know, it, it can't well, always it be a home run. Yeah, no, not, 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 worse, at all. But, uh, not at all. I'm glad that nobody got hurt. That's that's True. what I get wor- concerned about in in a situation like that. But uh, yeah, it was. You know, there's there's other things I, I like more, I like less. Um, we got uh, the oh, they're kind of continuing on. We got to look at Andrade a couple times. Andrade, uh, they they apparently was kind of messing with their flights uh, of the Death <laughs> Triangle. So um, I'm, you know, jury's still out for me on Chavo with Andrade. I uh, I like the way. Andrade is being presented. I like the look. Um, I don't know. Actually, the fans have quite seemed like they've connected with him all that much yet. But he, I, Chavo, is someone that I'm not. I, I like. I was never really a Chavo guy. Me I don't either. dislike him. I completely think he's fine in the ring and he does a good job. But I've never like. He never. I never pop when Chavo comes out. He just doesn't do it. He kind of annoys me a little bit. His he, voice. It looks, yeah, it looks super nice guy. I, I grew up, uh, you know, Chavo Senior, Hector, great. Glory, I, I love those guys. Something about Chavo, I, I just it, better than Vicky with him. Absolutely, yes, totally look, agree. Look, one thing when you think about Andrade is what the dude can wrestle. And how many seen times him have wrestle. we? How many times have we seen him and on I've TV? Seen him wrestle. He you know, like he's he's. The uh, you're 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 right. Um, a lot of the AEW guys too, which I credit like we're gonna get to an elite segment in a minute. That was pretty funny, um, you know. And there were a lot of things to look at to look at, and there's some Easter eggs. But you know, Kenny Omega and the Bucks. I know you don't want to, them to be on your show wrestling every week, but it like it should be every other week. Even think. Omega, even Omega, yeah. who's the world champ, that doesn't mean he's defending the title, but he should be. Especially when you have the combination of the elite He should be in a six man All the time because you know what I actually was just going to say I thought that the six man tag So we talked about what happened with the Dark Order um, A little earlier Tony Schiavone was talking uh, with them Uh, Hangman Page came back and he said Hey I'm sorry that you know We didn't win and you don't get your title shot But I gotta go do this on my own Um, And they agreed uh, to let him do that So he's gonna go off and find himself Even more but the next, uh, the tag, the six man tag, I loved this six man tag. It was their de- their debuting 2.0, 2.0. Who, was ever, who was ever rise in NXT. These guys are really funny. They have like great charisma. And Daniel Garcia, who I think is only 22 years old, pretty young. And he is really, really talented. And so you knew that these guys weren't going to beat Kingston, Moxley, and and Darby. But it was it was a good way to present them. I thought it was a fine way to use Darby and and Moxley and Kingston who don't have anything going on right now. You at least get them on your show. This was this is something that this was felt like a house show match and in, in, in a good way. You know, like yes, yes. just that it wasn't 
anything spectacular, but the, the interaction outside the ring where he said, <laughs> the guys, you're Sting or the real Sting or he says something. And, and, and then I thought he was even funny after the match when they're in the ring. The ref is holding up their arms and he goes to like raise Sting's arm and Sting puts his arm down because he wasn't in the match. And, and he just match, like, right? you know, I, I just I didn't hate this at all. I thought it was a good way to use some new guys and some of your proven bigger stars and you put them together. I think it shows that um, they like and they think a little bit of Everrise just to even put them in that situation. You know, they I think the promo they cut, they called out the three got three of the biggest names on the roster. <laughs> I enjoyed this. I thought it was fun and I thought it was a good way to use everybody. I was a fan of Everrise in NXT. I enjoyed their segments. They never really got to wrestle. Um, I, I, I thought that was, you know, good and bad for NXT. Of course, bad because you want to see them wrestle. But, you know, NXT is just so loaded. You know, it's kind of like AEW. There, there's a lot of talent there. But, you know, flipping the t- – this is why they pay you the big bucks, Gino. Because you, you, you put it in, into – the, the best way you described it the best way this felt like a, a house show match and you're saying it in a good way because I've always been a proponent of, of saying if you get a chance to go to a house show as opposed to a raw smackdown go. Go. it just look you get eight or nine ten matches it's you fun. get the vibe you, is different no commercials no they take chances there there's more interaction so this felt that way to me it was probably the best match. I think there was only six anyway on the card. I thought it was maybe a little odd to put Darby with with Mox and Kingston, but as you said, there's nothing going on for them. There's really not a chance to tell a story about Everrise. So you you know, hey, look, what's the best thing to do? I'm I, again another big proponent of putting those little bitty promos right before match that was great old school awa style old wwe on the msg network it worked out it was fantastic and it was a fun match that was so much better than if they would have done that on dark or elevation it was literally five sec what 20 seconds 30 seconds of them just like That's each it. Yeah, yeah and and instead of like them doing that a week or two before on one of the YouTube shows that we didn't all get to see, I just felt like the presentation of them for some for guys that basically got squashed. I thought it was great. I, yeah. I feel like I, I know these guys now a lot more than I know some of the wrestlers who have been on this roster for months because I don't I only see them pop up here and there, and I don't really ever hear much from them. I, I enjoyed that. I thought it was funny. Um, and then we got a little bit video package be uh, Brian Cage, Ricky Starks. Um, the FTW championship stuff. Like I like, I like the people in this. I like cage. I like Starks. I think he's very good. Um, I just don't know. It, this is another one that's just kind of felt like it's been going on for a Way while too long. Agree. And I just don't know where, like who I'm sp- now I'm supposed to get behind cage. <laughs> right. He's turned I, face. So I don't, I know I didn't, I didn't really like the, yeah, I didn't, I'm, I'm just kind of, Waiting this one out because I like all of them And I think Taz has some funny moments He'll say some really funny things sometimes like inadvertently Funny uh, <laughs> but um, Yeah I, I'm just this. I, I can I can do Sort of without this and hopefully they, they move On but the uh, the real interesting Segment that a lot of people are talking about You've got the elite they're backstage They're shooting hoops and then doing a little Better this time than last week Cooper <laughs> They're at least making uh, making some of their Layups and they're making the behind the, the Basket shot 
and everybody's talking about what these guys are wearing. So you've got Doc Gallows. He's wearing a Ric Flair robe, kind of robe. Right. Uh, right after we've heard that Ric Flair is no longer with WWE, we've got the Young Bucks, Nick and Matt. They're wearing their Hawaiian shirts, very Bray Wyatt-ish, <laughs> early early Wyatt family here. Um, I believe there w- was a Bollywood Boys T-shirt. Yep. On uh, in the mix, who are also recent releases from WWE, and then Kenny Omega had a Cookie Monster, um, <laughs> had a Cookie Monster <laughs> shirt on, and so um, one time when people used to always ask CM Punk, what does the CM stand for? A lot of people assumed it was Chicago made punk or, you know, they, they, right, and right. He, he would never really say it. And so one of his responses one time was cookie monster. And so that was, <laughs> I, I will say like, they do a great job getting nerdy here. And for a lot of people like us that, you know, appreciate this stuff. Um, it was funny. They, they talked down to, to Paige. So again, like he's not getting buried. It just feels so weird because this could have been all part of the story they were telling and then just had it culminated all out and, um, and then move forward. And I just, I get a little bit worried because damn, at the end of this show, we looked like we had a star. We're going to be bringing in punk. We're going to be bringing in Brian. Are people really going to want to see Paige more than them? No. Um, I, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't I, think so. I, no, that, right, that worries me. Yeah. Yeah, right off, right, right off the tip of my tongue, no, because I think AEW, um, they are, and of course I'm just scientifically guessing. I, I have no idea what they think, but I think they want to beat Raw in total viewers for one week when football th- comes up. When football comes up, I think that's one of their goals. biggest goals, and. Why that would be everyone's goal is to do the best number available. That's not sometimes the best way of business. If you kind of Long catch term. my drift. Well, because this is something that happened with WCW, right? Right. This is what they were pop, pop a rating all the time. Big match on TV um, or do something here. Or are we going to get a big angle over or we want to go hot, 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 hot. But the problem is it's sometimes it's hard to sustain and you don't want to. Do what the NWO did Was fizz a lot of Baby faces that were on the way up Right they burned out a lot of A lot of people that were on the rise And even the sting stuff You know like when he yeah. was built up to be The guy so that's my my Concern whenever Paige Wins whether it's I, I just don't feel like it's going to be all out right now The way it's no, going no. Um, it, So if it's not that let's say if it's on A TV show or it's at full gear Which I think is their November pay-per-view or whatever He'll get a big pop. The crowd will like it. There, everybody always likes a title change. And but I don't know if that if at that point, a couple months from now, that that'll be a story that could have already been. He could have already had won the title and had a couple months into other stories. You know. Um. So I yeah, it's not always a push button type thing. You got to be careful when you have you have these really loyal fans right now that are just so hardcore. You don't want to. Do what WWE's done to a lot of their fans Right and make them feel like Either stupid or like they follow People along a ride that they never get uh, a, a payoff at And um, AW's done a really good job of, of of keeping The good faith with their fans early So I just hope Paige Gets treated well In the very near future Because I don't know how long you can kind of String him around you can string him around And just hope that you're going to be able to just oh, Flip the switch and then here he is. 
And the worst, the worst excuse or reply that I have seen from from AEW fans is, you know, it, it's pretty common knowledge that AEW is signing a lot of WWE guys, which they said they wouldn't do. If that's what they want to do and they've changed course, by all means, they have all the right in the world. But don't give me, oh, I'm glad he's signing with AEW because he or she wasn't used well. You know, and, and Ronda Rousey, I've never been a big Ronda Rousey fan. And, she, and I, I shared that tweet with you. And she mm-hmm. brought up a very good point. You've got to be real careful because you're not going to see, you won't see it in the beginning. You'll see Brian Punk. These numbers will be good. As you said, man, that's really hard to sustain because newness wears off quick in, in, in this in this crazy world that we live in. And the guys that there were in the beginning, they're pushed to the side, then it starts feeling like the old WCW, the old Ring of Honor days where, you know, they started pushing the, the Marty Skulls and stuff out and bringing these other guys in, and it's kind of a lost product. You don't want to alienate your hardcores. No. Right? And no. and we're saying their hardcores are really hardcore. Like, they will, they're really, really um, into, like, everything AEW does, but you don't want to, uh, you don't want to upset a lot of the people who have been along for some of your good stories, so... Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, we talked about the Christian Cage match a little bit. He wins there, and he's now the number one contender. If you want to vomit, you can take a look at uh, Wheeler's arm getting caught in the turnbuckle hook. They show a video Ooh. package there. Ooh, I will say though, I like. I wish this was a little bigger, or like this was for some like tag titles, because I've liked a lot of what I've seen with these two teams. Like I like both of these teams a lot. They feel like teams that could be tag team champions in any organization that they go to. I'm glad they've gotten a little bit of time to kind of have their own thing. And I just hope that these teams um, get to, you know, we hear about the great tag team division that AEW has, but we don't see a lot of it on Dynamite. It's on dark and elevation. Um, And so hopefully we can just get with another hour, we can get some more of these guys having matches on our TV for 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, Agree. Um, That's why I didn't think the young bucks needed the titles. They're, they're, they're great without them. And I I think if you put tag titles on, you know, and I know FTR has already had them, but you wouldn't know they had them. Because no. it really, you know, that, that, you know, FTR Bucks was probably something they went too quick with mm-hmm. because you don't even remember it. Maybe it's something that they're, they're going to revisit. I would assume they would, but I would rather see one of those type teams with the titles working matches every week or every other week because the Bucks were, we're not seeing them except in these little segments with the titles. So, and of all things, as you said, we're getting an impact tag team title match. I know next week. I, I, look, how many companies are we? We've got New Japan, NWA, Impact. That's one thing I don't think has helped AEW or those other companies out at all. With and it's cool, right? It's cool for your wrestling fan, and you know all these people. And I think, sure, um, I think you know, like one of the uh, one of the things is like you know what's nice about this show. That's what G said. Is that it's a lot of things that. That I'm super interested in, but I do look, listen to the feedback. I read stuff. I look at the numbers. I see what's doing well, what's not doing well, and it it always definitely will kind of sway how I think. Um, mm-hmm. You got to be careful when you're someone like Tony Khan, who's such a wrestling fan, that um, when you do things, the it's like the total opposite of 
of Vince, right? Like Vince isn't a wrestler. He doesn't even like the word wrestling. He no. hates it. Vince wanted to be in movies his whole life. Like he wanted to be a movie maker and a filmmaker. And he, he all, anytime he had an opportunity to, to do something in like Hollywood, like he wanted that, like that was his idea. And Tony is like a lifelong observer subscriber. He's like, uh, like us. He's a, he's a, sure. rest, a dorky wrestling fan. And the, 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 which is great for the people that are dorky wrestling fans, but you got to be careful if, that you don't get too inside baseball with things to where like, oh, Tony loves no, New Japan and this Napoli do a really lot of other pe- do a lot of other people because you know, I, it's like how I'm I'm in horse racing, I have to be care- not careful, but I try to when I give analysis of a horse of a race or a, a horse that I like or something, I don't want to talk so with 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 such terms that. Somebody who doesn't, who barely knows or can only make a bet, can't understand what I'm saying. But then I don't want to be so novice or rudimentary that somebody who is a little bit more advanced would like immediately hear and be like, "Oh, I, this isn't for me," right? So it's it's a you got to tiptoe. It's like a fair, it's a tight wa- wa- uh, walk rope, you know. Um, to like, okay, what are we doing that's mainstream? What are we doing that's hardcore? Feels like they're kind of trying to do both at the same time, and I just don't want them to. Take a little bit too much on you know And, and kind of overwhelm themselves uh, But they are buzzy right now We'll tell you that there's just a lot of news happening We got through uh, the DMD uh, Britt Baker and her promo We spoke a little bit about that so her and uh, Red Velvet are gonna be um, Are gonna be hooking up On Friday yep in Pittsburgh AEW Rampage next Friday so We also discussed uh, Andrade and what he's trying to do There with the uh, the Lucha Bros and turn Them and then we got the uh, the page in the ring with Tony segment that we sort of referenced a little bit earlier. The the elite jump him, and they then the Dark Order comes out. Uh, a couple of the Dark Order members, Uno and Grayson, stop everyone. They said, "Don't help Page. He didn't want us to help." Then Kazarian comes out, but he just gets <laughs> taken out real quick. It's like poor Kazarian. He comes in, and it's like people get pumped when he'll come in real quick, and he'll look like a badass for a second, and then just get. Just his legs cut right out from under him. Yeah, he was on Impact last Thursday night. I think he helped Sammy Callahan. Um, Sammy was jumped by the Elite. Uh, The Elite jumped uh, Callahan. I think it was Omega and the Good Brothers and Callus. And then, and here comes the Elite Killer or the Elite Hunter, and he comes out on Impact. You know, I, I I understand what they're doing. But at the same time, I, I don't know what good it does other than being, hey, I, I, we're, like you said, he's a big wrestling fan and he, and he tries to take all this. Look, and you know it's got to be crazy running this company, right? With all that talent on the roster, Gino, and all these people telling you this. And you're and, not and, and, you're not an established place, right? Like, So for as much as you've got money and you're the boss, like you're still trying to be and it's not an be, ass. No, right? it's and he's be being nice, right? Yeah, it's got to be like this guy wants this, this guy wants this. You got this and that, and everyone's it's new, so it's still exciting. So nobody's really being, you know, like a jackass to each other. And they're actually pretty lucky because we're gonna get to Cody in a minute. Like they've got a couple people. Like, hey, you know what? For a long time, we were wondering what the hell is going on with Omega. Where is he? Like he wasn't. He was really cold for a while. Until they they warmed him up and he won the title, he was he was kind of floating around in no man's land and and not doing a whole lot. Like we weren't seeing this singles version of Kenny. Um, 
you know, Cody from the very beginning, he took he made a sacrifice that he wasn't going to be able to fight for the title and they have not gone back on that, which I think is really cool. Wrestling always goes back on their stipulations that they, you know, and, and things like that. And even Cody takes a big L here and gets absolutely crushed in right. the main event. Um so they've even had guys that are willing to to make the big sacrifices too. Um yeah, it's, it's going to it's going to get real interesting when you have people like Punk, like Brian, who knows about Bray because for as awesome as they are, they're all pretty I'm I'm sure they want to have their own call it creatively what they're doing and their own decisions and that, we I'm know sure that, we, we know Brian and Punk will. Oh yeah, for Punk. sure. That, that, for that's sure. going to be a Look, we know they'll get whatever they want to in money, but you know some of the bigger things in life are is re, you know having a lot of creative control. Exactly. I, I, you know, it, 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 kudos, kudos for for Cody doing this. I, I thought, why waste this match on TV? But if you think about it, they don't do a whole lot of pay per views. No, uh, and you know, you know and so, the way the, the and angle. I was okay with way it was handled. It was Me too. short. Sweet Cody teases retirement, hanging up his boots. It was the Mark uh, the salmon jacket, the Mark Henry yeah. moment, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so I, I am okay the way they did it because I thought, why are you wasting this? Mm-hmm. I thought on the same this? thing. But I, I, I thought thing. that you know we talk about execution with AEW hasn't been all that good, but I thought this segment and this match was executed as about as as good as you could completely, could do it. Completely agree, and I think that is. One thing that's nice about ending the show with a segment like that, because I think, you know, the rest of the show, we, we got another Dan Lambert uh, sighting on, <laughs> oh, yeah. which was just funny. Um, and then we, we spoke about the Miro sort of elongated, like, you know, Lee Johnson got some in, but that's fine. Miro still looked, uh, looked, looked tough. And then, um, you know, we, we actually mentioned the, the Bunny and Layla Hirsch stuff earlier, too. We spoke all about that. And the only other thing was, you know, Christian Cage just mentioning that he is the number one contender now. So and he's he elite. Didn't, didn't he say something about he, he said, was elite? Yeah. He said, "Hey, Tony, what's what's good? That, what's better than being good?" Um, and uh, I, people were saying the best. They thought he was going to tease. I think CM Punk. Right. You know? Right. And then he said elite, <laughs> which was actually kind of fun. Which is kind of it funny. Was, it was like funny. Christian is is really a dork. You know what I mean? Like when you hear him talk and stuff and, and I, I don't, I think he, I like, I like Christian. I've always liked him. It's just, it's been a weird run for him so far, you know, <laughs> for, for a guy who's undefeated. And then we thought at the beginning they were going to shove right to the top, but then they did it. And now it looks like he might end up being put in a, a bad place. You know, it's just like, this is not going to do him any good. If he's put in, if this isn't in one of the next few weeks on TV, that won't hurt him as much, but no, I just don't understand why you even had to, like, why have him rushed into this and not have it just like let him be someone that Adam Page could face after he won? Like, you and, know, and, like, and, I, and you talk about deserving. I mean, really, I mean, he, he was with Jurassic Express, what, last week? They were lifting up on his shoulders. And he's kind of, you know, then this week, there's really nothing there with Jurassic Express. So, uh, okay. You know, it, it's just, it really. Thought, like you said it best, they'll have a fine match, but it's not really anything headliner, you know. We uh, we then got that main event, and and folks, this was this was a star making performance. I mean, compare Malachi Black's debut on AEW to Karrion Cross's debut on Raw. Ugh. Compare the two, and look at what 
when when any wrestling organization brings somebody in, has them squash a top guy, they have a, or gal, they have a good presentation, a good entrance, and they're treated like a star. It's not hard to make us think and feel like somebody's a big deal. Boom! This guy instantly had that. He had the vibe which that he had in NXT before he went up to WWE. Right, he had this kind of vibe, but this was even a little bigger because it was come right in, go right after Cody, squash him. You've got this—I don't say Undertaker, but kind of that kind of a vibe, you know, like darkness. That's what he goes for. I thought this was excellent. Malachi Black is an absolute star right now. The Cody stuff—I was—I was wondering. I was like, ah, oh, what's Cody doing now? He just, <laughs> but, but then you know, it was like, ah, oh, no. And then when 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 Black came out and took his boot. From him or whatever And then when he was taking the boots off I was like oh, okay I, I liked it And I really appreciated what Cody was doing Because whether or not you like or love or hate Cody He can cut a promo in, he can, He's can. he got that a little bit of the dusty in him sure. You know like to where he can make a crowd That was probably rolling their eyes Kind of get behind him after a few minutes Sometimes it's long winded And he'll take a few Like a little bit to get there Which is exactly how dusty would But he's He's good. He's really good. And I thought this was a great way to end a show that I didn't think was very I didn't think was one of their better shows. The last couple of weeks have been better like there was more on the show, but the ending of this, the last like 15 minutes, great stuff. I believe his debut on the main roster in WWE. Fact checkers, I may get blasted for this, but I remember was it in the being tag team with Ricochet in Lafayette, Louisiana at the Cajun Dome and fans had no idea. They felt like and they had a hell of a match, and it's just like, okay. It, 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 and I think even Triple H said, it, you know, re- remind us not to ever come back because I think that was a big night for WWE. I think there were several call-ups, uh, several big debuts, and they kind of just sat on their hands. So, uh, you know, then he got the cool entrance with the board, which, you know, all that's fine and dandy, but if you're not used on TV a whole lot in WWE, I, I mean, nobody really cares, but – Hey, man, um, he, he's the hottest guy out there right now. Uh, Britt Baker was the hottest in AEW. Now it's uh, Malachi Black, without a doubt. He is, uh, he is the guy right now in AEW, and it's getting all the, all the attention, and uh, probably deservingly so. Let's get to SmackDown. Um, you know, I, mean, I love most of what SmackDown does every week, and I still thought the show was, was pretty good. Um, we, we start out with Cena here, but a couple things that just confused me. It seemed like Baron Corbin was on this really good face turn trajectory. <laughs> and then you like bring Corbin out in two situations in the night where he's obviously going to get like booed as a big heel. And it, I mean, I kind of get it. He was, you know, asking Cena for some money. Kind of, you're <laughs> a big guy. Can you help me out? Like, I didn't mind that. But then I didn't like in the main event where he comes out and he tries to steal Finn's shot and then Cena, you know, and him and. I thought it, it was, it's just kind of a little bit weird with the way they were going. It felt like last week, the him and Owen stuff felt like such a home run. And it's like, oh, this is, they're going this way. So that, I didn't really love that. And no Kevin Owens this week. I, I'm 50-50 on it. I, number one, Baron Corbin really does no wrong in my eyes. He's funny, I, though. I will say, he, the way man, he, that, <laughs> in, the, in the scenes, he, he was entertaining. I just am... Sort of frustrated myself because I want Corbin to be faced with Kevin Owens in a few weeks. You yeah, know? and it felt like you know I understand him asking 
you know, Cena, that was a fantastic promo. But you could, tell he had, you, te- you could tell he, had, he, was, he was going hill here. You know, you're Mr. Ho- After Cena told him no, you're Mr. Hollywood. You're no better than The Rock. And, you know, all, you know, he name drops. Then Cena, you know, then I didn't, I don't recall Cena. Maybe he did. I, you know, you need to start taking more chances and help yourself out. So I can understand why he was wanting, but dude, you're, you're not going to get a match with Roman Reigns. So that's why it kind of threw me off. It was a surprise. I was really surprised. So I guess now we, we go to Baron Corman and Finn Balor. Finn, match. Is that correct? Yeah, you know, which that, that and you, you like Finn better come out and cut a promo on this. And be pissed or something. Yeah. Like yeah. Finn can't just act like nothing about this. Like you, you texted, you sent me a message right then. Was like, did Finn just get snaked? Like you know what I mean? Like was <laughs> it a Hangman Page like, moment? Uh, he got Finn? he got paged. You're right. He got <laughs> Hangman. And the only difference is, is that like, um, I think I I, saw, I heard this or read this somewhere. It's only only difference is Finn hasn't really done anything to earn it. Finn wasn't I agree with that. I and would so agree with if, that. if somebody were to say. Like you, maybe you don't get too upset because it's not like Finn's had this big build. He didn't win a number one contenders match. He just kind of walked out and challenged Roman, and and Cena had already been challenging Roman before. Um, so, it, you know, I don't, I don't mind it. I actually, in a weird way, is, is if we get Finn to just come out and get get pissed off at Corbin and then say Roman, I'll handle you. You know, go ahead, John. Like, and you know, whoever John or. I wanted just to hear him say some simple stuff like I'm going to go after you Corbin and then I'm coming after the title next because then maybe that is better th- that's better than Finn getting a match on SmackDown and just losing and getting squashed or whatever cuz he definitely doesn't deserve that. I, I no. thought he had a great line there at the end with Roman Reigns saying, "Hey, look, I'll take the Universal Championship or the WWE Championship to to I'll gladly return to NXT with it." Mm-hmm. The guy's a star. I, he is. I, yeah, he he has to come out and and be pissed off and you know, or it's all for nothing because you know the Kevin. You know, there was no Kevin Owens this week, you know, with Baron Corbin and, and maybe KO turns hill. Maybe we. I mean, there's all kind of different ways, but it did it did feel odd that he was. They've turned Baron Hill really quick during this during this stuff because I was digging it, man. I was digging. Yeah, it. I didn't mind where it was going. Um, we got Mysterio picking up a win over Jimmy Uso. Ray got the win there. There's kind of continuing on with the uh, Mysterio's Uso stuff, and, man. I'll and I'm this, fine with man. this. Say I'm I'm fine with this because these these guys are all having combinations of good matches. Yeah, and the fans, whether you you like Ray or not, uh, the fans, this crowd really liked him. So I, I had no problem with it. You know, I'd like for Dominic to win some matches here or there, but this was this was a good opener. We got the return of Sasha Banks, and and uh, <laughs> it was super predictable. She, she sure. knew that she came out and she saved uh, Bianca initially, and then they were in a, a tag match, and and then uh, Sasha was going to turn on Bianca eventually to help set up their feud moving forward, which is fine. Like Sasha felt like a big deal coming back. Fans were hot for her. The uh, you know not it it made sense. Like sometimes predictable sure. isn't always bad. You knew what was coming here, um, and it does help. Set up moving forward now Just please don't give me the like next Week let's see if they can coexist again as Tag partners right like Please Here, please, here's no. my Question I or I Present this to you you know we, we have the segment and then The tag match was fine you know Sasha and Bianca 
with Carmella and Zelina. Um, Sasha, Sha- Sasha turns. My statement is there was a lot of mixed reactions in this crowd. I, I would, I rewatched that segment. She got, a, she had, a, she had some people popping for her when she turned on Bianca. Now mm-hmm. I don't know if this was a smart Mark crowd or, or you know, to, to still Matt Cardona's uh, word, but she might just be a bigger star than, yeah, than Bianca. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're right. And this is sort of like, um, Sort of Charlotte Rip Ripley-ish kind of a yeah, thing, yeah. You know where it's like they haven't. I I, I don't want to say they've done a bad job with Bianca because I don't think they've done a bad job. I just don't think it's been great. No, since since winning, it's just been okay. You know, and I think they were like, and and maybe we give them a little bit of a mulligan because perhaps they would have had a little bit more Bailey stuff to go, and then Bailey got hurt, right? Mm-hmm. And so then they had sure. to kind of throw Carmella for the last like month or so. Into the mix and that didn't feel quite as big But um, Yeah I'm very curious To see the response and, and what happens And you know with with Becky Likely coming back soon I'd imagine Becky shows up either at the End of SummerSlam or the night after On one of the Or the next week on one of the two Smackdown or Raw So you know what do you do here Do you, do you have um, You know Sasha win this belt back and then maybe you can flip Bianca to the other side uh to go to to go over to Raw and freshen things up over there a little bit. Do you you know cuz they're probably going to have a, a a draft in a, a talent exchange on the brand. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. You heard a little bit of that and and Sasha is one of those like stars. Sasha, sure. Becky, like, you know, Cena in like some of them that in the in this company now, they will get a mixed reaction. No matter who you put them against, because they're just—they're always going to get some sort of a, a pop. And uh, Sasha Banks going to be in the uh, the women's title match. Which, hey, let's remember, this was a freaking awesome match at WrestleMania between it, those two. It was, and it, you know, interesting point uh, about Becky. You know, we're we're getting a lot of her chance. We have been for a while. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? And Charlotte's teasing them too. She's sure. kind of playing into she, them a little. Y- yes, she is. Do you remember? It, it wasn't so long ago. How Becky was kind of this lovable loser oh my gosh. in WWE, man. She and was it, she just it couldn't do anything right. It's and funny then, because I I actually like I actually liked myself that version of Becky better <laughs> than the badass Becky. Like sure. I thought she's she was corny and goofy and funny and jokey, you know, and like still get in the ring, but she'd like say the goofiest thing, and then it right. was. I, at the at the because because I was like and I would know how she was off you know off screen or behind the scenes if you've heard her interviews and stuff and you've heard people talk about how quirky she was I thought it was so funny that when she snapped and she was the badass Becky at the very beginning I didn't connect with it as much as some other people did and and it's not that I have a, a problem with her at all but I always thought it was funny because I was like she was she's been good all along what are we doing <laughs> right? here but um she it was I'm I'm glad you pointed that out because it, it was sort of like Daniel Bryan. Yeah, you know, that yeah. everybody was just like, okay, screw it. We're sick of them not really getting their chance, and we're just going to run with them now. Yeah, and, and you know what? She was Becky was real hot, and then you have WWE bringing in Ronda Rousey, and then you have this mixed reaction world, and there's Charlotte, and then you have a match that you know a triple threat that probably wasn't as good. Then it was cut short. 
Wasn't it the main event of WrestleMania? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I know I'm getting off on a tangent here, but it's just funny how the, you know, these WWE fans are now just constantly chanting her name. And I'm sure she's going to be back on the brand that Seth Rollins is and only makes sense. So, yeah, you know, Sasha Banks, big star, Bianca, you know, I don't know which way they go there. I don't know if Sasha gets the belt back or if they want a Becky Bianca, Becky Charlotte, but. They have some options, and uh, I just thought it was an interesting reaction that uh, Sasha got some pop there when she turned on Bianca. The hey Reggie's getting some love on both <laughs> on both shows. Is. I, this is the most interesting the twenty four seven title's been in a while, and yes. and it, this is funny. This is great. It's and the thing about it, it's it's always going to be like one segment on a show. It's never going to be something that's like thirty minutes. It's going to be ten minutes stuff or under. And it gets a couple other people out And it gets to show up, like show off The athleticism of this guy Who is super acrobatic And he does a lot of things that uh, You know, some of the wrestlers Could probably do, but not many, Ricochet and a few others You know, and they, they kind of let him they, uh, they really let him go So, hey, let's go Reggie Let's go Reggie <laughs> And isn't he Reggie now? We kind of dropped No him more like Reginald, just no straight Reggie Reginald. That's just, what's because yeah, Kobe yeah. tweeted that, didn't Kobe yeah. tweet that? He said, "Yeah, he does." Like, wait a minute, did the, like, the no Spider-Man more, meme where they're kind of yeah. both pointing at each he other. Said, "Hey, you're not Jamaican, man." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's a quick segment. Like I told you last week, I've been hearing some things about how the fans are reacting to him, and he's getting a lot of pop. And if that's you know, th- this was probably what the twenty four seven title was meant to be. Absolutely. You know. And I, I think he's just done uh, for a short amount of time getting him away from uh, Nia and Shayna is uh, it's been good. And I, as you said, he's on both shows, and it, it's not something drawn out. It's going to be quirky matches, the weird weak finishes, but very entertaining. The dude, the dude is is super athletic and acrobatic. We we then got a, another like pretty fun what was like a house show tag. Yes, yeah, and Cesaro. I thought it was too short. Me too. It was I I liked it. The energy with the crowd was really into this. They Dude, were McAfee, really into it. McAfee jumping on the table he was, during Shinsuke's entrance. <laughs> oh my is god! Like, I mark out for that. Me too. And He's I know great. McAfee's marking out for that. McAfee so is me so great. He does just bring a like an energy and add something to the broadcast. He's a perfect fit. And Michael Cole has talked about it. Michael yeah, Cole says he, you've made me have more fun. You've rejuvenated me, which is, you know what? It's exactly what Nance says about Romo, which is funny sure. in football. Sure. Jim Nance said the same thing about Romo. You could hear it when they talk. They're like buddies. You like it's like they're like it's not a dad son, but it's almost <laughs> yeah. it's almost yeah. like that. You know, Jim, and then they laugh and they start giggling <laughs> and stuff. And you could tell that these guys are enjoying and having some fun, and they got these inside jokes, even you know, and stuff now. So um, it was I, an incredible six minute and forty four minute match that probably. Should have gone fifteen. Main, yeah, and it could have been a main event. It was really fun. It was really, really fun. It was. It was good stuff. And um, you don't want to do this every single week with the no. same players, but th- we haven't seen all like all of them kind of combined like this. So it, it it felt sort of fresh. I thought it was cool. Um, it good way to use you know get use some of your bigger mid mid card to upper mid card stars and, and get them on the show. We do you let, let, before you move on to yeah. the Edge Rollins segment. I, we're still early with Big E with the money in the bank briefcase, but it, but it's kind of like you really don't know he has it. I, I was just gonna say what man, briefcase, man. Yeah. It, I, yeah. Look, I know Roman is the man, 
But why don't you put why don't you let Big ETs going on raw and do something? I don't and, think they've done a very good job. I know it's soon, but man, that's, and that might be that feels unimportant. And that might be something to keep an eye on because yeah. you may you may have pointed something out because sometimes they like to go a little quiet before they do. You know, yeah. sometimes they'll go the opposite. Maybe they have a plan for Big E to cash in on a Lashley at SummerSlam. I would love that. Afterwards, Lashley kind of, uh, you know, he Goldberg gets him a few times, but Lashley pretty pretty dominantly gets through him. But he's sort of struggling afterwards. I'm okay and with that. Then, you know, and then here comes Big E. Um, that'd be cool. They they've done that before, so maybe maybe that's something that that Chad could kind of caught. You know that they, <laughs> or maybe they're just being lazy. Either way, sure. it's one of them. But <laughs> we, we'll figure it out. Um, Rollins uh, and uh, and Edge, they kind of just uh, continued this uh, along. Rollins cuts his promo, and uh, that's just where the fans were, were definitely chanting uh, for Becky at this point. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very excited for these two. Yeah, it'll be a good match. Um, I, I don't think we're gonna get the goofball tag team stuff with these two. There's just no, no way. Uh, it's too these, these guys are too starish for that and I'm not taking anything away from anyone else on that roster the Charlottes the Sashas or anything like that but um, you know we, we've got a what uh, two weeks from this Sunday so you'll you, you've got three more smackdowns I think they could do a pretty good job of keeping these two guys uh, without having to work some side of match because that is a match I'm definitely looking forward to for SummerSlam and we discussed what happened in the main event there with Sasha and Bianca winning that tag match. So, um, yeah, the overall a solid SmackDown. A couple things I really enjoyed. Um, kind of curious where the, what they're gonna do with Finn, and as long as they can keep treating him well, I won't I won't be too upset with what happened there. But, um, eh, Raw as we get into Raw was uh, <laughs> it just it's a bummer. Like we we yeah. we talk about it. And it doesn't feel like it's the same people on SmackDown that are in charge not, of that show, especially, dude. Especially this opening segment with Goldberg's son. Did that? What even, the hell? It, like even Goldberg, the announcers were thrown off. Well, the last time we saw Goldberg's son, he was like ten years old and like pudgy kind of belly. He took his shirt <laughs> off. He like looked like a little kid. This dude is like a badass. He's, he's like Goldberg a, juice, man. <laughs> he is. And apparently he's like a good high school football player. And he's like getting like looked at and, and already like very highly regarded. Um, he, This was, yeah, this is weird because. It just didn't feel real. No. And Goldberg, and not that it's was like all over the place with yeah, his promo. He said about, he's talking about killing Lashley and <laughs> like something else. He got, he was like losing his train of thought. Um. He he gets the pops for a few weeks, you know, but then we kind of all remember the the thing about Goldberg is um you know, he had these squash matches. He was not a great in-ring worker and he was not a great promo. Now, he's been a, a better promo since he's made his return to WWE over the last but 5 years or so, but he it, it just is like he doesn't really have much of a purpose. He he keeps kind of going out there and, you know, he says the same thing, but the last few times we've seen him, he's lost, so it doesn't feel as as much. It's I'm just gonna be very happy when they get through this and move on. It's it's fine if you don't have anything for Lashley, because um, now you're really making making me want Big E to cash in, right? At Survivor Series, right? Because right? oh, he just kind of it's it's a bummer because you look around and it's just like yeah, I guess they don't really have much for Lashley. 
he squashed and went through Kofi and they they haven't really built anyone up as another like legitimate contender right now. So now man, you know, I, look, Gino, I'll tell you this, you know, he, he and Drew had this long drawn out uh, storyline. You know, Drew, I, I believe was the next match or the first match right after that. That guy got a massive pop, man. He did. He you did. know, I gave credit where credit's due. They, they liked this guy. They did. And uh, he was in the two-on-one with against Veer and Shanky. And <laughs> Drew <laughs> Drew wins by DQ and Jinder hits him with the chair. So if, you know, Drew has to just, it's got to be like a no DQ match. Something. At, at SummerSlam. And he should really beat the crap out of all three of them. Yes. In, in, in like five to eight minutes. And just get the crowd really behind him after, and that'll be like a you could you said kind of silver medal referencing something earlier. That'll be sure. like, hey, a little bit of a consolation prize for you that you know you haven't had a lot of these opportunities in front of the crowds now. You were the, t- the champ for all the pandemic. Let's just get you out there in a match where you can just squash squash gender and these guys with him and sort of bring you on the trajectory to where I think you do that with him and then you send him SmackDown. That or uh, because you know if Big E comes over and wins the title and you have Big E and Drew, it kind of feels like Big E and Lashley extension to me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, I just yeah, I, eh, couldn't get into it. So if you put McIntyre on the other side and then McIntyre has Roman to kind of at least go after, that feels different. You sure. know, he can sure. legitimately say, "Hey, Roman," like he did. You know, he did call Roman out and tell him, "Remember when you went and you left." And I stayed here throughout that whole pandemic And I carried the ball And I was the guy here every week And I was the man, you know And so, yeah, that would uh, like that it. would at least feel fresh And he, you know um, Drew, Drew looked, Drew looked good here He did, uh, and like you said, the crowd was into him As uh, Naya and Shayna uh, We're getting a little uh, A little bit of a, a turn here Because Rhea beats Naya And then after the match Rhea bounces, but Naya and Shayna start getting at each other. Naya got busted open at one point in this match, and so she was, Eyelid, yeah, yeah, she was bleeding. Um, and then uh, she turns around and and Rhea nails her. Um, so you know, I I liked this. Yeah, I I, I did. Was, I I'm something. not a Naya fan, but this felt like a. This is what you want from a women's division. Now, I'm not talking about the eye getting split open or anything like that. Multiple things. You have some some storylines in a match that had no storylines going into it. Rhea and Nia, maybe a little bit here and there or whatever. I I thought Rhea did good. I thought she came off good. I thought Nia did. The crowd was popping, wanting Shayna to just turn on Nia. I I felt this was really good stuff here. I I really did. And I felt like this is what the women's division should be like when you have women in the ring. So, uh, yeah, not bad at all from from Raw, where we haven't loved what they've been doing with Rhea. But maybe this will kind of help her kind of build herself back up uh, a little bit here. Um, You know, just what. okay, what I liked about this, too, just because Charlotte and Nikki and Rhea are in a feud does not mean they have to wrestle each other every single week to continue Bingo. their feud, right? Yes. We used Correct. to see this all the time where somebody's wrestling somebody else, the other person's sitting at ringside at commentary, or after the match, they come down and they have an interaction, or 
Hell, who knows? Maybe they don't even come out at all in it for that week. And it's just we're seeing somebody get a win and build themselves up. It doesn't have to be, oh yeah, at SummerSlam, these two are are fighting. So let's have them fight four times before that. So that way by the time we get there, nobody cares. Uh, 100%. And, and look, this this is again, this is what the women's division needs. You don't need these guy or girls in tag matches. Um Look, if you want to put somebody at commentary, I know that's the easy way out. I'm fine with it. It it felt new. It felt different. You know, it, it just it, I connected with it. And you got a pop with 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 Shayna, who's kind of been shrug over the coals a little bit since moving up. I know. I know. Look, she's had the tag team titles a couple of times, but unfortunately, it's kind of been a meaningless run with those titles. I just she hasn't felt bad ass, ashes, no ass asses to me, whatever that Assy, word is. And, and look, and her <laughs> and Naya, her and Naya can do that. Her and Rhea could do that. So yep. th- this is something very positive moving forward on Raw. Very much agree. Let's uh these two women in whether you like Naya or not, she she can be used as someone in the top tier of the women's division. Because she brings something different She is that big monster And so if I think now is a great time to try to Like you said, try to get her and Shayna Back up up a little bit more Right, up the ladder Because now what would be nice is if you've got Shayna and Naya who feel More important, and now you've got Rhea there, Nikki is feeling More important, obviously she's the champion here You've got Charlotte there, like all of a sudden Now, you know, you've got A nice stack of Five or six women that you can have Rotate around the main event picture Than just the two or three On the other side you can have Bianca, Sasha You know Becky's coming back at sometime soon It looks like they're building up Tony Storm Boom, now all of a sudden you might have ten, ten people That are in the mix that feel a little fresher Than just the three or four So Who we, who we didn't see on SmackDown Unfortunately Only four matches on yeah, Only four matches on SmackDown I thought that was a little weak I, I know we're bouncing but since you brought up Tony no, no, Storm yeah. That's a good point you know, yeah, I, look, She don't need to be on TV every week in a match But you gotta put her in a segment man I love to see her yeah. Say, hey, One last week you're gonna see me again next, next week Yeah, Boom yeah. that's it Let's knock on wood uh, Hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see her next week um, I do like the fact that Mansoor, Mustafa Ali um, Mace T-Bar Like Tag, these are all these are tag teams that I'm fine seeing on TV. I don't love the 50-50 back and forth. I do kind of like the fact that we saw Ali seeming to be like embracing Mansoor now and having a tag team like a T-Bar and Mace who are like an old school like we said the uh Ascension what they would or and sure. NXT but they were like an attempt to be a Road Warriors kind of team like they're fine. They have a place and so I don't I don't hate this. This isn't like the greatest thing in the world, but I don't want to see two more weeks of rematches with these same two teams. You know, we could have them go move to somebody else and then revisit this in a month or two, you know, whatever. But that's the problem. This wasn't bad. I just know we're going to get two more weeks of it. Yeah. I don't like the 50 50 and I don't like, I have a feeling we're going to get some more of it. Uh, I thought, you know, it was only three minutes and I thought it probably needed to go longer because it's actually pretty good stuff. And I'm usually, you know, I'm usually down on a lot of raw stuff and I was several of these segments, but uh, it was some of the the, the lesser segments that I actually didn't mind that that actually were the better main main event ish kind of segments. You're right. Yes. Totally agree. And 
we uh, we mentioned earlier that awful promo where Charlotte was like just it was bad. It just went way about. too long too, man. And she was like drug yeah. on. She was just it, she got lost in there too. Nikki came out. Um, they do end up having a, a good good match in the main oh, event. Yeah. And Much you know what? Like than the previous week. Hey, I, I will say again, like you know, we 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 crap on a lot of things that Raw does, but there were a lot of women on this show. Yes, we you know we just mentioned the Rhea, Shayna, Nia stuff. We we've got Charlotte and Nikki in the main event multiple weeks in a row, and like the biggest, basically like the biggest part of Raw. We got uh, Tamina versus Dewdrop here. We even had a Lily goodness show back up. <laughs> oh no. <sighs> Oh no! But we have made strides in the yes. WWE from the the Divas division. Exactly. Maybe getting one match on a pay per view, and maybe a segment, or, or maybe bra and panties match exactly. back in the day. But man, I tell you what, kudos to WWE NXT. Uh, they let those women be just as important, if not more important. Uh, than the than the men's division, and, 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 and like they deserving so. them some stories too. Yes, right. For yes. a long time, it was just like, oh, these two women, they're just they they just hate each other, right? Yeah. There wasn't like a story, or it was like a very like every story had to be something involved with a guy. Sure. You oh know? yeah. Like yeah. it was oh, like, yeah. oh, they're fighting over this. Mickey James and Molly Holly because you right. know, Crash Holly, <laughs> or you know? like super piggy James bullying. Like they just couldn't oh, have yeah. like. Yeah. Like a legitimate storyline that like would like be in a regular story or a feud, and they've they've done a better job with that now. Um, I didn't love seeing Dewdrop losing, but it's all part of the story, you know, with her and Eva. So I'm okay with it. She's not like a champ that's losing here or anything, and um, you know, eventually she'll she'll turn on uh, on Eva, and, and Dewdrop will get the big pop and. Um, Tamina gets the win here because Natty got banged up uh, pretty bad, so Natty's going to be out for a little while. Yeah, you know Tamina's in a you know an odd position because now what do you do with the tag titles? There's only one one or two things you do. You kind of sit around and let them and keep it and pretend like they're not yeah <laughs> right and pretend they're not champions because they're not working, or you strip them of the titles. So and it, it kind of sucks either way, but you know it, it just it, it's in a just a bad position. Poor Natty. She finally wins some sort of a title and she gets hurt. I think she had surgery on her ankle or yeah. foot. So Tamina gets the win there. Um, Damien Priest and Riddle were kind of talking a little backstage. It was funny. Uh, then Damien Priest has a, a match or, you know, Miz, Miz is out for uh, Miz TV and it ends up leading to a match with Damien Priest versus Morrison. And that actually uh, ends up. Which I uh, I, I kind of liked. Um, uh, Priest quickly wins um, a match against Morrison, and then he is standing out, and he gets attacked by Sheamus. And then you know what's cool? Ricochet shows up. Yes, we hadn't seen Ricochet for a little while since his awesome um, uh, performance at Money in the Bank. And you know, if if you have nothing to do with him. Let him just be generic good guy that comes out and saves people. This was something that used to happen in wrestling all the time, right? Where's the good guy saving saving the other good guys when there's a beatdown? You know, I, I, I like <laughs> like I don't I don't mind this. It's pretty simple, and you know, 
Who knows what you're going to do with Ricochet But maybe you have Damian Priest win And then you maybe you have a match with Ricochet With Damian Priest I don't know but Ricochet is fine in this US title-ish range I don't mind that here No and I, I thought the match probably was too short Almost all these matches on Raw were too short Yeah We we had nine of them and all of them were like Three to four minutes other than the main event I know they were probably trying to leave time for that But I thought the main event probably could have been A little shorter but Yeah I I mean I think Damian Priest Probably needs to be the champion Um, They brought him up for a reason He's good I I would like to see Ricochet involved in this We've said it week after week He's a guy that needs to be on TV in the ring, just like John Morrison, just like Damian Priest, don't sign these guys or, or, or let them hang around just to be, uh, you know, on main event or, or just to do a pre-show match because, I mean, we just saw Ricochet get pushed in a Money in the Bank ladder match. Yeah. Who, again, we got fooled. I, I mean, I was sold. They did a great job. So it was definitely good to see him back on TV, uh, even though it wasn't in a uh, like a full match capacity. But I, I think maybe... We get a, a, a triple threat or, or something with these, or maybe Sheamus and Morrison versus these two, uh, because the Miz is still out. So, yeah, Ricochet, more Ricochet. What did you think of uh, Omos versus Riddle here? Uh, I, I, where, did I miss something? Was AJ Styles just... no, not Nowhere. Nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. In, in Chicago. Which uh, is crazy. Um, I will say, I thought... It was I don't, better. I don't. I I don't love Rid, like Riddle. Kind of felt like he was really getting pushed for a minute, and he's had a couple losses recently. Yeah. Um, I know that's going to be there. That's part of the story with Randy when he will come back. Um, I will say this might have been one of the best that I thought Omos looked. Um, yes. On his own, he didn't really seem lost. He looked pretty good in, in there for the most part. I just, you know, I was a little, I was a little weirded out that it was Riddle that he beat because and. But I guess it's it's setting up their their inevitable tag feud uh, moving forward. So yeah, yeah I, I just you know and no AJ. That was a huge disappointment. I understand if you don't want to do AJ and Riddle, which was stupid. You need to do it. I think we've where seen is it before. He? And it's yeah, you know he was. Where is he? I I don't know. Just this is the bizarre stuff with WWE that drives me insane. Nuts. Drives me insane. Nuts. Nuts. And we get a uh, Karrion Cross versus Keith Lee. So <sighs> after. Keith making Keith Lee, he returns. He loses to Lashley in an open challenge. He then comes right back and loses to Cross. But then now you show us a video package of him at the beginning beating Randy Orton last year and making it seem like this guy's a big deal. He's back. And then he wins. Like, what the hell were you doing the last two weeks if you were going to do this with Keith Lee? Why wasn't this the first time he showed back up? In a 10-minute match, this match was 9-24, It was pretty good. It was pretty good. The fans kind of really don't know what to do with Karrion Cross. I'll say this. They pop for the finish. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, this is, again, it's bizarre. I have no idea what they're doing here. They play us for dummies. I think they think that we have a mindset that we easily forget things. Well, it's, trust we, us, we don't. We don't. We remember <laughs> what just happened. Like that's why people are like, hey, if you give Keith Lee three more wins in a row, people will get right behind him. Next week they'll be more behind him than they were this week because he just won. But 
what makes it, 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 it what makes it even more bizarre? Karrion Cross is on the main roster losing without with Scarlett. the NXT no. title with while he's setting up a, a feud main with event. Joe that is going to be in the main event of their NXT takeover and the feud actually feels hot on NXT yes. if you were in a if you were in a total vacuum and and you and like Karrion Cross was just like an actor that was just acting on two different TV shows you People would be a lot more interested in what's happening on NXT right now. But Absolutely. the problem is, is because they've seen this dude now have three matches. Two of them he's lost. And the the one that he won, he won and he actually has looked pretty good, I'd say, in both of the last two weeks, wrestling-wise. But yes. he he's got none of the bells and whistles that make him him. He needs the bells and whistles. <laughs> I it's just like uh, who does he I I mean Jeff Hardy gets COVID. Jeff Hardy was going to beat him. So at least we look if if if, if he's going to lose at least have a decent match with Keith Lee even though that makes zero sense. I just this is it's bizarre. There's a couple of bizarre things. There's a couple of bad things. This is beyond bad. It's just bizarre. Here. There's no answer to it. We've got no explanation where Scarlet. We've got no explanation on NXT. It's like like it's two different things. It's two different worlds. So uh Reggie is getting matches, which is great. Reggie gets yeah. a win here, like actual uh, matches, and um, and then we got the main event, um, the no holds barred. Uh, Nikki Ash, Charlotte Flair, and Nikki gets the win, and it was really, really good. I gotta say, I, this, it, it was excellent. Was, Gino, I thought this probably should have been last week. I, I know. Never I don't need it. Lose. I didn't need. I. I completely agree. We did not need her to lose last week. She could have said everything, said, I'm going to, and then just, this is fine. She didn't need to lose last week in order to have her win this week. It just, it was unnecessary. It's exactly how I feel about having Paige lose in that tag match. It's just, why? I don't, I don't need it. I, you know, um, they get paid the big bucks. Uh, I, I, you know, they, they have pretty decent ratings. Uh, it's not going to change. It will here pretty soon. Uh, you know, as you know, as we record this, I think there's an NFL football game, the Hall of Fame game. Hall of Fame game. You know, going football on. season is is will be here before you know it. College football camps ha- have started, so you know, I, I I don't know. Raw I thought was better overall than it has been over the last couple of weeks. Which but, is still not saying much. Yeah, but still but, not but the bizarre segments are. Are what's really killing me, and this carrying cross nonsense, and AJ is, Styles not showing up is is just baffling, baffling. The Goldberg stuff, I'm used to it. Do I mm-hmm. like it? No. But, but you I, kind of know it. You know it. You that's know it's WWE. They, mm-hmm. But but this stuff, nah. There, there's they don't get a passport. Like if you're Triple just, H, what the hell? Like I wonder, <laughs> I wonder what the hell you're thinking when it's like. Wow, Bray Wyatt, I cr- we created this guy down in NXT. He comes up and then now he's gone. All these like people that we've got these like Alistair Black was incredible yeah, in NXT. Sure. Nakamura, Bobby Roode. Think about everybody that came in. It's funny how AEW has been recently. That's how NXT was about four years ago, three or four years ago. Yes, where, like yes. everybody was showing up there, and you didn't know who was going to be the next guy or girl to show up, and it was very exciting. And they'd show in the NXT takeover who's sitting in the front row, and everyone was curious. Um, and I, I think what's hurting NXT 
is how the NXT people are treated on the on the main roster, and that's starting 100%. to it's starting to bleed over into the ratings and and the way people are getting behind NXT because they're just starting to get fed up and say, well, okay, Adam Cole's never coming up, Gargano's never coming up. Look what happened with some of the the people who did come up. Karrion Cross is like losing while holding the NXT champion. Chip, he was undefeated. In a monster, and then he comes up. He's lost two of three matches, which is funny. <laughs> One of the matches he lost was to a guy he beat in NXT. I know, right? And it's like I, I, <laughs> NXT. You know, are are they on Sci-Fi again next week because the Olympics, or did they finally move back to the USA Network? Do you know? Not that it matters. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's this is the last week of the Olympics, I believe, coming up. Okay. So, so they might be one more time. Yeah, it's just like it, it, it's you know they go. It's five hundred and something thousand for the last two weeks. You know they they've been getting about six hundred, maybe seven hundred. So there's been a you know two hundred thousand viewers is a pr- pretty significant drop off for them uh, for NXT, and it doesn't help when their guys and girls uh, are, are getting embarrassed on Monday nights. And you there's not a storyline or there's not a finish. That can help me out and help me understand what is going on with the NXT champion. It's look, you can call me an AEW hater all you want to. I'm not the biggest carrying cross fan of the in the world, but he's their champion with a, with a smoking hot valet, the best entrance in wrestling. What they've done to him on Raw he's, is unacceptable. You don't like him, that's fine, and I that's completely fine. agree. He was never my favorite or my flavor, but how do you take someone who has been treated like such a big deal and then throw that all away in a few weeks? He, uh, they, <laughs> they, they protected this guy. They booked him strong. They made him look like a monster over all of your NXT big stars. Do you know, he Finn. was a hot name that they were vying between AEW. You know, he leaves Impact. AEW and WWE were the two companies that uh, that wanted his services, and WWE outbidded him, so to speak, or outbidded AEW, and everything is done right. Uh, fantastic uh, entrance. He was uh, Killer Cross, the, right? Before yeah, it was, was, killer, he was? He was Killer Killer Cross. So you kind of rebrand him, which I thought was kind of silly, but okay. They don't like the word killer. That's fine. You know, that's and something that, that like WWE fine. might it's, be, it's you know. It's just unacceptable booking. Unacceptable. It's, it's no not excuses. bad. It's just unacceptable. And there's no payoff. The no. wrestling word. There's no payoff for this. There's Sorry, no money there's in that. No, I don't know what. Who, who Who's getting over here? Who are you helping? Um, if he won the world title from Bobby Lashley or beat Roman Reigns tomorrow or at WrestleMania, I still wouldn't understand it. Why they did it. It doesn't make any sense. And we get to NXT. Um, as uh, Hit Row opens things up against uh, Legado del Fantasma, um, uh, it looked like uh, Top Dollar AJ <laughs> was just about to pick up the win. He looks pretty good. I gotta yeah, say, does. like for he's a big man. He's he's still a little green, but but he's got he's like he's athletic, right? So he's not like um, I think I think you can keep you can keep training him. Like he's going to pick things up quickly. Because he feels like he can move pretty well for a big man, so um, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine with this. They uh, they got attacked um, by uh, you know Le- Legado del Fantasma um, afterwards, Escobar and stole his uh, grill. 
he stole he stole his grill you're right yeah so um i just don't want them to look too like they were looking cool i don't want them to be like getting getting their ass kicked every week because they're kind of a, a cool group hit row is that but two in a row or is that we had a week in between that they have gotten beaten down it, it felt, I think it was two in a row. Two in a row. Mm, yeah. Interesting. So you just want to make sure you don't have them like always looking like they're on the bottom end. But um, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't have much of a problem with this. Um, um, no, I thought, good opener. I'm okay yeah. with it. I'm with you. They don't need to lose every week. Uh, I did like the grill stuff. I think Scott and uh, Escobar is going to be fantastic. Ooh, we got Regal um, and uh, Joe backstage. He told Joe he's now an active competitor again. And that the guards will be staying with him to make sure <laughs> they don't attack each other before. So uh, that that was kind of fun. But man, the one thing that really stood out to me on this show, we got freaking Brock Lesnar here with Ridge Holland. This dude reminded me of young Brock Lesnar. Just the way he looks. It's something about the way he's built to his shoulders. And he throw he was throwing some suplexes around. You could tell. They're they're kind of high on him because this was yeah. really a squash on uh, Hero, the babyface who we saw a couple weeks ago in the uh, the um, the tournament. But I like you know you, you're you're pairing him with uh with with Pete Dunn and Lorkin, but this dude's got something. Um, and even even the way he was yelling in the ring at like he I don't know if he, what how great he'll be with his promos or anything, and we'll see with with that kind of work, but. He kind of was like trash talking as he's throwing you around, like throwing him around. That was like what Brock used to do early on. I just got these Brock feels from him, and I'm not saying he's gonna be Brock Lesnar, sure. but no, I know. Where he, he, just, I, I, yeah, he, he, he reminded he, this, me a lot of him. This is an NXT type guy, and that and look, that NXT is no longer a developed ter- de- development of territory like FCW, you know, kind of was. Um, he he's, you know, I, I hope. Uh, Fans will give him a chance. Um, I think he's, he's perfect for NXT. I think if you bring him up on the main roster, he's going to get lost because I, I don't know. He, he's he got main roster vibes, though. He's a guy that could hold this title. He's a guy that could wreak havoc in NXT. Yep. I'm all about his return, man. I really Me am. too. I, I kind of forgot completely about him. And Me, I, I did. The, I did, the, sure did. Watching him out there, I just was like, wow, he's – he he's different. He really does kind of feel like a monster. And right now, there's, it's kind of a, a time that, I mean, I could see Joe winning the title, and in six months, this guy beating him for the title if sure. they want to go that way. Sure. Like, I really see that because look and around. No problem with that, dude. Right? Look, like, look around NXT. You got Gargano. You got Cole. You've got uh, Kushida. You've got uh, you know some others, but it doesn't feel like there's like anybody that's really like the next main event person. This is someone they could put a rocket behind, and um, I'm very curious if they do because he, he. I looked at him and thought Vince would eat this guy up. Look at the pecs. Look at the tries. <laughs> look at, look at the striation on those veins. muscles. <laughs> yeah, and this is a guy you're probably not going to have to worry about for a while with the contract stuff, right? We've heard all the rumors. Adam Cole's with this and this Dunn person just, just popped out today too. Dunn, another one. So you're not going to have to worry about. Hey, we need to put this title on this guy to keep him around. So I think he's. Probably there for a while And uh, man the sky's the limit for this dude I've I, I forgotten all about him Forgotten about his style Me The too. dude can go man he's an animal 
Uh, we got Monet, Robert Stone, and Jess Kamea backstage. Um, they, uh, Monet blames the loss on Stone, and she says that Stone and Kamea are used to losing. And she says if this group is going to work, it's going to be built in her image. And uh, Stone is kind of following them around, you know. Um, he said he's <laughs> going to take the offer, so he's got like the like the little lab dog. Um, I I don't this this is like this is was entertaining. I don't mind it. I just I I it was a little mixed feelings with. With how they were presenting Frankie Monet, yeah. I thought they were kind of presenting her like she was a big deal, and they've they've bumped her back down a little bit. So maybe they have a, a, another plan for her. Um, but yeah, I, I I thought I don't she doesn't feel quite as as important as she did a month ago. No, a little comedic again, and mm-hmm. she's a fantastic human being. Uh, whether whether you know inside the ring or outside the ring. You know, she was kind of sitting on her hands for a little bit. You know, we got a tease for what a month about her. Then she comes in and, and kind of like has a match or two. Then uh, she's taken off TV. She's not at the uh, Great American Bash, which I probably that that was probably a miss. But mm-hmm. you know, if she's going to be on TV. I guess you got to put her in something. But I hate it. I, I don't want it to be. And, and look, she's a funny human being, and this this probably fits her well. I just don't want to see her in silly segments every week. I need to see her in the ring, and I need to see her win a match or two. Now, look, I'm okay for waiting since you've got an amazing, amazing storyline with this NXT women's title with Dakota and and Raquel. I don't mind her waiting it out, but, man, it sure seems like they're going the silly route. I like Robert Stone, too. Me, too. very entertained with this, but we made a big deal about Frankie. Let's, Let's make her a big deal. We got a good match between Roderick Strong and and Bobby Man, Fish. And that was good. You know what? This this was, um, this was, a remember me performance from Roderick. Oh yeah. You know, like Solid. because this was a guy that was a, a a main eventer in Ring of Honor. This was it like Mister Ring of Honor for for a long time. This was a dude who had incredible 30, 40 hour long matches, just with some of the best and. He has had struggles cutting promos, and so you know he didn't always connect 100% in NXT. But this is the best he's looked or felt in a while, I thought. And I, I think that he might—you kind of forget about him. Like, hey, if Samoa Joe wins a match, uh, wins against Cross, like I wouldn't mind seeing Samoa Joe Roderick Strong, you know, go at it. Like, if he was someone that they wanted to elevate for a, a title shot against Joe or something. So he is. He's someone that I think is going to be there. You could tell the pudding with Bivens, the the kind of repackaging him a little bit. He's someone I think they want to get behind. Heck, I gotta say, I I, w- I am much more into him than Kyle O'Reilly. One hundred percent. And they're very similar, right? They're kind yeah, of they are excellent built, in the ring, yeah. But they're not like I don't, I don't want to say charismatic, but they're they're just not like a character wrestlers. They're more in ring work wrestlers. But Roddy, for some reason, I connect with a little more than O'Reilly. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought this was some of the best. Like, at least he's looked in a long time, and and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm fine. You know, with Roddy wrestling on my TV every week. Uh, a much a much needed. Uh, not that uh, he's not, but uh, he needed a good quality match on television, and we got it. Uh, these two, you know, base, you know, veterans. They they've. They've been in groups together. They've worked each other. That's why our Ring of Honor was fantastic during this run where you had him, uh, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, 
Uh, I think you had a, a, a young Matt Taven. Um, you had these guys that were just incredible wrestlers. Um, and that's what, that's what you need to do um, is put them on TV. And when you can't cut a good promo, what do you do? You, you kind of stick somebody with them. Let's build off this, though. Now, and you right? let them get over by wrestling. Yes. That's how they get over. 100%. And so let's build on this. The dude can go. Now let, let's give him some quality opponents and build him up on NXT. This this was a fantastic match. Really good Absolutely. stuff here. Really, really agree. Um, Cameron Grimes and L.A. Knight backstage. L.A. Knight wants to know if he can <laughs> trust Grimes. And Grimes he want to know if you can trust me. Can you <laughs> trust me? I'm still wearing this butler gimmick thing going on back here. Of course you can trust me. I'm a man of my word. Can I trust you? I, I just absolutely love all of this stuff. And this was... This was perfect. Like, this is how things are built. You get Grimes out there. You remind us when Grimes is in the ring that the dude can go, you know? Yeah. And yeah. He, he has a little spurt where he's looking good and he's, he's two on one and he's doing everything he can. Um, but then it just, the, the, the numbers games becomes too much for him. He tries to tag LA Knight. And of course, LA Knight drops down and, and, and leaves. <laughs> um, and so, you know, Grimes gets beat down and, um, and then. After the match, uh, so the grizzled young veterans win, and post match, the uh, DiBiase comes out and he talks to Grimes and he says, "You know, I I, I told you Knight wouldn't be there. He said for you. He said I I know you want to be a man of your word, but you gotta find a way to get yourself out of this situation, son. You gotta find a way." <laughs> it, was, it was good, man. I just this is honestly my favorite thing in wrestling, and I don't know what else is close. <laughs> it's uh. You know, I, I, we asked, you know, they were going to tag. So what do you want them to do? You know, it, you kind of want them to win. But at the same time, you know, you want Grimes to be the loser so you can build this heat back up. So when they do um, have a rematch for this million dollar title, you know, there's all different ways you can go with this again. You know, DiBiase could turn. Um, I, I like to see DiBiase involved because it even feels more important. I just, you know, Cameron Grimes, I liked him in Impact, and he has been a absolute star. And uh, I, I'm with you. This is fantastic stuff. And I, I don't think Vince has got to love this guy, right? You have to. Like you have Vince to. Has this gotta this look is at a this raw guy. segment. That's yeah. raw stuff right there. Man. This is like Vince one like hundred percent. He's got to look at this and be like. Oh wow, the guy. The only thing I worry about is the accent. Mm-hmm. Been, hey, hate yeah, the like the, about the southern drawl, yeah. right? That accent, but he's got like um, it's not. He reminds me of the Miz. There's not nothing about how he wrestles or even, but there's something about like the the way he the character, and it's not even like a heel thing, but it's like. I can just see Vince loving this guy and and seeing like using him and and he's good enough in the ring to where you can make him this lovable loser, but then he can get over and win a match. And then I saw like there was a little glimpse when he, like for a moment I was like, oh my gosh, there's Daniel Bryan, you know. And I've heard people, <laughs> sure, I've heard sure. people compare that to Grimes when he works because he 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 works like a freaking awesome, like a maniac. Yeah, when he's he in is. there. You forget of the exhibition stuff he was doing in TNA and Impact. You know, it's. Just uh, one of my favorite things each and every week, and then perhaps the best thing on this show was the uh, Dakota Kai promo. I thought, and the oh, package man. solid to, to 
talk about why she turned on Raquel, how she made Raquel. She brought her in here. She made her a big deal. And then Raquel didn't care about their tag team feud and their tag team titles. And Raquel was fine with just, you know, she should have been the one standing in the ring with Bianca and Rhea and the other NXT women's champs. I love this. I thought this was great. We've been waiting for a while. It felt like Raquel hadn't was she's cooled off a little bit, but I I mean pretty instantly with this, she feels more important because I'm very intrigued. I don't think Dakota is going to beat her, but you know what? Dakota can go too. They're gonna have a really good match. And I think one of my favorite lines that she said at the end, she said, I was I was made your sidekick. I'm nobody's <laughs> sidekick. I like this. It was uh it was great, man. Um uh, it it makes you want Dakota to win this title you know she's number one she's great uh in uh on promo she's great in the ring uh it it makes you want to see the match even more and I'm with you I I think Raquel was uh she was kind of put in a weird position after she won the title there was a little shake-up that she got put in this tag tournament so to speak and that yeah you know, I, I didn't want to see that as my champion because you know they're they're not going to win the belts. And then the storyline was there. We called it. Hey, look, she's got a mm-hmm. turn on her now. It's a fantastic turn. This promo was Money. was lights out, dude. Good. Lights out. And man, I'm like, man, I want Dakota to win as much Clip. as I like Gonzalez. Man, Me I too. Wanna, I want to clips it. from the May Young Classic. It was fantastic you know, when, when Raquel like got upset right off the bat and talking about how she helped Raquel. It was. This is the kind of stuff that they do better than better. any, not even wrestling company. Movies. Like, you have move, seen anything. The packages, they're like, it's like a trailer. But like, and it's amazing. Like, if you just watched some of these things, you'd you like, you'd expect the week to week stuff to be a lot better <laughs> because you'd be like, holy crap, how did you make it look so great? You know, like it's but uh, but no, the Dakota stuff's been good and um yeah, this is where where they always get an A plus for me with their production, their video packages, stuff like that. Um, we got we got the setup for the love her or lose her <laughs> match, where our boy Dexter Loomis was gonna face Johnny Gargano. That was in the main event, so we can talk a little bit about that. They end up having that match, and Johnny wins. But even after he wins, as they uh, <laughs> you know, as they walk out and as they leave. Um, Indy actually <laughs> runs back to the ring and she jumps on Loomis and they start kissing and Carcano and Candice are just like bothered so grossed out by this so we'll probably get a tag match with these two right at some point yeah takeover would be would be, it'd be fun and it'll be Look. fun it's goofy and we don't get goofy but like a mixed tag with these four will kind of be funny and goofy but good and and then I don't know maybe they Get, do, do, when, when they were showing those shirts last week With Loomis in the way shirts Like I need one of those damn shirts And I need to like I don't mind this moving forward I do feel I don't feel say feel bad for Gargano Because it's like man another one like Imagine him and Cole just like being on the main event On the main yeah. roster in like yeah. Like even if you're not going to have those guys be Your like why can't they be In IC or US title feuds Right, like you're yeah, telling me, it can't be mid card title contenders like the old IC title, Mister Perfect. You know the real workers of the world. Um, but but Gargano does seem to be pretty in. Like he seems like he's having a good time with this. So that's that's my only thing. Uh, yeah. 
you know, we complained, where was Dexter Loomis? He was missing for a while. And now that he's back, it's just, it's great television. Those creepy ass drawings he's that so he's good. doing. And it's like, it's <laughs> the part perfect. And, and, and I, I, I loved her or, or, or lose her match. I mean, who could pull that off? Not Impact, not AEW, not anyone. WWE slash NXT pulls this off. It, 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 the storytelling was perfect. Uh, and her running back in and just, it was. <laughs> just, just I, I popped, man. It I was wanted just, like, uh, I, in my head, I heard, like, I've had the time, the time of my oh, life. Yeah. <laughs> like, as she's running there, you know. It's like, <laughs> he just picks her up, like, dirty dancing, and they, you know, and they do, they do the dance, you yeah. know. I, it was, uh, yeah, mixed tag. Hopefully, it, it's it's on Takeover. Um, but if if it's on NXT, I'm okay with that because it's a it's a fun mixed tag match. And look, <laughs> Loomis can go, man. That that dude, and, he was good in Impact, and he's he he can go. Shout out for uh, the uh, Dexter reboot. It's uh, the the uh, yeah, coming yeah. coming back in a couple months. If you're a fan of the old Dexter series, it's going to be coming back. So a lot of the same uh, a lot of the same people too. So I, I'm sure they love throwing him out there right now with the Dexter <laughs> stuff coming oh, yeah. back. Uh, um, we got. Um, so Adam Cole not currently medically cleared. Kyle O'Reilly attacked him last week. They're gonna have a face-to-face segment next week. See, this is the kind of thing that um, I would love AEW to do if they're not gonna put someone on the show that week. Just give me something like this, where it's like, okay, oh hey, like yeah, he's not medically able to wrestle this week, but um, you know, Miro and they, they've done an okay job with Miro with that. Like he's he's cut some promos when he hasn't been there to kind of keep this this gimmick that he's got going. But I would love for them to just give me a little quick video. Okay, hey, this person, one of our major players, isn't on this week. Here's why. Boom. That's all. It doesn't take long. Just a quick little thirty seconds. Other than you know it having to be a stupid contract signing. Or, or, or AEW, yeah. these, these silly weigh-ins. The weigh-in um, stuff, we don't need that. But just, just a, a vignette. This is, or just, this is fine. Yeah. Not a promo oh, yeah. from her home. Hey, you know what? I was, I'm, I'm banged up this week or whatever, but I'm coming back to get you next week. Like, just remind us. Cole's not gone. They, they needed to remind everybody. With all of them. <laughs> right. Wait, they, wait, if wait, he wouldn't have up. showed up this week, they would have been like, uh-oh, Cole's Uh-oh. gone. <laughs> He's going to show up at NXT. Um we got the NXT breakout tournament. Trey Baxter, Joe Gacy. Trey Baxter picks up the win here. So Trey looks good. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, they're continuing on. I did, I, did, I thought the match was pretty good. I thought he was fine. Um, I think I might have liked one or two of the others a little more yes, than I've seen yes. so far. So like nothing bad about it, but I don't, I, I don't get the feeling he's winning. No, and I think what do we have the semifinals coming up, yeah, or is this yeah. the quarterfinals we have coming up? Uh, yeah, no, no, there, there's more. Impressive. I, I know they like Baxter. Duke versus Carmelo. Like it, it feels like Duke is the one that you know, like we've we've yeah. kind of felt like was the most ready. You know, right now he's kind right. of got the the full package, the presentation. And I think it was um, uh, Jones who's who's the real big one, the big yes. guy that can, that yeah. can go. So I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe that was the the uh, the final Jones versus Duke, or or if maybe they have Baxter win and they'll have him be kind of like the the baby face, you know, to, you know, to, to, to against Duke or Carmelo in the finals. So I think those are the finals of the semis, uh, Baxter versus Jones and then Duke Hudson versus 
Carmelo Hayes. Hey, shout out Carmelo Anthony uh, throwing another <laughs> another one on the Lakers roster there with uh, with Jesus a cast of characters that we've got over here right now. I'm just gonna uh, uh, yeah uh, I'll refrain from saying anything and I'll just watch I'll, I'll watch when it when it happens. But um, you know NXT is does a uh, they're also man they're pushing NXT UK. Do you ever watch that at all? No. I don't. I, I don't. I, I just don't either. I used to at the very, very beginning. At the very beginning, I would just like throw it on as background noise, and it's not bad. It's, sure. it's just like anything. It's just there's just so like so much. Before, yeah. before I was watching Dynamite, right? Before we were watching, you know, another couple hours of wrestling every single week. Um, I would, I would kind of have more time for that, but I really don't like now. You know, it's um. It's unfortunate because there are some talented, really talented people on there. We saw Drew Drop come out of there. We saw like Devlin's on there um, right now, and you know Walter and there's there's talent on there. It's just um, they, yeah, it's it hasn't been promoted very well. I mean, they haven't done. A, they don't even really do a good job on Raw and SmackDown of promoting NXT. No, and they've tried to what they've tried to put they some did of these a couple of those know, promos that were kind of cool, and then they just stopped with they them. They stopped doing it. Yeah, I, I just look. I, I think with Rampage, what is this? Ten hours. We got three for Raw, two for SmackDown. That's five. Two for NXT. That's seven. Two, two for, for AEW Dynamite, and that's nine. And then we got ten between two companies only. Two companies, and then look, Impact, who's on AEW sometimes, is two hours. Uh, NWA's yep. on Fight TV. I, I I don't have Fight. I, Ring I, of I, Honor, so I don't you can watch, watch that. TV, I think on their website a lot of the time. If you yeah, don't Ring have of it. Honor, we we have a Sinclair station here, uh, so there it's on often, and I'll keep it in the background. And they're doing. I, I, I tell you this to give a shout out. Uh, I watch Impact. I, I like a couple of people on Impact. Deanna Perrazzo. Uh, uh, Steve Macklin, I, I like some of those guys. There's some Ring of Honor stuff that they're doing really well. I just think they're a victim of being too much. There's too much wrestling, and and, and I hate that, especially uh, for Ring of Honor because there's there's some really talented there people is. in these companies. Gresham, it yeah, it's just tough, PWG. Man. Uh, yeah, uh, man, was up was up last weekend too, and there was a lot of buzz coming out of PWG because Malachi yeah. Black showed up there. Sure, um, uh, Orange Cassidy showed up there, um, and. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a bummer because there are some good stuff on uh, on NXT UK, and we'll see if they can do a better job of promoting that, or maybe just kind of combining it a little bit with uh, with NXT. Um, you know, just in- incorporating some of their bigger stars on NXT and making us care about them and kind of building them up for us a little bit more. The, I think Walter the, coming over for the takeover will uh, help. Will help. going to help big time. Yeah, I don't like this Io Shirai Zoe Stark stuff. This is it's, weird. So odd. What are we doing here? Weird. The two, food, two, two the Japanese food, and, and now it was we're like, doing silly segments with them. I know. I, I don't like is, it. Don't like no. it. No, these are workers. Put them in the <laughs> ring. I do not. I do not like this at all. So hopefully we get a hard. I mean, they're weird sushi. She doesn't like the sushi. She tries to give her a hug. She doesn't want to give her a hug. Hug. Yeah. She's talking weird. to the waitress. Then she says something <laughs> about Kansas and Japan. I just was like, what the. F- <laughs> what yeah, is this, going on? Yeah. <laughs> this felt uh, very rawish. I, I don't even know if it, it felt rawish. It just oh, felt it was ish. Bad. It was something. It was... And it's two of them we've had, I think, from yes. these two. No, don't. If one no. of them's hurt, let one of them work and the other one be at ringside because I, they both can go. So don't do this. It's just, it's awkward for both of them. We got a. Uh... 
promo from Kushida again, like Kushida. He's he mentioned uh, he's giving Roderick Strong a title shot. That's gonna be yes. an awesome match. Love We're it. gonna get Roderick Strong versus Kushida. That thing's gonna be fifteen or twenty minutes. It's gonna be amazing. Would and, you be okay uh, with Roderick Strong winning this title? Yes, sure. You ready to see him in the main picture? See, I I would prefer him in the main picture. But if they okay. don't have that plan for him, like if they like, let's say they think he's, you know, um, maybe they want Kushida to move up a little, right. you know, and 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 that that's fine. Um. I, I don't I don't mind either because I like both of them. I like where they're going with both of them. I I feel like they're both good in ring, but they've done a little better. Kushida's been a little cold lately. Uh, just it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind the last few weeks. But this could be really good for him and for the both of them. Um, and uh, and then yeah, we got a cross and Joe. Joe ends up choking out one of the security <laughs> guards here. <laughs> As the fans chant, Joe, he puts this guard to sleep, and he is. As good at making you believe in the real, in the intensity, I don't care if he's standing in the ring with Karrion Cross or with Brock Lesnar. He had really good matches and good. He did great stuff with Brock. It, it like it felt real with Joe when he was with Roman. It felt anyone you put him in the ring with, he feels like he belongs. And so it was a bummer to me that he didn't necessarily get the run that he probably deserved on the main roster. Um, but coming back to NXT, if you want to put the title on him for a while and have him be a, a badass dude that people are chasing, and and he can maybe help put some other people over on the way, I like this. I like this use for Joe. It's sort of like what they were they were doing with Finn for a while, and it would be great if we could do the same thing with Joe, right? Have him be here for a couple months or a year, maybe have a nice little six month reign. Somebody beats him for the title, and Joe could move back up. That would be nice. You know, you I think you said it earlier. Um, not all good talent is a great fit for certain organizations. And I felt like if you're going to have Samoa Joe in WWE, he definitely felt like he probably should have been on the SmackDown brand for, for what, whatever it's worth. He, right. he wasn't right. That's what made him really attractive in TNA impact. I, I, I know his roots are, you know, he, he goes back to the indie days, but really, really began to angle stuff. Teeth. Yeah. The stuff and, leading up to angle was incredible. And, and for not to have a place on him on, on that WWE main roster was just insane. And, and I, I, I don't know the specifics. Maybe they thought they didn't think he was going to be cleared or, or maybe he thought he didn't. But man, it, it sure is. He gets released, he returns to NXT, then he's immediately cleared. So regardless, it's worked out. Um, I still think uh, whatever happens with Adam Cole, uh, do not let him get away without doing Cole and Samoa Joe on NXT. You can't, and just don't let him get away. Like, no, ever. Of all of the people, of all of the people that I look around and go, there's no reason why you just can't pull him up. Even think about how Adam Cole was treated when he was on the main roster for a little bit when they brought him up and they were doing the stuff with NXT. They treated him like a star. Yeah, he he got wins over Daniel Bryan. He was getting wins over Rollins. Like he was looking good. They never made him come in and look like a joke. So why can't you bring him back up? Because the little taste we've got of him, you could do just what you did with Keith Lee. Hey, remember Adam Cole? We had him up on the main roster a couple years ago. He beat Seth Rollins, you know, you don't want to say Daniel Bryan, that's fine, you know, show us what he's done, remember when they had the the Survivor Series where they were pushing NXT like it was a legitimate threat to Raw and SmackDown, Adam Cole's 32, 
Like he's not old He's one of the guys that If you bring him up to your main roster He is one that people Will get behind And be really excited for If you get behind him So I think of everybody You cannot let that guy go He he feels like one that you just can't And it's such a As we finish up here with this week in wrestling It's just it's a bummer with all the releases That we've had recently because We don't know what's going on behind the scenes We don't know if this is Vince making these calls Or Nikon making these calls Or whoever we don't know if it's Strictly business stuff if they're cutting Some of the bigger salaries just to make their bottom line Look a little bit better or Who knows but if you're telling me That like Malachi Black Bray Wyatt Um Adam Cole we just mentioned Samoa Joe like You cannot tell me there's not a place For these guys on your roster somewhere You you can't these are really Talented in and out Of the ring that you have to Be able to find a place for even if You don't love them Vince like if Vince If they're not your particular flavor You can't you Have to look at them and see the talent here And if you're not then That's a little bit eye opening And a little bit worrisome if like you know Maybe you don't didn't love Bray Wyatt But you look at Bray Wyatt and you go oh that guy's a little different You know he's got a little something that You know it, this is a variety show in wrestling He's got something that you know for others So it's just a little bummer the last Few weeks like you gotta find ways To use these talent more and it's another NXT guy that, that Was great like Triple H probably sitting There going come on Vince Like <laughs> you know come On don't do this to me you, nothing, nothing shocks me anymore, especially ap- after the the last year with all these releases. But it, I would really be surprised if now look if they make him an offer and he chooses not to sign. That's, that's one different. thing. That's that, different. That's completely different. But it, 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 you can sign as many talented young people that's in Impact, Ring of Honor, AEW. Anybody from high school, college, and bring them to the performance center, you're not guaranteed they're going to be anything in this company. Adam Cole is a guaranteed he's got star. It. He's you got have it. to make him. The crowd is he he's such a he's such a sure thing. Yeah. Like I, there are oh, yeah. so few wrestlers out there. It's like I like Ricochet, but like crowd like I would love Ricochet to get a push, but if you put Adam Cole in the ring right now, the crowd is going to be chanting "Baby!" Like, oh, one hundred percent! Instantly, he, he, he doesn't have yeah. to do anything. He's no, already he, he's 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 bonafide. He he's guaranteed. He's been a star everywhere he's been. Everywhere, and, a top uh, guy. And, and this is a no brainer. No brainer here. Let's see it. Come on, WWE, get behind Adam <laughs> Cole, baby, and uh, let's get Adam Cole and Joe. And uh, and then let's get Adam Cole up to the main roster, please. This guy could do it. And uh, uh, yeah, he, he he's just it's a bummer when we see the the releases. There have been too many of the releases lately too. You know that we we hate seeing people lose their jobs, but hopefully they go somewhere else and they'll get whether it be AEW, Impact, somewhere another business, another whatever. They'll go to and they'll be able to be happy. They'll they'll feel like they were used. They'll feel uh they'll feel pleased with uh you know someone like Cardona probably didn't love getting released, but. Things have gone well for him. He's been very buzzy. He's bounced all around. He showed up in Ring of Honor. He showed up in Impact for a little bit. He's been in Impact. I think he he had one thing on AEW at one time, but for the most part, it's been indie stuff, and he just 
had that na- match with Gage. He was bleeding like crazy. He was in a PBR commercial that was on AEW <laughs> the other day. So sometimes you think it's going to be the worst, but it could turn out the best. And uh, yeah, Cardona is an example. One man who is always the best, and he is never the worst. That is Chad Cooper. Always <laughs> the- <laughs> Chad, well, my man. My man, Chad Cooper. Thank you so much again, buddy, for uh, hanging out this week. Thanks for uh, being flexible and recording a little later with me than normal. And now, man, when in a, in, a, in another week, we're gonna have another hour of wrestling. We're gonna have these next few weeks with SummerSlam approaching, with Rampage, with the Daniel Bryan, CM Punk rumors, with the Arthur Ashe going to New York stuff for AEW, and even in like a scary, keep our fingers crossed, the possibility of like all of this having to go without fans or in different yeah. places um, or major restrictions, there is a a lot to be keeping our eyes on in wrestling over the next few weeks. Uh, it is uh, like I said in the very beginning uh, of of uh, this. That's this week in wrestling. This is an interesting time for this for this industry, and it's only going to get more interesting. As uh, these big name players start showing up on AEW, and I know it kills some of the WWE universe, you know, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe, maybe Vince, you know, needs to see some of this. Uh, maybe he, like you said, he doesn't care a whole lot. Um, let's see if AEW can can use it uh, for its advantage. Um, you know, not every star that you sign is going to be a star over there, and you definitely don't want to be. Uh, NWO, WCW 2.0, it kind of feels that way um, a little bit because mm-hmm. there's the making of that. But, uh, you know, I'm going to wait and see what this Friday Night Rampage does. Um, yeah. You know, I, 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 I'm going to give it a chance. And if it's something that's uh, that's good and I'm invested in, I'll watch it. But, uh, you know, Friday night, the, the first two are really going to be interesting because I think they're going to be live. Then after that, it's going to be the telltale sign. And, and this uh, is something that wrestling companies have done for a long time. Um, WWE had a really bad habit of doing this. Now, they would make a show. I remember the first episode they aired of Main Event. Do you remember that on the WWE show, uh, Main Event? It was on broadcast. It was on, I think it was on Sci Fi. It was on a network and they, it would, they would promote the show. It, when it would be built around one match And it was really cool They would have both guys Cut these crazy promos Like big long promos They'd build it up, they'd show footage And then it would be like a 20 minute match The first one they ever did Was WWE champion Shame, or CM Punk Versus world heavyweight champion Sheamus It was a champion versus champion match Okay. Um, yeah. On there, and they set it all up, and it was like main event's gonna be awesome. And then three weeks later, it was nothing, nothing. You know. So I'm I'm really curious: is Rampage going to be SmackDown? Is it going to be just like SmackDown, or is it going to be darker elevation? And and in like two months, we're just seeing those really like C level storylines on there. Um, I don't think they want it to be, and uh, they have enough talent and they have enough to spread it out. So. Really curious to, to how that's going to play out in a couple weeks Just a week actually uh, Yeah just a week The first two are going to be really really good Remember it's an hour How many matches do we get Do they try to shove three, four, five matches in an hour Do we get segments um, Do we have holdovers from Wednesday night 
Um, do we have feuds that are built on or matches that are built on Wednesday and carry over to Friday and then vice versa Friday to Wednesday? Um, interesting time, man. And, uh, if you like wrestling, uh, this is the greatest time to be a fan right now because there's plenty of it. This week in wrestling with Chad Cooper Every week here on That's What G Said Loop, my man, thank you so much Make sure to give Chad a follow On Instagram and on Twitter At the Chad Cooper You can follow along with everything he's got going on And uh, if you want to uh, talk some trash To Chad and I, feel free We, we like it, <laughs> we, we enjoy it Because we're passionate wrestling fans too And we uh, we will agree and disagree on Some of the things that, that we like out there But you know what? That's uh, that's what it's all about. It's all about uh, some difference of opinions. And if we all loved the same stuff, it would be boring. It would be sure. super super <laughs> boring. Chad Cooper, my man, uh, appreciate it, buddy, and look forward to chatting with you next week. We well, got it, Gino. We'll see you next week. Do not go anywhere, folks. Still plenty more on that's what G said. Big weeks ahead in the world of wrestling. Chad Cooper will be here with us each and every week to discuss what's been going on in uh, AEW, in WWE, with Raw, with SmackDown, with NXT, with any of their pay-per-views, with news all around. If there's anything big happening in the indies and in other wrestling promotions, we'll let you know about it on This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. That's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said. Big thank you uh, again to Chad and to Eric for helping us out on this one. Good luck to you in the weekend racing Saratoga, Del Mar, Friday and Saturday. And don't forget, if you uh, were interested in catch, uh, catching up on everything that happened in uh, the NBA free agency, we have all that earlier this week on That's What G Said. We also have a segment that discussed all the major MLB baseball trades and the trade deadline. And next week, we will have more with the uh, NFL NFC previews with Eric and then what if the show, uh, the new Disney Plus show, will be coming uh, next week, I believe. So we'll have the man, Tim Kelly, to join us with uh, another one of those MCU reviews. Thanks so much for tuning in, folks. Have a great weekend. Best of luck.